Welcome and good morning. Let's give a big round of applause to ACB Radio. Woo! Thank you all so much for coming and volunteering, giving of your hard-earned money, time, and talent, treasure, to be part of this organization. It is powerful to see this crowd assembled here today, and I just want to say thank you from the American Council of the Blind. Together for a brighter future. All right. So, with that said, uh, we're going to turn it over to Eric Bridges, who's going to give us a little bit of logistics, and then we're going to move right into the program with our development team. So, Eric? Well, good morning, everyone. It is a pleasure to have you all with us this weekend, and uh, hope folks are enjoying the, the hotel. Um, I've heard good things about the staff from folks. Um, would like to uh, have uh, sent out a couple of thank yous before we get started. One is to Kelly Gask. Um, she did uh, the site selection and has been uh, managing this little project that we now call the DC Leadership Meetings, which seemingly is nearly as long as the convention now, uh, starting on Friday and going all the way through Tuesday, Wednesday even. So, um, but thank you very much to her uh, for all of her work. Uh, also, thank you very much to Sharon Levering. All the beautiful Braille and large print agendas and documents that you will get today, tomorrow, uh, she put together. So, uh, and also I'd like to thank and acknowledge uh, Jolyn Bailey-Page and Nancy Becker for all of their assistance. So basically, I'm here because I'm like the bathroom guy. So that's what logistics means, I think. The logistics of going to the bathroom. Where are they? So as you exit this ballroom, you turn to the right. And uh, just after you pass under the archway, uh, on the left-hand side are the men's and women's bathrooms. Uh, and as you as you turn to the left to go to the bathrooms. The women's are on the left and the men are on the right because men are always right. So just... All right. (laughs) I've been married too long. I know that's not true. Um, So at any rate, if there are questions or concerns that you have throughout the course of the day, Uh, Please feel free to come to me or or any one of the individuals I I just referenced. Uh, They'll be in the room. Uh, But I want to welcome you again, and let's have a a fun and entertaining day. Thank you, Eric. And never minimize the value of logistics for this organization. (laughs) 
Today we're going to have a really, we really have a packed agenda, so we're going to work real hard to keep everybody on schedule as we move through the day. But you'll see a theme throughout the, the session today, and it's really focused on highlighting our nine program steering committees. And the first one that we're going to hear from today is our development-slash-fundraising steering committee. Uh, that is uh, co-chaired uh, from the staff by Tom Tobin and from the membership lead by Dan Dillon. And Dan Dillon is going to be our MC today. Also in this panel will be uh, Donna Brown from our ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk team, Leslie Spoon from the Summer Auction, Michael Garrett from Monthly Monetary Support, MMS, David Trott with the Braille Forum, and last but not least, Tom Tobin, our Development Director on Plan Giving. So with that said, I'm going to turn it over to Dan Dillon and the Development Steering Committee. Let's hear it for Dan. All right, Dan. You're on the clock, Dan. Stopwatch is going. Thank you, sir. Oh, good morning, everyone. Part of finding the restrooms is also, that includes finding the microphone, too, you know. So, uh, yes, okay. Well, welcome, everyone. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk briefly about our Angel Tribute Program. But I also want to say that... Many of you have heard about our fundraisers before, but never, never forget this fact that we have a lot of new people here, and they need to hear about our fundraisers. So please uh, bear with us and be patient. Uh, we were working on several new angels. And the people that aren't familiar with the uh, ACB Angel Tribute Program, this is where we recognized uh, people that have contributed a great deal to the American Council of the Blind who have passed on. And yes, it is a fundraiser. It does bring some money into the American Council of the Blind, but more important, it recognizes these people that have given so much of their lives to ACB. And I want to put out a reminder there uh, for all of you. This year we're working on an ACB angel for Derwood K. McDaniel. And uh, yes, long, long, long overdue, I feel. Uh, but um, I was told that Alan Casey, the uh, former chair of the uh, Derwood K. McDaniel uh, First Timers Committee, came up with this idea. And the present uh, chair of the uh, Derwood K. Uh, First Timers Edward K. McDaniel, first-timers uh, committee, uh, Kenneth Simeon, is promoting this in, in a big way, and as well it should be promoted. And I just want to urge you people to please think seriously about making a contribution to, uh, to the Derwood K. McDaniel Angel Tribute uh, Fund 
And you can do that by going to the ACB website, making a contribution. You can call the Minnesota office and talk to someone there. Make a contribution with your credit card. Or you could talk to Nancy Becker right here this weekend about making a contribution. Um, and uh, contributions can be made by individuals. They can be made by affiliates. In, in some cases, affiliates have gone in together to, to, uh, to contribute to, to an angel. So I just wanted to make you all aware of that. And thank you for listening. And now I'd like to introduce to you the chair of the walk committee. Talk about the ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, Donna Brown. Good morning, everyone. Uh, so the ACD, ACB, um, let me get my letters right. I am a teacher, and sometimes I get my letters mixed up. Uh, the ACB walk. Um, actually, I'm not going to talk very long, but in your packet, you, there is a, a paper that talks about the walk. It says walking without taking a step, and, you know, the walk committee always comes up with weird stuff. So read that handout. Um, but also, if you are a large print user, we, again, because we do things different, we have it on yellow paper. Uh, so it would be easier for you to find our lovely handout. But I'm hoping ACB Radio can play the walk song for us here in a second. Um, because after the walk song, I want you to sit back and enjoy a short performance by my friends, Skeptical Sarah Conrad and Michael the Motivator Tally. So if ACB Radio, I hope, can play the walk song. Oh, okay. Well, it's okay. Okay. Well, you know, we're flexible on the walk committee. It, the, the first part of the skit isn't going to make any sense at first, but listen to it anyway. And then you'll, he you'll hear the walk song, and then you'll say, oh, that skit really did make sense. So, okay. I, I'm... I'm a teacher. I'm flexible. The walk committee takes right after me, and we're good to go. Right. We, we thought we had more time to prepare. What? So pretend you just heard a song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. Sounds like Patsy Cline is in the house. How could that be? Sadly, I believe Patsy Cline passed away many years ago, long before I was born. <clears throat> also... It sounded more like a man singing a song. Maybe it was Patrick Klein? Or hmm, possibly Patrick Sheehan? <laughs> You're right. That was a man singing, but trust me, it was not Patrick Sheehan, okay? <laughs> I mean, if you want to clear the room, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, okay, okay. Actually, the guy you heard singing, or you're going to hear sing, is Josh Haza. He is the music teacher at the West Virginia School for the Blind. He has written and sung the walk song for the last several years um, for ACB. Wasn't that a great song you heard? <laughs> <laughs> I actually have heard it, Mike. So, yes, yes, it, it's pretty great. But what in the world was he singing about I thought I understood him to say something about the ACB walk. How in the world do you do the ACB walk? 
Uh, is that anything like the Texas Two-Step or the Tennessee Waltz? <laughs> no, 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 no. The ACB Walk is actually a fundraiser for ACB and its affiliates. Wait. Oh, my. I don't see how you can raise money by walking. <laughs> don't be so skeptical. <laughs> you can actually um, be a... Um, you can actually be an on-site walker or a virtual walker. Really? Prove it. Well, it, <laughs> it, it's actually been one of the most successful fundraisers for ACB over the last several years. So check this out. Last year, over $80,000 was raised. And the year before that, one year, over $60,000 was raised. And then one year, over $90,000 was raised. I mean, those are some pretty impressive numbers, are they not? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't change my mind very easily. But hey, you know, you've convinced me to find out more about this walk. Uh, When is the walk, and how does one participate? Well, the walk will take place at 7 a.m. on July the 4th at the ACB National Conference and Convention in Schaumburg, Illinois. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop in your tracks. I'm not sure if I'm even going to the convention this year. Even if I do, I often have way too many responsibilities to do a walk. And frankly, I might just not feel like it. I don't want to get up on Saturday morning so early. (laughs) Well, that's the why you can be a virtual walker. That's the beauty of it. And besides, you don't even have to like exercise. Wait, 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 wait. What the heck is a virtual walker? (laughs) Well, a virtual walker is someone that participates without taking a step. Uh, I've heard it all now. That makes absolutely no sense to me. (laughs) Well, so when you register, you have the opportunity to sign up as a virtual walker or an on-site walker. Okay, so I guess that's kind of like a, you know, one of those virtual college classes where I don't even have to show up for class. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Why would I even want to sign up for the walk? As I said, I I hate exercise. (laughs) Well, you don't even have to like exercise, but you do need to like raising money, and you do like raising money for ACB, right? Well, yeah. I, I know ACB really needs the funds for all their awesome programs. Yeah, and there's something even better than just raising money for ACB. Tell me. Well, whenever you sign up, you have the opportunity to join an affiliate or a committee team. And up to 50% of the money raised will go back to that committee or to the affiliate. As a matter of fact, over the last several years, several committees and teams uh, have raised a lot of money. I know ADP last year had a team, and they raised a good bit of money. Oh, yeah, I remember. My affiliate, CCLVI, has received a check for several hundred dollars after the convention the past few years for the walk. There you go. You got it. You have really motivated me to sign up for the walk this year and to encourage my friends to do so as well. Well, that's awesome. If, well, I'll tell you what. Nancy Becker is ready to sign up anyone and would like to encourage each and every one of you to sign up today for the ACB Walk. And um, it will raise a lot, help to raise a lot of money for ACB and its affiliates. Okay, guys. The line to sign up for the walk is behind me.
at the convention sponsored by the ACB as we're walking up a storm in Schaumburg this year. We'll walk a mile all through the hotel and down the hallways through convention center rooms just we're walking. Josh, great job. And we're, our goal this year is $90,000. Please help us achieve that goal, guys. And next on the program is to talk about the uh, ACB auction, Leslie Spoon. Well, good morning, everybody. Morning. Can you hear me? Great. Do you all want to get up and do some exercises? Oh. I love to exercise, but that was a great skit, guys. So I hope everybody does come out for the walk. But now, let's go on to the auction. Yay. So you know how we all love to, to bid and give, so we really, really want to say thank you, thank you, thank you from the auction committee from last year. So all the affiliates that gave and the donors. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I learned that this weekend. Say thank you three times. So if you see anybody, when you go home to your states, 
you say thank you three times. So that was, that was a good lesson I learned this weekend. So I just want to tell everybody the auction will be July 7th, Tuesday night. Um, previews at 6, and then it starts at 7. So make sure you have lots of cash, lots of credit cards. There's going to be lots of wonderful items as usual. Jeff Tom has done a wonderful article already, so look in the Braille forum for that. Um, you know, we have our usual wonderful auctioneers and describers we'll be getting again. Um, and we even have an, uh, have an employee this year auctioneering. So we're very excited. Our own Cindy Van Winkle, she'll be our, our employee auctioneer. So that's exciting. And I guess we're going to raffle off my husband this year. So, wow. So, you know, you guys get lots of money. He talks a lot. So, you know, get your money ready. <laughs> so, no, um, but seriously, it's called the 2020 Blowout Auction, uh, Tuesday night. We also are doing something different this year. We're going to be at the marketplace. So we're going to give a gift certificate. Um, there's going to be chances to get a gift certificate to use at the night of the auction. A $100 gift certificate, guys and gals. So everybody, ACB family. So this is very, very exciting for us. It's new. Um, so check us out in the marketplace Sunday and Monday. And you can also see our wonderful jewelry that you guys are all going to donate to the auction, which is going to be great. Um, here's something I want you all to listen to, okay? You all listening? It's early, right? So you're listening. May 31st, 2020. Deadline. That is the deadline. May 31st, 2020. I'm going to say it one more time. May 31st. So what have I said? Great. Awesome. Remember that date? If you're not coming to the, to the convention, conference and convention in Schaumburg, Illinois, please, please mail me your items. I'll take anything, anytime. Just mail them to me. Um, whatever you guys want to give. And then if you're going to bring them to the convention and conference, uh, don't take them to the information desk. We're going to write up a little article about it. You're going to take them to Nancy, in a, but not on the first day, so don't bombard her. Please try and reach out to one of us on the auction committee, myself or one of the committee members. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, and now to talk about the uh, mon monthly monetary support program, the MMS program, is Michael Garrett. Come on, Michael. Good morning, everybody. Now, y'all ought to know, it's Sunday morning. It, it's Sunday morning, and you gave the mic to a Baptist preacher. We, we, we might just pass the plate right now. But in, Dan says that's a good idea. But in, anyway, I'm here, I'm here not to pass the plate, but to talk about the Monthly Monetary Support Program, MMS as we fondly call it. This is the opportunity for all of us as individuals to contribute or make a tax-deductible donation to ACB. Everybody can participate. If you remember, on last year, uh, the MMS committee 
launched its 321 campaign. Hopefully y'all remember that. Remember, we passed out the little uh, rocket ships. We launched the program. It, it, it's, it had a wonderful takeoff. But I checked with Mission Control, and they said the rocket boosters fired just fine. The ship took flight, but it lost a little bit of its oomph. And I said, well, what do we need? They said, a little more thrust. And that's where you guys come in. You as leaders in your affiliates and leaders of, of ACB, we need your help to get a little more thrust. You see, ACB, I'm sure, means something to all of us. And MMS needs all of our support. The, the program got its emphasis from the fact that we saw only 266 people, but there was power in that number because they contributed almost $100,000 to ACB. So we thought, three, two, one, if we could just reach three, two, one, 321, how much more power that would give to ACB? Let me ask you a question. How many of you in here are a part of the MMS program? <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Now, you don't have to answer this one, but I, I, I want to I ask this. Has, does ACB mean something to you? ACB has made an impact on your life. Yes. So here's the clinching question. Do the people that you hang out with, your family, your friends, your community acquaintances, do they know how much ACB means to you? Hmm. Hmm. So here's the deal. We always say that we ask too much of our members, but the MMS program allows for other people to contribute also. If they see the enthusiasm that you have, if they see how meaningful ACB has meant to your life, don't you think they would want to contribute also? They can do it. They can make a tax deductible tax-deductible contribution or donation to ACB <coughs> so that there will be more power in that three, two, one. And you know, you know what we do every year. We always give an incentive. This year, if you increase your donation or you're a, do, a new contributor, your name goes into a drawing for an iPhone XR. Yeah. So that's the incentive. We want to reach that three, two, one. So I want you to look 
to the sky as that ACB rocket soars very high. We believe our work has just begun, but we'll only reach temporary satisfaction as we achieve that three, two, one. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Michael. Now to talk about the ACB Braille Forum raffle, Mr. David Trott. Y'all will have to listen up. I'm kind of quiet and shy. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. I know it sounds like we're asking for a lot, but we're not actually asking for a lot from you other than to get out and work because all these fundraisers can be entered into by your family and friends. So you, you don't have to just pull this up yourself. But before I get into the raffle, I want you to thank yourself because as a general rule, these fundraisers bring in about 17% of the income for ACB. Y'all give yourself a hand. Anybody out there know a fellow by the name of Alan Peterson? Yeah. I, I'd like y'all to stand with me and applaud, give him a standing ovation. Alan is a constant seller, 75 tickets. Out of, out of $16,000 raised for the Braille Forum raffle last year, Alan Peterson accounted for over 3,700 of that money. So that is a worker. However, um, you know, I don't think he has the ability to set a goal on his own, so I kind of helped him out this year. His goal is 100 tickets, so y'all kind of help him by encouraging him, you know. But now if you want to buy a ticket, I'm around. <laughs> but realistically, the highlight at the Trot's house every month is the Braille Forum. We get the Braille Forum in every month. Rhonda and I sat down and we have it read to us now. Uh, I finally convinced Rhonda she don't need to strain her eyes. That speech is great. But uh, we do enjoy it. And a lot of people put a lot of hard work into the Braille Forum, and it is our flagship publication for ACB. And this is the way we choose to partially, and I say partially because $16,000 is a very small part of what it takes to produce the Braille Forum every year. Let's try to increase to 20,000 this year, and let's move that 17% up to 20. Let's make 2020 our 20 year. Right. Folks, stick with us. Nancy Becker can sell you tickets if you want to put them on a credit card. Um, I think you may can even go through the ACB store back there. I don't know if you can or not yet. I hadn't had time to get with them. But it's a great time to be in ACB, and thank y'all so much for the money you contribute every year as treasurer. It makes me proud. Thank you. Thank you, David. And now to talk about the Legacy Endowment and Giving Societies, Mr. Tom Tobin. Oh, there's Mike. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, easy to read my notes if they're right side up. Um, before, before I get into those remarks, um, <coughs> I just want to add to, to Dan Dillon's comment about the ACB Angel Program. We already have seven, um, 
And if there's anyone here from Arkansas, um, I understand you are interested in doing something for Dick Seifert, so I'd love to talk to you about that. <clears throat> if there's anyone here from... Oh, sorry, is that better? Yesterday we were having mic con conflict, so too close, too far. Um, so anyway, if there's anyone here from uh, Arkansas, um, I've heard that there's rumblings about doing an ACB Angel for Dick Seifert. I'd love to hear about that. Um, and the other thing was, I hope you all read the article in the Braille Forum um, about the ACB Angel program. And just wanted to add to what Dan Dillon said, that the deadline is April 30th. So we have a lot of time to add to the seven that we have kind of floating around now. So I welcome you guys to give me a call. Nancy certainly is available, but you can reach out to me as well. Happy to help out. So, um, so on to the uh, talking about uh, legacy giving. Um, I think it was probably two or three years ago I kind of talked about this uh, shortly after we established the Legacy Endowment Fund. So for those that were there and heard that speech then, give me some applause. Okay, good. Now how, how about those that were not there? Let's hear some applause. Yeah, so anyway. Just curious because I really didn't want to bore you guys, but you're getting the same story either way. So <laughs> anyway, um, so by way of reminder, just to remind you guys, in 2014, we created the, the Legacy Society. And I think you all know why we did that. Um, we wanted to have a vehicle in place that would honor and recognize individuals who not only included the American Council of the Blind in their estate plans, but who communicated that ACB was in their estate plan. That's the real link here, the Legacy Society. So... As those of you who look at our website know, when you go online, you can see uh, people that have given us permission to list their names. Those are members of the Legacy Society. Um, so I just encourage all of you who, um, you know, who have ma possibly made plans in your estate for ACB to let me know. Uh, either I can keep it uh, you know, on anonymous, confidential, or we can list it publicly in the Legacy Society. So um, I just wanted to remind you of that because... Uh, that's a big part of um, our, our longevity. So moving forward, um, well, there's also we really want to be able to thank you while you're still alive. So that's probably the most important reason. <laughs> it's a lot easier to thank you while you're still breathing. So anyway, but moving forward to 2018, you guys will all remember we did create the Legacy Endowment Fund. And um, I, I actually think it's one of the greatest things that's been accomplished. I, I backed way off the mic, but I, that in, in 2018, and I think it's one of ACB's uh, crown jewels, one of the things I'm most proud of uh, during my tenure with ACB. So um, all the bequests that we receive go into that legacy endowment fund. And as all you guys know how this system works, that is an endowment fund. So that is the support and, the support and longevity and perpetuity of ACB's legacy. So um, there, was, there was definitely a method to our madness about creating these different funds. But the Legacy Endowment Fund will sustain ACB for many, many years to come. And for those of you that do include ACB in your estate plan, um, that's where you can actually leave your own legacy. I don't know about you guys, but I think leaving a legacy where all, everyone in this room is here for a reason, I think ACB is really important, right? So uh, leaving your own legacy by including ACB in your estate plan is a great way to leave your mark after you're gone. And that Legacy Endowment Fund will live on in perpetuity, as I said. So. It's a great way to, um, you know, to do something that will last forever. Um, and finally, I just wanted to mention that um, if any of you have questions, I know that estate planning and plan giving and 
Um, even just thinking about creating a will, whatever it might be, is really, um, you know, a, a not everyday discussion. We don't want to talk about things that are kind of morbid, but I'd be happy to talk to you about it, uh, confidentially, of course. Um, so you can reach me at my direct dial number on ACB, which is 202-559-2045. That's 202-559-2045. So love to hear from you guys and appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thank you all very much. Uh, let's hear it for the development team. And I would ask uh, Board of Publications, Zelda and Penny, if they could head towards the front. You're on your way. And while they're heading up, just a couple of things. Uh, I, want, I want to just take a moment of uh, privilege here as our ACB president to say that you know, as, as folks know, we are bringing on a new full-time development director, uh, Tony Stevens. He'll start at the beginning of March. But this, but, but I want to spend a minute to just tell you what Tom Tobin has meant to this organization. And Tom's not going anywhere. He's going to be with us until we get into the May time frame. But, you know, we needed to move forward to a full-time development position. And Tom has professionalized development for our organization and taken us to the next level. I became a friend of Tom Tobin's when we introduced, got introduced to each other in 2013. And we have worked uh, together as a team, as a development team over the past seven years. We've been able to grow our development resources by well over 50% during that time. This year we have a, an expected budget of $2 million. And a lot of that is due to Tom. Tom helped us put together the annual giving societies that recognize the members of this organization that give of their, of their treasure each and every year. He's helped us put a direct mail campaign in that actually generates positive revenue for this organization every year. He's helped us create an inside ACB uh, publication that we send out three times a year that reaches out to our stakeholders and our donors. And then he's also helped us get together the endow Legacy Endowment Fund, which has already grown to $1.3 million and will allow us to fund this organization in perpetuity. So I'd like to take a moment just to say thank you, Tom Tobin. And I'd like to say hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Dan. Uh, as Dan said, I'm not going too far. I'll be working with Tony to get him up to speed, and uh, I can't think of a better candidate for this job. Um, as we all know, Tony's a known entity and very capable guy, and it'll be a real pleasure to work with him. And it's been a real pleasure working as your part-time director of development for the past, believe it or not, seven years. So um, anyway, as I told Eric and Dan and other folks on the board, I'm not going to vanish, and I will stay very much a part of this organization. So thanks for your nice words, Dan. Thank you, Tom. And I can't, and, and I, I also want to say, Kenneth Simeon, we are with you. Leslie and Dan Spoon pledge $100 to the Durwood K. McDaniel Angel, and I encourage everybody to do the same. Let's make sure Durwood, has, Durwood K. has his angel before we leave this room today. Thank you all. All right, and now, 
I'd like to introduce to you two wonderful ladies that represent our Board of Publications. They're both elected members of the board. Zelda Gephardt from North Dakota and Cindy Labonte from... No, 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 Penny Reader. Got my wrong Maryland person. I'm sorry. Sorry, Cindy. Sorry, Penny. And, and Penny Reader from Maryland. So Zelda and Penny, thank you. Good morning. Good morning from the BOP. Okay. A lot of you know what the Board of Publications is all about. Um, I know more now than I did seven months ago <laughs> when I was elected. And for those that, of you that don't know, I just want to tell you a little bit about the Board of Publication. The Board of Publication is made up of five individuals. As Dan said, there are three of us that are elected, and that would be Paul Edwards, Penny Reader, and myself. And there are two that are appointed, and that would be Susan Glass and Debbie Cook-Lewis. And Debbie, Deb is our chair. So we're a small but mighty group. We have, um, we're hardworking, and we have a lot of fun. And you can join us in on that fun because we have a, a monthly meeting the first Tuesday of each month, currently. And um, the, the numbers to dial into that Zoom meeting um, is on most of the lists. So there's a little reminder every month. And you are more than welcome as a member of ACB to join us and see what we do and what we're about. We... Um, are charged with the responsibility of the, the oversight and um, guidance of the editor of our ACB Braille Forum, Sharon Lovering. Give her a hand, guys. She does a great job. We also um, set the editorial policies and... Um, make sure that they're maintained for all ACB communications. And that includes not only the ACB Braille Forum, the e-forum, uh, any brochures, uh, the website, and also ACB Radio. <laughs> all right. Can we go next? Not, not quite. Oh, <laughs> As she's checking her notes. <laughs> We also um, collaborate with some other individuals, um, being that of the, the person, uh, Bob Hache, who, who um, does our email list, and, and with the Public Relations Committee, who oversees our social media presence. And we're happy to be working with those folks. They, they come to our meetings, give us wonderful reports keep us up to date on what's going on our job is to provide information so you know what's going on in ACB and now Penny will go ahead and, and tell us some more thank you Zoda um, so uh, I want to tell you about uh, something that's relatively new which was instituted under um, the BOP the year before we came and that is themes for the Braille Forum and the eForum so, can you hear me? Okay, is this better? Okay. So, um, every month, the BOP um, 
determines a theme for the issue of the month, whether it be the hard copy Braille Forum or the e-forum. And we advertise those themes. I know Susan tries to advertise them on ACB Leadership, and I'm sure it gets forwarded all over the place as to what the upcoming themes are going to be. So that gives all of you who love to write or who love to share information about particular topics an opportunity to contribute to an issue that's devoted to that topic. And that's a really cool way to get, um, get a lot of information about one particular topic. It's been very popular and we're excited about it. So the theme for May is weather. Um, and outside activities like gardening and hiking. And um, I uh, know someone who um, gardens in a community garden in Northern Virginia. She's the only blind person there. So not only is she growing amazing vegetables, she's letting other people who also work in that community garden um, know what all the things that blind people can do. Uh, and that's a good thing, right? So um, the theme, the next theme that uh, you still have time to get in on is the outside weather and gardening theme. And the theme for June is weddings, because we always think of weddings in June. But not only weddings, we're talking about relationships and um, all kinds of love. You know, we have love for all kinds of people in our lives. So if you want to write about relationships or weddings or what it was like when you were the bridesmaid and you dropped the bouquet, that's when you have a chance to do that. And you know what? You don't have to be a fabulous writer. You have to be a good storyteller. And all of us are good storytellers. So we really encourage you to participate in our upcoming themes. And now I'm going to turn it back over to Zelda. Yeah, hi. Um, every year at the ACB conference and convention, the BOP holds a workshop. And we decided that why have it once a year? Why can't we do this more often? We do so many things um, via other means. And we decided that we would put together a group, get some ideas of subjects that you're interested in that make a difference in your life. And we are planning. Um, we have a little subcommittee uh, consisting of, of uh, Paul Edwards as our leader. Yay, Paul. And, and we've got some ideas. Um, we're going to do one on how to utilize the Victor Reader stream to tune into ACB radio, all the ins and outs of that. Um, may be simple for those of you who do it, but there's some of us who have some streams that are getting dusty. <laughs> and so we'd like to help enable you to do that. Um, there are other, other um, things that are planned. They will be on ACB radio. Perhaps podcasts will be made. Not all the details are worked out yet, but be tuned in. Um, you will sure to see them on, on the list, and there will be new opportunities to um, expand what you know and give you some personal growth, um, make your life a little bit easier. So be tuned in for that. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about ACB Radio <clears throat> and the recordings they're going to make for all of your affiliates at convention. This idea came from BITS, Blind Information and Technology something support. Thank you, thank you. I love BITS, but I'm a, and I'm a member, but I can never remember what the acronym is. Um, so anyway, BITS had this idea 
Um, they uh, have recorded a number of their sessions in the past and used ACB radio services. So now ACB radio is going to make those services available to any affiliate who wants not only to record your programs, but possibly to stream them or to make them available who, for members who can't come to convention via Zoom. And ACB Radio is doing all that without charging us. So, I mean, you just can't get better services anywhere than the ones we get from ACB Radio. Then after convention, within two weeks, ACB Radio is going to make those recordings available to the, to the affiliates. And then the affiliates can do what they want with them. In GDY, we have used them um, on our website and also for our GDY Juno report, which if you don't know about it, is one of the best podcasts on ACB Radio. Um, and um, that's, so any of you can take advantage of this opportunity as well. So this is, um, it was this idea was presented to the board yesterday. I'm sure they're gonna act on it before convention. And um, so that's another aspect of publications that we're excited about. And I hope your affiliates will take advantage of it because we've been really lucky to do that in GDUI. Yes, I'm up. All right. This is the Zelda Penny Show. <laughs> and we don't sing and we don't dance. No. But <laughs> all right. We just, we just get information to you, which is appropriate from the BOP. Um, how many of you just love to have a full inbox full of emails from all sorts of places and perhaps even repeat emails about the same subject? Yeah, me either. <laughs> and and we've, we've talked about this and the, li and the way that the lists are used, the, little, the different lists that we have. They're important to us because that's how we get information. But we don't need to get it multiple times. Um, and we're going to propose, and this is in conjunction with, with Bob Heche, um, we're working on organizing that just a, a tad bit more. And what we're going to do, um, perhaps, and, and keep your eye out for this, because um, it's not happening right now, but it will. And you're in the know. You're the first to know about this. Um, we're going to have every member be enrolled in the membership list, that, or in the announced list. It will be the announced list. And that's where the announcements will be. I think that makes sense in the announced list. And that's where uh, everybody will get the information. So you, as an affiliate president, don't have to pass it on to your membership. It's not something that's going to show up in the leadership list that you'll have to pass on to everybody. And everybody will get it directly. Yes, they can unsubscribe if they want to be cut off from the flow of information. But it will be open to the membership plus friends. So um, that's the announced list. Um, the leadership list will be about leadership things. That also makes sense. <laughs> and we're going to try and keep some of that extra stuff off of there. Um, and... Let me check my notes again. ACBL. Yeah. <coughs> ACBL will also encourage posts of topical material and, and will discourage the forwarding of posts from other announcement lists. We will encourage you to post where they can go on your list to get announcements. We'll, we, 
we don't really want to clutter it up with a lot of posts about things that are just reposted from other lists. So we just want to help streamline your world and make it a whole lot easier. Okay, and I'm going to, or we're going to wrap up together. Um, I just want to say one more thing about ACBL. I joined ACB back in the day because of ACBL, and it was a warm, welcoming place where we discussed all kinds of blindness issues. It was a fabulous list, and that's where we want to get it back to. Um, also, lots of ACB leaders subscribed to ACBL because they didn't have two million emails in their inboxes and they had time to participate. So it was really a discussion list, and we hope we can get it back to that. Um, and now uh, we just want to say thank you to everybody, to all of our colleagues on the Board of Publications. We all work pretty hard, and we all enjoy our meetings, which I'll tell you begin at 9 p.m. and last sometimes until 11.30 p.m. Um, and you can come to those meetings, and we hope you will. We want to thank Sharon for working so hard on the Braille Forum, and Kelly for sending all those informative things to us in email. And uh, now Zelda's going to wrap it up. And thank you all. And thank you so much for your votes because the three of us, Zelda, Susan, and I, are running again this summer. Thank you. Oh, and I, okay, so I was also going to talk about candidates for him, and I forgot. Um, you know, the BOP is the organization that sponsors the candidates' forums. It was our idea back in the day. Um, and that's how you get to know all the candidates who are running for office and figure out who you want to vote for and ask your questions. And the candidates' forums are now, um, uh, they're now Zoom events. And so they usually, uh, the one that we sponsor occurs before convention. I think it's usually in May. And we encourage all of you to participate. Zoom lets hundreds of people participate on the phone. And we never talk over one another. And it's a great way to learn about the candidates. We're also going to have an event at convention. It's still in the planning process. But what we're calling it is one-on-one -on -one with the candidates. So um, we're going to make it kind of like office hours, where all the candidates will be available and you individually can come up and ask us, uh, the candidates, your questions. And it'll help you figure out exactly where you want to cast your votes. So uh, thank you again. I think I thanked Sharon and Kelly and uh, Zelda, you're last. All right. And, and we also want to thank Dan Spoon and, and Eric for their support. Um, we, we couldn't do our job without them. Thank you, Zelda and Penny, for a very informative uh, conversation from the Board of Publications. Uh, Kenneth Simeon and his uh, Scholarship and Awards uh, Steering Committee will be next. So if you're a part of that team, please head up to the podium, which is right here. Okay. <laughs> while, while they're kind of coming up, I just wanted to take a minute. How many of you receive your Braille Forum and eForum electronically? I think very, very seamless for everybody. We did a change this year at ACB starting in January. And your, in your electronic version of the Braille Forum and, of course, the eForum is delivered to you through a new product that we purchased called Constant Contact. 
So what Constant Contact allows us to do is take all of the email addresses that are stored in our DonorPerfect database that stores all of our member information, create a file from that, automatically port it over to Constant Contact, and send the Braille forum out through Constant Contact instead of a, a, a kind of a homegrown email list. So as new members join our organization and get registered in DonorPerfect, if their email address is provided, they will automatically be in the feed the next month and get the Braille forums. So it's really, uh, it's really made it a very professional presentation in our electronic format. And I want to thank uh, Sharon Lovering, Kelly Gass, and Nancy Becker for all their hard work in making that happen. And I want to encourage all of you affiliate presidents out there, please get your members' email addresses yes. committed to ACB. If you all can believe this, we have email addresses on just a little over half our members. So we can do better. We can do a whole lot better. I know there's a few people that don't have email addresses, but my parents are going to be 88 next month, and they have three email addresses. <laughs> so I know there's more than 53% of our members that have email addresses. So we can do better than that. All right, so that's, your, that's one of your tasks. Take that away, and please, when you turn your membership rosters in this year on AMS, please include email addresses. Thank you. And now... Well, that's, we're going to hear from our scholarship and awards steering committee. Our moderator is going to be our volunteer uh, member lead for that steering committee, Kenneth Simeon from Texas. He's going to be joined by our staff lead, Cindy Van Winkle, now from Minnesota. <laughs> we, <laughs> we also have uh, Denise Colley, who is our uh, office liaison for this committee from Washington. And then uh, Penny and Zelda are staying up here, representing DKM from North Dakota and Maryland. Uh, and then, missing anybody? I don't think so. Oh, oh, I think that's everybody. So, thank. Oh, and now Cindy Lebon has. <laughs> I finally get to introduce Cindy. Cindy Lebon is also here from Maryland. So, with that said, I'm going to turn it over to Kenneth Simeon for our scholarship and awards development committee. Good morning, everyone. I'm honored to be a part of the Scholarship and Awards Steering Committee and working with Cindy Van Winkle. We are going to move forward with a presentation from the Scholarship Committee, the co-chair, Denise Colley. Good morning, ACB. You know what, you guys? I think I have the best job in ACB because I get to be the one that brings in and introduces you to and brings forward all of the students who are amazing people and we're really working hard to kind of try to capture more of them to become ACB members. I have the opportunity to share some very exciting news with you. Um, last year, the ability for scholarship applicants to apply online was introduced. 
and worked out really well. And so this year, we're introducing the ability for the review, scoring, and selection process that's conducted by our scholarship committee members to be done online. Um, and so we're um, going to be doing that, and if it all works out, it may be the uh, prototype for doing our awards and some other things. Back in 2018, Eric Bridges had the opportunity to meet with Kirk Adams, who is the CEO of the American Foundation for the Blind, and Kurt contacted us to talk about the scholarship program that AFB had, has had for a number of years, and their desire to have someone take over the administration of their program for them. ACB was asked if we would be interested in doing this as a part of our broader scholarship program, and so ACB has entered into a negotiation with AFB um, that's gone over the past year. And typically, we have awarded 18 to 19 scholarships uh, in the amount of approximately 65000 to 68000 But this year, we have quite a bit more funding to give away to ACB scholarship winners. And drum roll, please. This year, we will have an extra, an extra $27,500 to award to our scholarship winners. Because many of these um, additional scholarships um, are being combined with already existing scholarships, we'll now be able to increase the dollar amounts of all our scholarships. Um, we are um, actually, however, we're actually only increasing our scholarships by about two. So we're not, because we wanted to make sure we didn't spend two hours giving out scholarships <laughs> instead of 50 minutes. <laughs> and uh, we wanted to make things a little easier. And so um, there's been a lot of work done. And um, we've been able to combine a lot of our scholarships uh, through... Um, combining like areas of study and like areas of eligibility requirements. Scholarship amounts will now range from 2000 to 7500 with the average range being, range being 4500 to 5000 I wanted to just tell you a little bit about kind of how our scoring process works because I've been asked this question. The... Scoring criteria, along with the questions on the scholarship application, are what provide us with greater transparency for our applicants and scholarship committee members. Um, we, range, we score our scholarship recipients on four um, primary areas, um, ranging up to thir- a 30-point score. We score them based on academic achievement, extracurricular and community involvement, any barriers or challenges to educational pursuits, like if um, 
they've had some illness or if they lost their vision later and they've had to struggle through that or any number of things that can cause barriers if they're first-generation college student going to college, those kinds of things. And we look at their advocacy involvement. What have they done in terms of advocacy? Have they, are they involved in ACB and those kinds of things? So we are very excited this year to be able to bring this forward. We're looking forward to having some awesome students. And because of the increase in scholarships, I can assure you that this year you will have the opportunity to meet more scholarship winners than you have in the past because of our requirements for them to be there. And one final thing I want to tell you is that we are going to make a concerted effort this year to contact state presidents of states where scholarship uh, recipients are from to connect you a little bit better to your scholarship winners and we're really going to be reaching out to the special interest affiliates um, to look at combining them more. One change we will be making at convention this year is that instead of having the scholarship reception the evening of the day that they receive their scholarships, we're going to actually have the reception on Sunday evening at 545, and we hope that more of you will be able to come meet the students and find out what awesome individuals we have who are the next generation members of ACB. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Denise. Next, we will have a presentation uh, from our awards committee, but we would like to inform you that uh, the co-chairs, Debbie Rozier and Deb Trevino, were not able to be here today so Cindy Van Winkle will present on their behalf. Cindy, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. So I'm going to tell you just briefly about eight awards that we um, provide to honor and uh, recognize people who are doing good work within ACB and outside of ACB. Uh, three of these awards are affiliate related. Two of them are growth awards and they're based on the certification process year to year. And one of the affiliate awards is an outreach that's, uh, that's uh, the nomination should come from the president of the affiliate. It could be for a chapter or for the affiliate and it should be some new outreach activity that is also has a measurable outcome. Then we have five other awards. So I want you to really be thinking about, is there somebody, when I read these uh, brief descriptions, and there's more that you could read in the forum about these awards, but when I read these awards to you, is there someone that stands out to you? And if there is, I want you to go home and write a nomination letter. Because we often, oh, I'm going to write one, and then we don't do it, right? And it can come from a, a, a group of you, can pair up together and write one nomination for somebody. You could even nominate multiple people for different awards. Like, I mean, you can maybe have three people in mind for three different awards here, and that's good. Well, let's, let's um, bombard them, okay? And let's make the awards committee work. So we have... The Durward K, uh, uh, Durward K. McDaniel Ambassador Award. 
This is based on someone's personal characteristics and activities unrelated to employment that have contributed to the acceptance and understanding of people who are blind. So um, that really is about someone out there that's being ambassador for people who are blind. They're out in the community, and they, they're really a positive role model and contributor to um, people accepting and understanding what we can do as people who are blind. The George Card Award is for someone who has dedicated their life to working with and for people who are blind, making a difference, improving quality of life, providing leadership, and being a positive role model. So that's the George Card Award. James R. Olson Distinguished Service Award is is given periodically, so it's not every year, and it can be to an, a group or to an individual, and it's to uh, someone who's made an important contribution, um, important contributions that have advanced opportunities for people who, to the blind community. So that would be the James R. Olson Distinguished Service Award. Robert S. Bray Award is given, again, to either an individual or a, a group. It could be a, a business. Um, in, to someone improving library technology or communication devices. And it can also go to someone who has been expanding access for all blind people or for making opportunities within um, mainstream media. So there... Uh, that one's been expanded on over the years, by the way, because it used to be just library. So now we're getting more into um, mainstream media and making uh, it all accessible. So think about that. I'm, there's lots of things going on out there, right? And then we have the Margarin G. Beeman Volunteer Recognition Award. Big name, small person in, in stature... <laughs> With a big heart, and um, what a nice way for us to recognize the tireless work of Marjorie with this award while she's with us, right? And nobody knows um, volunteer volunteerism like Marjorie. She exudes it, right? She is the epitome of it. So it is given to somebody who gives tirelessly, and and really uh, personifies the ACB mission. And um, so think about one more thing. These, are, these awards are all national in scope. So you may have people in your affiliate who give and give and give and do and do and do and have been and could possibly receive uh, these awards locally but maybe it's not on a national scale. So you want to think about people who've really made an impact nationally. All right? So has anybody out there, if you've thought of somebody that could fit one of these awards, clap your hands. All right. Deb and Deb, be waiting for those uh, nominations. The deadline is March 29th. Go forth and write those nominations. Thank you. Okay, next we're going to hear from members of our Durward K. McDaniel Fund Committee. Now, you may hear 
us being labeled as the DKM First Timers Committee, we've done that for a while. Our actual name is Derwood K. McDaniel Fund Committee because we raise funds to bring two recipients of the DKM First Timers Award to the National Convention. And we really need your support with that, helping us to spread the word, in addition to honoring Derwood K. McDaniel with an ACB Angel Memorial Tribute this year. We want you to uh, carefully consider both of those and don't mix them up. We do have two different purposes there. And so now I'm going to present to you two members of my committee, which is Zelda Gebhardt and Cindy LeVon. Okay, and um, sit again. Yeah, I'm going first. Okay, so Cindy LeVon will present the DCAM First Timers Award overview. Okay, good morning, everybody. And yeah, I get to sit down. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Thank you for this opportunity to be able to speak to you today. And I know out here today, I've met a lot of first timers just here at the legislative conference. So um, what I wanna ask you is everybody look around your tables and all of you are home uh, listening on the radio, look at your radio and say, do I know somebody who could possibly be an applicant for the DKM award? Because I know out there, in this room, we have several people who probably, probably make wonderful candidates. Um, this year, the application, it must, as every year, we must have an application, must be written by you, the applicant, and then your state affiliate president or your special interest affiliate that you belong to. Um, I guess if um, it doesn't matter which way you come through, it doesn't matter if the state submits applications for multiple members or all of the members. But anyway, so you must meet the criteria. If the presidents would please check your email this morning. There's a, another email. Uh, this is from Kenneth, and this is about your guide on applying for both your members as well as what the president must submit in his letter. Okay? So anyways, um, as I go around this room and through being here this week, again, I keep running into and seeing and hearing names of people who have been leader winners as well as DKM first-time winners. So if you look at your January and February uh, Braille form articles, there you will read all the criteria as well as please read the guide. We have a great committee. We do use... a. We do use a scoring process, just to let you know, when we do our selection, so it's not like I like him or she likes me or whatever. So <laughs> we do use a scoring process. So just to let you know how we do select our, our, uh, the submissions and our candidates. Um, so with that, I just also, hmm? And the, yeah, of the requirements, sorry, thank you. That's why you're BOP and I'm not. <laughs> anyway, well, I'm listening in. I got it in my ear, and I just got a text from Anthony Ackerman from Hawaii. So just to let you know out there, you guys working the radio, we have listeners in Hawaii this morning at 4 a.m. Yay. Oh, <laughs> so I just want to say the one thing is we, BOP thinks they have a good committee. No, we have a good committee. We are Anthony, Todd, Anthony Ackerman, Todd Forstrom, Gelda Gebhardt, Betsy Grinovich, Sharon Stravowski, St 
Dr. Vince... Just Gowski. It's the way the phone says it. I'm sorry. Frank Ventura and myself. How I said, yes, Stravinsky. And Amanda, oh yeah, oh, and Amanda Selma is our new one, and also the new affiliate. And, oh, he was going to be last. And our fearless leader, Kenneth Simeon. And we have a great committee. I love working with all of them. And so thank you. So you all get those applications in. We want a lot of first time. And yes, you can apply. Don't think you haven't done anything. I bet many of you have done more than what you think. So I'll turn it over to our cohort, Zelda, again. This is the Rating Zelda Show. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Cindy. She's right. We do have a great committee, and we've got a great job to do. And not only do we ha- are we charged with, with um, doing evaluating the applicants and selecting the applicants for the, uh, the w- recipients for the Derwood K. McDaniel First Timers Award, we also have the great privilege to, um, to select and receive the, the applications for the ACB J.C. Morgan Chase Fellowship winners also. It's a fun job, you guys. It really is. I want to read you something that, that one of the recipients of the Fellowship Awards um, said last year after she had attended convention. This is from Rachel, Rachel Schroeder. She's, yeah, she's not, she's not new to, to ACB, but she, this is what she said about her experience. As a leader who has, to this point, focused uh, the majority of my work in this organization on the local and state levels, but who also has aspirations to do more, I found it very energizing and exciting to attend the conference in ways which I may be able to branch out uh, to focus more uh, of my efforts on ACB. So her experience made her want to widen her aspirations and focus. And this is, this is the purpose of this, this, these awards. J.P. Morgan Chase has joined with us. This is our fifth year that they have um, provided resources to send. This year, it's five people to the National Convention. And if you're 18 or over, you're visually impaired, and you are a member of ACB in good standing, which means you've paid your dues. That's not a hard thing to do. Uh, and Nancy says in passing, she'll take your money. Always, Nancy will take your money. <laughs> All right. Those are the qualifications. And what you have to do um, is submit a letter of application and list not only uh, demonstrate what you have done as a leader but your aspirations and what you would like to do in the future as a leader. Um, And then you also need to get a letter of recommendation from your affiliate president. Now, this can be your state affiliate or a special interest affiliate. makes no difference to us. But in that, they can echo what, what you have done as a leader and reinforce that to us. We also... 
Uh, after we get the applications, we have uh, teams, interview teams, and you are granted a 30-minute interview where we ask questions. And as Cindy said, just as with the DKM award, we, um, we have a scoring system, and we will make recommendations of who we think should be awarded. What do you get when you, when you are a recipient? Well, you get your transportation paid to, this year, go to Schaumburg, Illinois. Yeah. And, and you get your room and a, and a daily stipend. You also get your registration paid and your banquet ticket. So it's really, really a good opportunity. Um, I know this room is filled with leaders. And, and you all know people back home that, that are leaders we want to encourage them to, as Rachel said, to, to reach for higher as aspirations. Um, and, and that's what this program is all about. It's helping to grow, grow leaders. Um, detailed information, what should be included in the, in the letters, both yours and, and your affiliate president's letters, um, they, that information is in the articles that appear in the ACB Braille Forum. Good, good information there. And uh, they're written by our, our leader, uh, Kenneth Simeon. The, the applications need to be turned in to Kelly Gask at the ACB office. And her email address, if you don't already know, is kgask, G-A-S-Q-U-E, at acb.org. Okay. If you have any questions, you can contact Kenneth, and he'll give you his email address in just a moment. Um, so, look around you, consider who you think is a future leader of ACB, and nominate them for this opportunity. I want to end with just um, another little excerpt from one of one of the recipients last year. Her name isn't unknown to ACB. Uh, she's the fearless leader of the next generation. And this is what she said. This is her recommendation. Based on my experience at the ACB convention this year, I would highly recommend this experience for anyone who wishes to take on a role in leadership. I will be doing my part to encourage others to apply um, for both the ACB J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award and the DKM First Timers Awards. Um, both, both present an outstanding experience for our ACB members. And this was a quote from Amanda Selm. Thank you, Amanda. Okay, uh, we want to, uh, I want to go and go and give you my email address and phone number as Zelda uh, presented earlier. Mine is, my name is Simeon, as, as normally, uh, we normally get people to interchange those uh, letters, so I'm going to say that. It's Simeon, S like Sam, E as in Edward, M like Mary, I as in Indian, E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, dot K, the letter K, at att.net. That's simeon.k at att.net. You can reach me by phone at 
409-866-5838. That's 409-866-5838. I'd like to thank uh, my committee. We have uh, nine committee members serving, and we are all working together. And I think we have uh, a good team working together. And I'd also like to recognize our staff liaison, uh, which is Kelly Gask. Could we give her a hand? Yes. She's excellent. <laughs> and our officer liaison is David Trott. He's also excellent. Yay, Let's give him a hand. Okay, I ask that you leaders, uh, as leaders, please always check your email. Read what we send out because it's meaningful uh, and beneficial for ACB. We are going to move forward with one more presentation from the Board of Publications. Penny Reader, would you join us? Sure, thank you, Ken. Um, so not only does ACB uh, present scholarships and provide awards, the BOP does as well. So the Board of Publications has three awards. One is the Ned Freeman Award. Ned was the first president of ACB, and that's the award where your board members choose an article from the Braille Forum which appeared between um, last, Mar last April and this March, um, and we cho choose one article as the best article that represents ACB and that everyone loved. Um, and so the Board of Publications chooses those articles. If you have an article that appeared last year and you want to remind us about how much you loved it, we encourage you to do so. The next two uh, awards are awards that are nominated by all of you, the members of ACB. And the first one is the Vernon Henley Award. Vernon Henley was the first chair of the Board of Publications. He's the man that created ACB Reports, which still appears and you can still listen to on ACB Radio. And his award is, uh, we honor him by presenting this award for someone who's made a difference in the media so um, this is someone who lets people know that we're all normal people that contri contribute to society. Um, it's a, the, the, um, the first one I remember anyone getting uh, was, was back in the day, right before the millennium changed. And McDonald's had a cute little girl on a TV commercial reading a Braille menu and choosing what she wanted to eat. And that, that made a big difference, and that got the Vernon Henley Award. So there are all kinds of things happening in media, and when you notice something that makes a difference in terms of how people see blind people and how people see, or how people see ACB, that's the award you should be nominating for Vernon Henley's award. And to do that, you contact the BOP and write us a letter and tell us why, and um, we'll be happy to give that award. Uh, we don't get enough nominations for these awards, and that's why we're contributing to this presentation. And the last award is the Hollis Liggett Award. It was uh, begun in 2008. Hollis Liggett was the man who created the Braille Free Press. It was a revolutionary um, newsletter, comma, magazine that uh, spread the word about ACB back in the day. Um, if uh, Hollis Liggett were alive today, he might be writing for Occupy Wall Street. You don't know. So... Um, so um, this award is one that, for all the affiliates, most of you have newsletters, some of you have magazines, some of you have other kinds of publications, like a YouTube presentation. 
Um, they, these are people that we need to award. Um, and we never get enough nominations from our affiliates for this award. So that's why I'm here. If you have a fabulous newsletter and you want people to know about it, you need to let us know about it so we can present this award, not only to your affiliate, but to the editor of that publication. So um, don't forget the BOP awards when you're thinking about awards. <laughs> we need to spread the word about ACB, and we need to let people know uh, about blindness and that it's not the end of their lives, and these awards will help spread that word. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. Mr. President, that concludes our reports. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Kenneth and team. Let's give a big round of applause to the Scholarship and Awards Steering Committee. What, a, what a, a wonderful set of awards and scholarship opportunities we have. Please listen to what you heard. Get those nominations in. Encourage your members to apply. Last year, we had 49 people that applied for the J.P. Morgan Chase scholarships. Let's beat that number this year. That, that is just fantastic. All right, next, uh, several people have been asking me. We're now that everybody's settled down. We're going to take a minute and let everybody introduce themselves. Uh, we'll have a couple of our uh, staff that will be going around with microphones. If you could just say your name and the city and state that you're from. We're not going to do extended, you know. You don't have to give us your resume with the 23 committees you're on and all that kind of good stuff. We just want to get an idea of who's in the room. Uh, so, and then uh, for those that are running the mics, if you could also let people know what table number they're sitting at, because after this we're going to break into our two, uh, our first two breakout workshop sessions, and half the tables are going to stay and half the tables are going to go, so it's important for everybody to know what table they're at. Uh, so with that said, we have our mic runners. Yes. Okay. Sorry, that was very loud. All um, right. We are starting with table 15 at the back. Ooh, you introduce yourself. Oh, okay. All right. Clark Rockfall, ACB Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. I'm sorry. From the National Office in Alexandria, Virginia. Sarah Conrad, Madison, Wisconsin. Claire Stanley, Advocacy and Outreach Specialist, Maryland. Katie Frederick, Columbus, Ohio. Taylor Connect Bridges. <laughs> Rebecca Bridges from Arlington with nine week old baby Noah. And at table 14, we have uh, Tom Tobin, Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Don Coors, Indianapolis, Indiana. Dan Dillon, ten, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Leslie Spoon, Orlando, Florida. Donna, Donna Brown, Romney, West Virginia. Okay, next we have table 13. Pat Sheehan, Silver Spring, Maryland. Deb Cook-Lewis, Clarkston, Washington. Denise 
Denise Colley, ACB Secretary and Scholarship Co-Chair, Lacey Washington. Good morning, Michael Talley, President, Alabama Council of the Blind. Good morning, David Trot, Treasurer, American Council of the Blind. And I know you said not do this, but I think we need to give a special shout out to Adam and Carla Rushable who are listening on ACB radio and they've missed this is the first time in many, many, many years. Rhonda Trot, Talladega, Alabama. Come see me this summer for tours. Kim Carmichael, Richmond, Virginia. Hi, I'm Paul Edwards, president of the Braille Revival League from Miami, Florida. <laughs> Judy Jackson, Stewart's Draft, Virginia. And at the mini mall table, we have Shirley Stivers, Kane, Northern Kentucky. Debbie Persons, Louisville, Kentucky. Patty Cox, Louisville, Kentucky. Come see us. And at table 12, we have Becky Davidson, Charlotte, North Carolina. Lacey Coward, Marion, North Carolina. Chris Bell, president of the North Carolina Council of the Blind from Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Teresa Curry, Gonzales, Louisiana. Pierre Curry Gonzalez, Louisiana. Go Tigers. John Jarzina, immediate past president of the Michigan Council of Blind and Visually Impaired, Ray, Michigan. Okay, now we are moving to table 10. <laughs> Alice Richard. President, Georgia Council of the Blind from Brunswick, Georgia. Cindy Van Winkle, Membership Services Coordinator, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Julie Brannon, President, Washington Council of the Blind, and just new to Puyallup, Washington. Chris Hunsinger, President of Pennsylvania Council of the Blind, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Jim Crott, immediate past president, Florida Council of the Blind. Hi, I'm Penny Reeder. I'm president of Guide Dog Users Incorporated. I live in Montgomery Village, Maryland, and I'm a member of the Board of Publications. Dennis Sims, Austin, Texas. Cecily Nipper, Georgia Council of the Blind. Okay, now we're moving to table 11. Just a reminder, remember what table you're at, because you will need that. Chris Gray, St. Louis, Missouri. Missouri, home of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, Naomi Sewell, president of Missouri Council of the Blind, St. Louis, Missouri. Home of the Stanley Cup. Molly Marsnick, Ohio, Cleveland Chapter, American Council of Blind. Jill Noble, President of Ohio um, Chapter, and um, 
Cleveland, Ohio. Bob Furtado, Lakeport, Michigan. Okay, now we are moving on to table nine. Patty Cordell, Orlando, Florida. Sheila Young, President of Florida Council. Alan Telker, representing Connecticut Council of the Blind and Avia American Association of Visually Impaired Attorneys. Washington State. Frank Huda, Benton City, Washington. Gail Cross in La Habra, California. At the wrong table, I'll move. <laughs> and at table eight, we have Anthony Corona, Staten Island, New York, soon to be Miami. Gabriel Lopez Cafari, President Blind LGBT Pride International, Miami, Florida. Carrie Chapman, Iowa, uh, Carrie Chapman, Iowa Council of the United Blind, State President, Altoona, Iowa. Carol Flickinger, Iowa. Carol Flickinger from Iowa. Gina Mallory, Iowa Council of the United Blind Treasurer, Ottumwa, Iowa. Okay, now we're at table seven. Good morning, Sandra Sermons, Rockville, Maryland. Morning, Donna Browning, Alexandria, Virginia. Welcome to everyone. Hope you enjoy your stay. I'm the president of Nova Council. Vicki Rat Vicki Ratcliffe, Alexandria, Virginia. I'm part of ACB of Virginia. And Nova also. Shri Roy, Springfield, Virginia. Beth Haney, volunteer from all over the military brat. <laughs> Sam Yale, Arlington, Virginia. Welcome to the Commonwealth. Doug Powell, Falls Church, Virginia, a member of the National Board. And at table six. Uh, good morning. Ray Campbell, second vice president of ACB, vice president of ACB Lions from Glendale, Illinois, the home state of the 2020 ACB Conference and Convention. Um, and before I give this mic back, I'm sorry to do this, but I, send, I bring regards from our president, Rachel Schroeder. Please keep her in your thoughts and prayers, folks. Uh, her dad's not doing well, and uh, she just told me. So please keep her in your thoughts and prayers. Thank you. Karen Campbell, going out in Illinois, co-chair of SASE committee. Kenneth Sumian, Sr., ACB of Texas. Peggy Garrett, President of American Council of Mind of Texas, Missouri City, Texas. Michael Garrett, first vice president of ACB Texas, and as of yesterday, proud new grandfather of Baby, uh, grandbaby number 12. Aww. Okay, now we are at table five. Jeff Tom, Sacramento, California, Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss President, Senior Power. Yeah. 
Dan Sippel, President Randolph Shepard Vendors of America, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and I'm seated at the Midwest table. Karen, Karen Blackwitz, President of the American Council of the Blind in New York and board member for Randolph Shepard Vendors of America. Artis Bazin, Burbank, California. Janet Dickelman, St. Paul, Minnesota, Convention Coordinator. Gabe Griffith, First Vice President, California Council of the Blind, Concord, California. Steve Bauer, Culver City, California, home of NPR West. And at table four, we have Deanne Hart from Indiana, member of the board and chair of the Advocacy and Awareness Committee. Barbara Salisbury from Bloomington, Indiana, President ACB and Dan. Vicki Prayan, Executive Director of ACB Ohio uh, from Columbus, Ohio, and Information Desk Coordinator, I need volunteers. Karen Spry, Cincinnati, Ohio. Sean Thiel, American Council of the Blind of Ohio, Assistant Executive Director. Okay, now we are at table three. John McCann, Tucson, Arizona. Thank you. Kim Charlson from Watertown, Massachusetts, immediate past president of the American Council of the Blind. And Brian Charlson, Watertown, Mass., and I'm president of the Massachusetts affiliate, the Bay State Council of the Blind. Okay. Merrill Schechter, Windsor Mill, Maryland. I am the vice president of the American Council of the Blind of Maryland. I live in Windsor Mill, Maryland, and I'm also the chair of the membership committee of the Central Maryland Council of the Blind. Carl Richardson, Brighton, Massachusetts. At table two, Cindy LeBond, Gaithersburg, Maryland, immediate past president, ACB Maryland. Donna Hepper, Bismarck, North Dakota. Alan Peterson, I got 100 uh, raffle tickets to sell. See me for <laughs> Anyway. Uh, from North Dakota, Horace, North Dakota, home of the North Dakota State Bison, winners of uh, the FCS, uh, eighth, eighth time they won the uh, uh, FCS championship. Go Bison, yeah. <laughs> Tramp <clears throat> Excuse me, Trampus Brown, Minot, North Dakota. Zelda Gebhard from Edgeley, North Dakota. I'm the president of the North Dakota Association of the Blind. Connie, Connie Sims from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'm president of the South Dakota Association of the Blind. Okay, now last, uh, table one. Oh, uh, Linda Allison, Knoxville, Tennessee, treasurer, Tennessee Council of the Blind. 
Robert Spangler, Vanton, Iowa, Secretary, Tennessee Council of the Blind, CCLVI. Carrie Muth, I am the president of ACB of Oregon from Coos Bay, Oregon, and Oregon time, 8.55 p.m. last night, my first grandson was born, but grandbaby number three. I'm James Edwards, uh, Lakeside, Oregon, and finally, uh, immediate past president, ACB of Oregon. All right. Thank you. Is that everybody? Yep. Okay, we got to get Rick and our sound folks real quick. Everybody, this is Rick Morin from Waltham, Massachusetts, uh, bringing you ACB radio and slinging the AV for you. And we're always looking for help uh, with ACB radio and AV. With all these grandkids being born, there's hope. And uh, also, I want to recruit Tyler. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That's introductions. Uh, so I've got a question for you all. Were you paying attention? At the count of three, I want you to shout out your table number. One, two, three. Perfect. I think everybody got it right. All right. So we're, what we're going to do now is we're going to go into two uh, breakout session. So if you are in tables one through seven, once we have break, you'll stay in this ballroom. If you are in tables eight through 15, you will go next door. You will go outside. You'll make an immediate right and follow Eric's logistics instructions and go to the bathroom. Then on your way back, before you get to this room on the left-hand side will be a and B. If you don't need to follow Eric's instructions, just go out and turn right, and it'll be the next room on the right, A and B. All right, we're going to have two breakout sessions. So the first breakout session will be here in the ballroom. Will be What will start in this ballroom is the audio description project, and that will be with Kim Charlson, Carl Richardson, and Clark Rackful. We're going to learn about all the different committees Okay. Is that better? Okay. Got to bend over more. Okay. All right. So, so we'll, we'll start. So the, the committee that will be in here will be ADP. It will be with Kim, Charlson, Clark Richardson, Clark Richardson, Carl Richardson, and Clark Rackful. And, and, <laughs> and they're going to talk about learning a little bit about the different subcommittees with the uh, audio description project. And then this is going to be exciting. Carl and Clark are going to teach us how to get on streaming services and take advantage of all the wonderful streaming content that's been available through, through Netflix and Hulu and others. Thanks to our advocacy, Eric Bridges says. So that's going to be really exciting. And then in the other breakout session, we're going to have Information Referral and Peer Support Steering Committee with Claire Stanley. And that committee is going to focus on coming together. We can make a difference if we share our, we share our resources and we support each other. So this is all about 
how we come together as an organization and we work together to make a difference through information referral and peer support. Got one final thing before we break. This morning we talked about the DKM committee and we also talked about the Derwitt K. McDaniel uh, Angel. Leslie and I go to Key West every year and the official bird of Key West is the rooster. So I have brought with me today three Key West roosters. So the first three people that see Nancy Becker and make a donation to the Derwood K. McDaniel Fund get a Key West rooster, and nothing sounds like a Key West rooster. Woo! My rooster's dying. It is a rooster that's had a lot to drink, but it's here, and it's for the first three donors to the DKM. DK Derwood came and Daniel Angel. Okay. All right. Nancy's over in the corner. I want to see a line. All right. Everybody break and we'll get back together at 11 o'clock. Quick announcement from Patty Cox while they're walking out. The mini mall is in the back of the room on the left. And if you would like to charge your Braille Forum tickets, you can come back there, and we'll take your charge card. Sorry, <laughs> And uh, we are going to be talking about the audio description project and what's happening with audio description. Dan might have just oversold our presentation a bit because tell you all about what's happening with streaming in uh, 15 minutes or less might be a little much, but we hope to tell you a lot of what's going around. Um, with respect to audio description. So the three of us, I'm Kim Charlson. I'm co-chair of the Audio Description Steering Committee, along with my colleague, Carl Richardson. We co-chair the Audio Description Steering Committee, and today we're going to be working with Clark Rockfall, who is our Governmental Affairs Director for ACB. So... I am going to start by <laughs> I am going to start by sharing with you a little information about the audio description steering committee while um, Carl and Clark get set up for mo the more technical part of our presentation. So the um, the audio description steering committee has several members on it. And we're a very active committee that is working on many aspects. Come here, please. Sit. My guide dog's heard this before, so she didn't want to stay. Um, <laughs> so, um, many aspects of audio description. So, the, uh, the committee has, the, the full steering committee um, has many members, and I'm just going to tell you who they are. Myself and Carl, Sebastian Andrade Miles, who does our TV listings with audio description for our website. Renee Arrington Johnson from Ohio. Um, JoLynn Bailey Page, who many of you recognize, who is very active and is a describer herself. Sean Barrett from Mississippi. Fred Brack, who is our ADP webmaster. 
um, Burl Colley, Denise Decker here from D.C., Judy Dixon, Margie Donovan, Susan Glass from California, Mary Hanks from Texas, Pat Sheehan from Maryland, um, Clark Rockfall is on the committee, Joel Schneider is our staff um, contractor for the Audio Description Project, Dan Spoon, and Jeff Tom. I think I got everybody. It's a big committee, but it's a big committee because we have six subcommittees that do a lot of work. So I'm going to tell you about those real quick. We have the Audio Description Project Awards Committee, and they're just getting started on awards for 2020. We present those at the convention at a breakout conference that is planned um, each year, and that'll be happening on July 5th, 6th, and 7th, specifically on the topic each afternoon of audio description. Um, this year we call it the full conference because it's three full afternoons, um, and more to come just momentarily on that. So that was the awards committee. We have six awards so, that we present. Areas of research and development, performing arts, career achievements, and other categories I can't remember right this second, but there are guidelines, and we encourage you to nominate um, qualified applicants for those awards to recognize good work in audio description. We have the audio description baddie committee, benefits of audio description in education. So that committee... Um, coordinates the essays written or reviews written by students about audio described content that they have watched and then they write reviews and this afternoon we will be meeting and hearing from the uh, the 2020 winner of the baddie contest who will be here with us she's from California we have the audio description conference subcommittee so I was telling you about the conference. Some of the topic areas this year, we have a two-and-a-half-hour segment with representatives from industry. Industry meaning Comcast, Charter, AT&T, you know, the big boys out there in the, the cable business, uh, Netflix, um, everybody that's doing something out there that we're interested in with respect to audio description. We've got a segment on cord cutting. There's a lot of talk now about cutting the cord, and industry isn't real happy about that. But, you know, we're still connected with industry big time. So, But we also have to reflect that consumers are cutting the cord, and how do you continue to get audio-described content when you cut the cord? So that's an important part. And, and a lot of other content as well in our three-day 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. agenda that we're putting together for July 5th, 6th, and 7th. The ADP Media Committee. Um, Carl Richardson is the chair of the Media Committee, and I think it is one of the busiest. I think they're all pretty busy, but I work really closely with this one and Carl, and we have, I think, 25 objectives. The whole steering committee has 49 objectives for 2020. We have a huge amount of work um, to do. One of our objectives we just met last week was we sent a letter to the 
Academy of Motion Picture Artists and Science. Um, you know, the guys who do the Oscars, right? We had the Oscars back on the 9th of February. And we had a picture, Parasite, that won the Best Picture Award. The first foreign film ever to win. So it's from South Korea. So the whole film is in Korean. And it was not audio described. The only film out of all the nominees that was not audio described. So we wrote a letter. Um, and one of the points in our letter was to say that the time has come for the motion picture industry and the Academy of Arts and Sciences to make a criteria for being nominated for Best Picture to require that the film must be captioned and audio described. So we're going to push that. We're going to push that for, um, for 2021 to make sure that that criteria gets put into the requirements for determining the nominees for Best Picture, and we're going to continue to follow up with them. Um, we have ADP Performing Arts. Um, they work with performing arts, parks, um, museums, visitor centers to um, promote and encourage audio description in those venues. There's a lot of work going on in, with that committee. And then finally, we've got the ADP Section 508 subcommittee. And that committee's working on implementing audio description into the 508 um, kind of mindset, which is the government mindset, websites, films, videos, training materials for the government. And that's chaired by Pat Sheehan. And that's kind of a new area, but a very important one that we're getting very involved in. And so that's our committee. But the other thing that the ADP has done for several years, and this leads into recognizing Carl and um, Clark for their presentations, is the advocacy work that, that the ADP has done in the area of structured negotiation with streaming services. How many of you use Netflix? How many of you like using Netflix with audio description? Well, since 2016, because of the work of ACB, audio description exists on Netflix. We took a chance, and we used structured negotiation with um, DRA, Disability Rights Advocates, as our attorney um, out in California. And we had a very successful structured negotiation with Netflix, and they are describing all new content that they put on Netflix, and they're working very, very hard when they contract to bring in, um, you know, content from other providers to try to get as much as they can that already has description. They're doing an incredibly good job at it. The progress that they have made in the last three years is very impressive. So, piggybacking on that success, ACB turned to Hulu two years ago and said, Hulu, you do a lot in the world of streaming services. You have a lot of content. None of it has audio description. Um, we had to go with Hulu. We had to go a little further than we did with Netflix. 
We had to go to, uh, you know, file a suit in court, but we went to a mandated settlement with a judge and spent eight hours. I actually spent eight hours with a legal team in a courtroom in Boston negotiating back and forth with a settlement to come up with an agreement. And now, um, as of the end of December, Hulu um, in 2019 went from no audio-described content to about 75 items with audio-described content, and that's going to continue to grow. And we have a two-year monitoring agreement with them to keep an eye on what they're doing, making sure they continue to grow. Their app is now accessible. They've got to work on their website and add more content. You're going to see more about Hulu in just a couple minutes because Carl is going to show you what Hulu looks like and demo it for you. So Hulu is our latest success in the advocacy arena with streaming and audio description. And we are just beginning our advocacy journey with HBO and HBO Go. So how many of you like the, you know, um, oh gosh, um, Game of Thrones? And that whole series was pretty popular in the last couple years. Lots of people liked it. It was a really big deal. And it was a really big deal that had no audio description. No fun for people who really wanted to follow what was going on. So we've approached um, HBO, and we have an agreement with them that um, they will be putting a lot of their content still to be determined, but HBO has been in the business for a long time. They have a lot of content, and they have a lot of content that people really are interested in seeing with description. A lot of series that ran for a long time, you know, The Sopranos, and just a lot of really famous series. A lot of movies that won, you know, Golden Globes and Emmys and Oscars and very, very popular service. So we tried to say, you know, describe all your content. Well, as you can imagine, that didn't go over too well. <laughs> They've been in business for 25 years. They've got a whole lot of content. So, so we tried a different approach. We said, you know, it's really hard for us to say, and you, you're not interested in hearing us tell you we want everything described, although we do. So... So how about if we say, you know, we'd like, we, they've already agreed to describe all new content. So that's a, that's a good, that's a win for us. But we said, well then, how about if you describe anything that was an award-winning program or series or movie? It won an Oscar. It was in the top 10 films of the, of the year. It won a Golden Globe. It won something. And they said, that's a really good idea. <laughs> and we said, well, we thought it was a good idea, too. So they thought it was this great compromise. Well, and we thought it was a great compromise, too. So think about it. They've been in business for a long time. They've won a lot of awards. I think we're going to come out like bandits on this. There's a lot of award-winning content in the HBO movie vault. And so I'm really excited to kind of see what's going to come out of that. 
but they really um, they were excited about that as a compromise. So that's instead of saying we want you to do this series and that series and this series, well, the, all the series we wanted were award-winning series. Yeah. So I think we're going to do really well getting some really great content. So they're starting to, um, to work on their access, work on describing. This year is their, you know, start putting things together, just like Hulu had the first year to start doing it. And again, they'll have two years to continue putting it together in the monitoring phase um, as we go along. But we have made a tremendous difference in the footprint of audio description with our advocacy. And ACB is totally responsible for making audio description available for the blind community. So we should take a lot of pride in that. It would not have happened without our leadership, not as fast and not as much. So we really do have a lot to be proud of. So I want you to have a chance to see the results of some of that advocacy. Carl, are you ready? I hope so. Can everybody hear me? All right. Carl All right. is going to take you on a journey to see what Hulu looks like. So, Carl, I'm going to let you take it away. And if you need me to hold anything, let me know. I just want to make sure. Is that coming over the phone? On the, um, on the iPhone. Calendar. Sunday, February 23rd. Getting better. Double tap to open. FaceTime. Can everybody hear me Double tap to open. That's good. Okay, good. So, first of all, let me quickly do um, a few highlights of, of some of the other streaming services and where else you can watch. First of all, despite what BOP thinks and the award committee have, I have the best committee, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> I, I get home from work after a long day, sometimes tired, dressed out, and I say to my wife, I'm going to go down and, and, and do some work. And I go down to my man cave with the leather recliner chair and the 55-inch TV, and I sit down, and after an hour, she goes, are you watching TV again? And I go, no, I'm doing research for the audio description project. <laughs> so, there's been a lot of progress made in the last few years. The FCC increased the number of hours of audio described program under the nine entities that are required over broadcaster cable to 87 and a half hours a quarter, and that's CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, and the top five top cable-rated network. And if I'm also hearing, based on the audio description email list, and I suggest that all of you get into that, go to the website acb.org forward slash ADP for audio description project and sign up to be on the audio description email list so you can learn more about what's going on. Um, I'm also hearing rumors now that the Sci-Fi Channel and the Oxygen Network are now streaming, I'm not streaming, broadcasting audio description. So that it's expanding. As far as streaming services go, we, we have iTunes where you can rent or buy movies, and they have over 1,200 titles with audio description. We have um, CBS All Access, which is now starting to... Um, audio described titles, you know, and I just started watching Star Trek Discovery and Picard and Resistance is not futile. For those of you who know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, we have um, Prime Video, which had gone gangbusters. They now have over 1,600 titles. 
Uh, even within, if you're a Prime member, there's something called IMDB TV, which is now started to stream some audio described titles as well, for free. Um, who am I forgetting? Netflix has over 1,100 titles. So there's a lot of streaming that has exploded. And in, the, and in the last six months alone, we basically have had three new services. Hulu, with 70 titles, which I'm going to show you quickly in a minute. Disney Plus, which, which Clark will show you, launched with over, it now has over 400 titles. And Apple TV has a, a, um, a dozen or so titles. And the cool thing about the Apple TV is they launch with audio description in nine different languages. So two versions of Spanish, two versions of, uh, I, I forget what they are, two versions of French, like Canadian French or French French. I didn't know they were different, but apparently they are. Um, you know, Latin America, Spanish or Spanish, Japanese, um, but n and... For, if you're deaf or hard of hearing, 40 languages and subtitles. That's just, yeah, so that's pretty impressive. So there's a lot going on, and in the next 6 to 12 months, there's probably going to be two, at least, two new streaming services launching with audio description. You heard Kim mention one, HBO, and I have a suspicion Peacock will be launching with some audio description as well, which it, uh, will be put out by NBC Universal. And I think even more and more and more. And then in the, something else that, that for broadcast, a new standard being launched called ASTC 3.0. I don't want to get too technical, but well, that will allow us to do if we buy new TV, we'll easily be able to separate the Spanish track from the audio description track and have a track of our own. So stay tuned. It's going to be an exciting time. So quickly, I will show you Hulu. And the first thing I do when I um, look for Hulu titles is I actually go to the audio description website. Apps, Safari, Active, Safari, Cap A, in page link, number pointer, jump to, menu. The Hulu began offering description on February 1st, 2009. Alphabetized list of Hulu titles with AD. And I look, at, I look at our list because, to be honest, our list is more accurate than Hulu. All right, and I will show you how to search for audio described titles on Hulu also, but I can only find maybe 20 or 30 titles on Hulu versus 72 on this website. So I, and for all the streaming services I mentioned, we keep a listing of all the audio described titles. So the ADP website is a valuable resource, whether you watch Netflix, CBS, All Access, uh, Disney Plus, any of those, it's a valuable access. So let's, I don't want to go through the whole list, but let's pretend you and I went through the whole list together, okay? And oh, look, Pick of the Litter's on the list. The movie about um, guide dogs and, and their training. Let's see what that sounds like on Hulu. FaceTime. Safari. At Safari. Disney Plus. Act. Safari. Active. Disney Plus. Hulu. Active. Hulu. Guide. Hive. Hulu. Player. Double so, tap to toggle controls. Guide. Rami on Hulu original series. Oh, Season one. Close that first. Home. Okay. Select it. Home. So I'm on the home screen. And the first thing you hear at the top. Black Creators is Collection. Selected. Hulu original. Action thrillers collection. Foreign horror films collect. International movies. Cult classic movies collect. Action packed fantasy movies collection. The Nick Cage Collection collection. There's a lot there. So the thing I would click on if I didn't look up would be to start would be original just because 
we know that Hulu is committed to doing all their own original program. But the other best way to do it is to go down to search on the bottom. Live, tab, search, tab, for. And you'll see a list of genres. Movies, Hulu, kids, sports, genre, home, my, live, selected, search, live, my stop, home. Genres, button, I'm gonna genres, click open action, genres. button, adventure, anime, blacks, cart, com, cooking and food, crime, document, drama, fam, game shows, Let button. me go down to the bottom. 14 of 30, science fiction, sitcom, sketch comic, sports, stand-up, teen, thriller, button, audio description, button. You hear an, a, a category. Well, this is the cool part. There's a category just for audio description. And this audio is where they list their titles. Repro- Dollface on Hulu original series. Button. But as I said, and there's about 20 or 30 titles under this this category of audio description, but it's not all of them. So, and let me, sh- I'll play Dollface one. on Hulu original series, button, heading. I hope, I hope this Dollface is a good on Hulu title original. because I didn't listen to the description. Kat Dennings stars as a young woman who, after being dumped by her longtime boyfriend, must deal with her own imagination when she literally and metaphorically re Okay, so it sounds like a girlfriend going after her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> I want to be careful here because a few years ago, Kim gave up a, a, a discussion on talking book. And she thought it was an innocent title. The next thing you heard to know, and I slapped her behind. You know? <laughs> so, Cat Dennings, Ma, comedy, TV series. Start watching season one, episode one. So Button. I'm gonna start watching this. Start player. Double goals. Street dotted with palm trees, the Los Angeles skyline looming on the horizon. Pedestrians. Amb- so what I didn't, I had, I meant to. Start this with the audio description turned off. So I'm going to go back and show you how I would turn it on if you select a title with audio description because it won't automatically come on until you set the default to turn it on. But once you do that, it's good. It'll do that for the remainder of any title you Player. Player. So you hear Double player, to which controls. is on the top left-hand corner once you launch the title. Control shown. Close player. Button. Player. Player, close play, watching Dollface, season one episode, what? player, player, close play, watching Dollface, season airplay, button, settings, button. I gotta go into settings within the player control. Dismiss options menu, subtitles, off, heading, espinal, dim, English, dim, audio, heading. Under audio. English, button, selected, English, audio description, button. So you want to select that. Two of two. If that is not selected, the audio description will not play it. So when you launch a title with audio description... You gotta, you gotta um, activate the player control, open that up, go into settings, and turn on audio description. Dismiss, dismiss options menu. Now let's go player. back. Double Remember, tap control we had looked, and I want to leave Clark though. I'm just gonna show you one more thing real quick. Remember, I said let's look at pick of the litter. Well, how do I find that without going through? I can go to. I'm, first, I gotta close this, and to close this, I'll do a two-finger scrub because right now the, the show Dollface is up. Okay. Start watching season one episode. Close, close button. Genres live. Tab selected. Search tab. For, selected. I'm going to search. Networks. But search search text field. Double t- text field is edit pop up. Cat P. I'm gonna type in pick India. I. Victor. Charlie. C. Juliet. Juliet. Kilo. K. Movies, 10, collection, pick of the litter, 2018, pick, text field. Okay, there it is. Text field, is editing, pick, word mode. Uh, I hope so. American pickers, documentary, pick of the litter, 2018, pick, text field. Text field, is editing, American pickers, document, pick of the litter, 2018. There we go, I got it. Pick of the litter, heading. Five spirited Labrador puppies embark on an incredible journey to become guide dogs for the blind. Which ones will have what it takes? Button. 
Oh, that's like something that would be of interest to all of us. One hour, 20 minutes. Do watch movie. Button. Watch movie. Player. Oh, is this? Double yeah. tap to toggle controls. Eat across our view. Sundance selects. A hazy view clears to reveal a logo. KTF Films. Now, a yellow Labrador retriever wears a harness with a handle on it. A person grabs the handle and walks with the dog. It was a very bright and sunny day. As they cross an intersection, cars blur. We were just walking along on the sidewalk. I was crossing an intersection. This flash of something came within three feet of me. He wouldn't budge. And I said, Bryson, let's go. Satchel pulled me back. Donovan pulled me back. I was literally right at the edge of a very dark stairway. This car just overshot the intersection, and the car never stopped, never had any idea that we had been there. Bryson disobeyed me to protect me. A photo shows a man with his dog. When the airplane first so, struck I think tower, you get the idea. Um, I'd rather sit here and watch this than talk to you guys, but... But, but, um, um... That, so that's Hulu with audio description. Stay tuned. They have committed to, uh, according to the structured negotiations, audio describing all their original content. And then eventually, as you know, Hulu also plays shows that have been on broadcast television the day after, that sort of thing. Also taking what they're broadcasting with audio description and playing that. So the library will expand greatly in the next several months. And the other part of the structured negotiation is you can go to their website and their web player controls has to be accessible. So if you don't have Hulu on your phone or if you don't have a phone, you'll be able to access it from the web as well. Thank you. And uh, now here's Clark to describe about uh, Disney+. Plus. Clark? All right. So thank you, Carl. So yes. Disney Plus, and I'll be demoing it on Aladdin. an iPhone as well. Finding Dory. So, uh, as Carl said, Disney Plus debuted in the fall of 2019, and when it launched, it launched with 250 audio-described titles. And Carl, thanks for that update that they're up to over 400. And these are um, not only the new and current titles and originals that Disney is producing, but they've gone back into the vault and described some of their movies and series from the past as well. Uh, so the, the Disney Plus iPhone app, um, it's, I'll say it's pretty straightforward. It's a, a fairly typical app design. You can navigate by headings. Words, headings, heading not found. Ultra HD and Disney Channel feel good sports movies. Disney Channel favorites. That was user error. That was not the app. <laughs> so Ultra HD and the Clone Wars 20 out of the vault. Heading trending. So out of the vault. Out of the Cinderella vault. 19. Peter Pan. 101 Dalmatian. Bambi. So lots of the classics, lots of Star Wars, lots of the Simpsons as well. Uh, down along the bottom of the app Selected. are home. I think four or five tabs. You have home. Selected. Search. Offline download. More options. Access watch. Offline so, downloads. Offline downloads. Um, much like Netflix, you are able to download um, episodes or movies that you want to watch. If you're watching 
say, on an airplane with inaccessible in-flight entertainment. No worries, you have your own right in the palm of your hand. Um, Or if you are off the grid or know that you will be somewhere off the grid, um, you can download on your home Wi-Fi and take an episode or a series with you. Uh, And then this final tab. Star Wars, The Clone Wars, more options, access watch, selected. More options. And I guess that's a nice feature that I'll, I'll let speak out as well. So not only is the tab more options, but then they've also labeled that tab to tell you what's in that feature. Selected. More options. Access watch list. Settings. And change profiles. Pick of the litter. 2019. So within the... Selected. Select. Edit profiles. Button. This is within the more options, which is the tab on the bottom right. Selected. Watch list. Settings. Account. Legal. Help. Log out. Help, lead account. And I'm going to go back up to watch list uh, because like Carl, I've already got some, got some shows saved here, shows that I either found on the homepage or that I use the search feature. Um, and Carl, you may know better than I do. I do not believe that there is a way within the Disney Plus app to search specifically for audio description, not at this time. And much like Carl, my go-to resource for Disney Plus. audio described titles and information. Safari, format. Information about the Disney Plus service, the web browsers, smartphones, and smart TVs and streaming devices that the service is available on is the ADP website. And that website includes an updated list of programs as well. So, for example, at home, I have an Apple TV, um, the Apple TV box, the third generation. Uh, the Disney Plus app is not available for the third generation. It is available on the fourth generation Apple TV and later. Uh, however, as you'll see in a in a little bit here, there is the option to AirPlay from your iPhone to an Apple TV box. So back app to switcher. the app. Safari, Disney Plus, active, Disney Plus, Disney Plus. And we're going to go into the watch list here. Settings, account, selected, selected, watch list, select. Wild Yellowstone, 2015, The Sound of Music, Ra- Lady and the Tram, Rated, The Sound, Wild, Pick of the Litter, 2009, so Wild, start, the, Lady and the Tram. I'll start Rated, with Lady and the Tramp, one of my favorite movies the sound of, going Lady up. Lady and the Tram, Rated PG. Before I even knew what audio description was. Lady and the Tram, Image, Resume, You Have 1 Hour 44 Minutes Remaining, Selected, Remove the Current Title from Your Watch, Download the Current Title, Rated PG, to HD Bullet Bullet 5, Lady and the Tram, Image, Resume, You Have 1 Hour 40, Boom, You Have, Landscape. Home button to the right. So the app does automatically, once you launch a video, um, even if you have your screen rotation locked, it will put it in landscape mode. Back button. Back. Cast to an AirPlay device. Audio and rewind. Pause. Button. Pause. So once the video starts playing, you need to double tap the screen, and that will bring up your playing options, uh, as well as fast forward, rewind, Um, Play, pause, uh, the left-right slider that shows you where you are, how much uh, of the movie you have remaining, if you want to edit it that way. And then... Audio and subtitles menu. Button. There's a button for audio and subtitle options. Audio and subtitles menu. So let's go into there. Audio. Selected. English. Button. So right now we have it on English audio only. English, audio description, button. And then there's the option for English with audio description. And once I select this, this will activate the preference of English language with audio description across all titles that it is available. Francaise, 
English, but audio. English, selected. English, audio description. English, audio. Close and active. Button. So we'll go back to close. Rewind. Button. Pause. Button. And now we'll start playing Pause. again. Play. Button. Fast forward. Play. Button. Play. Far below are Pause. Button. Towns and villages. Their lights scattered beside a glimmering river winding down from the distant horizon. At the boundary wall of this magical kingdom stands a magnificent fairy tale castle with the river flowing through it. Fast forward. Pause. Button. Pause. Play. Button. Uh, Rewind. Audio cast to an airplay device. Button. And then here between uh, between the audio and captioning play options back. and the back button cast to an airplay device. is how you can button. cast to an airplay device. Once you select that menu, it'll sh you'll see that the option of playing on your iPhone is selected. And if you have an Apple TV or a device that accepts airplay, you can then cast to that device um, through that menu. One of the other nice features about using Disney Plus on the iPhone app is you don't always have to control it from your phone. If you have an, if you have an Apple Watch, you can play, pause, fast forward from your watch as well as an added remote control. Back. Back. Button. So I'm going to go back. back out here to the main menu. Portrait. Um, Kim, menu how are we doing on Image. time? I just don't want to run over. Selected. More options. Access watch list. All Settings. Right. So now we'll go back Profile. into options. Um, as you recall, I selected English with selected. audio description Settings. for Lady in the Tram. Selected. More options. Selected. Selected. Watch list. Select. Pick of the litter. 2019. So and pick as you can litter. tell, there's Image. a theme. Carl showed you Pick of the Litter, the original documentary. Here we have the Disney Plus original, which was, yes, the original docu-series, or as I like to call it, the Doggo series. A six-part mini-series that Disney produced themselves um, after the success of the documentary. And ACB's own Claire Stanley and her guide dog Tulane are featured in this series. Pick up the series. Image. Button. Selected. Remove the current title from your watch list. Page two of four. Episode two off to Puppy College. Button. Get more info on. Download season one. Two. Off to. Episode three. Get more in. Episode three training begins. Button. So we'll select episode, episode three. Episode three training. Landscape. Home button to the right. And as this loads here, we'll see if the audio description starts automatically. After 18 months of us having the puppies, you really get to know the dog, and it becomes a best friend to you. It's always hard to bring a dog back, even when you know it's coming. Skip read back. To cast to an airplay device. Back button. Cast audio and subtitles menu. Rewind. Pause button. Pause. So it's going through Fast the forward. recap skip right recap. now. Button. We can skip the recap. Skip re Skipping recap to zero. 47. Fast forward. Newborn puppies snuggling their mother. And here a we have the audio form. description Training playing automatically soon. because that was our preferred toy. audio Playtime. language setting. Over a Pause. Pose. Rewind. Button. Last week of training. A dog licks a bone. Evaluation day tomorrow. A dog. So you all know what I'll be doing this afternoon. Afternoon with my headphones in in the back of the room. Yeah. So and I I think that that's it for Disney Plus. I do have some other titles here in. On my watch list, so for example, Cinderella from 1965, um, audio description is not available for that title at this time, so it would default back to the English without audio description. Uh, but like Carl said, with Hulu and others, the ADP website, again, shows you the list of devices that the Disney Plus app 
is available for, as well as a current list of full length, as well as shorts like Ferdinand the Bull with audio description um, that are available through the Disney Plus app. So thank you. Clark, can you tell them about the Verizon offer that you got in on? Yes, I can. So uh, I guess by round of applause, how many Verizon wireless customers are there? That's good. And do you know if you are a Verizon Wireless Unlimited customer? Okay. So for existing Verizon Wireless Unlimited customers or customers that um, activate a 5G wireless device with Verizon Wireless, there is the offer for one year free of Disney+. Plus. And it, Kim, you don't mind? I'll just do a real quick demo Portrait. here. Calendar. Sure. Transit. Great. So Double tap to open. Page three of four. My Verizon. There's the My Double Verizon Use 3D Touch app to show home screen. that you can download. And, the, and you My can Close menu. manage Cellular. your account from this menu. app. Button. If we menu. go into account menu. Data hub. Shop. Button. Account. Device. Account. Button. And then to account. Selected. Account. Alert. Alert. Touch ID for My Verizon. If I have to enter my menu. password, I'm unplugging. Button. <laughs> account settings set basic info Sheesh. security and then within within the menu and these are just uh like linear menus so there's the menu you select account and then you can swipe right to scroll down plans. view add-ons browse and add more and features. then you want Button. add-ons double tap add-ons browse and add more features so and then within add-ons the best stories in the world uh, star taxes apply first year on us disney plus first year on us six start first year on us six dollars and 99 cents slash mo after star star taxes apply the best stories in the world, all in one place. Manage button. So, uh, and one thing that I did, because I wasn't sure where this promotion was buried, I just knew that it was available. Uh, the My Verizon, or yes, My Verizon application also has a, a chat feature, uh, basically a text message chat. And I used that chat feature with a Verizon customer service agent um, on my iPhone with voiceover, and it was the Verizon account agent, or the, uh, excuse me, Verizon customer service agent that told me how to find this promotion. So they're the ones that told me menu, account, add-ons, Disney+. Plus. So they were very helpful in that regard as well. Carl, isn't there a similar offer for Apple TV+. Plus? Yes, there is, but that's actually about, I think that's just expiring now. You, you already had to have bought your device. Ah, okay. So, um, you had to have purchased something Apple, right, and you got a free subscription for... for I just get in, got in on it because I just bought a new iPhone ten before January 31st. Uh-huh. And now I get a year of Apple TV+. Plus. Um, and and the, reason, the other reason to be excited about Disney Plus to have an audio description, now we get to see what the big fuss is about Baby Yoda. <laughs> Baby Yoda. All right. Um, I think... Yeah, hold on. Didn't I already do that? I don't think you mentioned the I mentioned the fact that they spoke French, Spanish. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So do you have any closing... One minute closing for Carl or Clark? Clark, you, you know more about what's going on than I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I guess the, the closing would be that it is amazing the, the time and effort and resources with ACB's 
polite nudging and prodding that these streaming companies are putting into making their applications uh, accessible as well as adding audio description in Apple TV Plus's case in eight or nine different languages and also looping it into the uh, Dolby Atmos surround sound so you don't just have mono audio coming through with your description. Um, And they're not covered by the... 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, like cable providers and broadcasters. Um, however, this <laughs> this progress is not uniform. It takes a lot of effort by folks like Kim and Carl, um, and sometimes lawyers to to help nudge them in the right direction. And it really creates an an uneven playing field and puts a lot of burden on our members to know what's available out there. So in the future here, uh, we really think that the the CVAA should be modernized. um, And when that occurs, we'd really want a uniform landscape where accessible user interfaces and audio description is applied equally across all technology. That, that's what we're shooting for, and that's what we're looking at for CVAA 2.0, the next generation. So stay tuned on that. Clark and Carl and I and several others are starting to, to, to prepare our wish list for what we want to see in the next generation legislation. And if we can, can get a, um, a body on... Uh, Capitol Hill that will listen to us and make it possible for us to introduce legislation that will make this happen. We'll do it. Right, Clark? Yes, and, and Kim, you have, a, you have a nice plaque that you're taking up to the Hill on I Tuesday, do. don't you're you? You're absolutely right. On, what, on Tuesday morning, on Tuesday morning, um, I, Clark, Carl, and Brian, and Rick and I will be going to see Senator Ed Markey who was the primary sponsor of the CVAA in 2010 when it was signed into law by President Obama. And we will be giving him a plaque commemorating the 10th anniversary of the CVAA and his leadership for the CVAA and making it possible for people who are blind to participate in an equal way in the information age. So we're really excited about that. So, All right. Thank you, everybody. All right. So your panelists move. You will have a new group of panelists in about five minutes. You stay. You stay put, and the new panelists will come in here. That's my understanding. So you stay. We go. Hey, everybody, you guys ready to get started? Awesome. Cool. I like that. Thank you. Um, Hey, everybody. We are here to talk about the ERPS Steering Committee. Um, I'm Claire. I'm the Advocacy and Outreach Special at ACB. I'm going to have Doug introduce introduce himself as well. Hi, I'm Doug Powell. I'm the... uh they call it the volunteer team lead, uh, a board member who's assigned to each of the steering committees um, to help the staff person uh, run, the, run the committee and, and get the job done. So um, I'm going to kick this off by asking, 
How many of you folks have ever called the national office? How many have not? All right, good. Well, that's, that's fine. Um, the people who have called, did you get the information you needed? Yes, good, good. Um, now let me ask you another question. Have you ever, ever had a, a topic dealing with blindness, like your iPhone or anything like that, that you just could not figure out what to do and you were looking for some, some help with that? How many people have had that happen? If you're not clapping, you're lying. So this, uh, the, the steering committee that we're leading is called the Information Referral and Peer Support Steering Committee. And we've gathered several of the committees and task forces that, uh, you know, our ACB committees and task forces, like the Sound and, and Sight Impaired, uh, the Multicultural Committee. Um, ACB Women. ACB Women. You know, the, 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 the committees that are, uh, I think, international relations, too, yes, maybe? international yep. relations. Yep. So uh, these are the kinds of committees that either have information referral aspects or peer support aspects that, um, that qualify them to, to be uh, categorized under this. And the, the theory is that, and hopefully the practice will be, <laughs> that um, we will be able to work together and, you know, when, when uh, a committee has a project that another committee said, well, we're trying to do somewhat the same thing, they can work together. And the staff will know what's going on. Um, so, we're, we're, you know, the whole thing is about trying to help ACB do more things more efficiently and, um, and, and get a lot done uh, for, for people who are blind and visually impaired and also for people who are not and... Um, you know, and, and, you know, need, need our help, right? So, um, we've developed, uh, we've had one meeting so far, and we've developed a, um, we've developed some identified goals that we're going to be trying to working for. And what we'd like from you today is to uh, flesh out some of those uh, goals with some ideas that you might have. Um, and, um, and so this is obviously going to be a two-way street. So, mm -hmm. for example, we'd love to have, I'm just going to give this as an example, and then I'm going to turn it over to Claire. For example, we'd love to have a, uh, a listing somewhere of all of the local chapters yes. of ACB, right? That doesn't exist anywhere right now, Right. And, and it's going to have to be kept up, you know, it's going to have to be kept current. So uh, sometimes locals change. We just, you know, we just added an affiliate. Um, but, you know, locals change sometimes, and certainly the leadership of locals change, right? So we're going to need your guys' input to make sure that uh, the information that we're going to be gathering is up-to-date and relevant. So I just want I just to... 
I wanted to contextualize the conversation. So we're going to be trying to do, do something for you guys, and you're going to have to help us make sure that it stays relevant. Okay? So I'm going to turn it back over to Claire for our identified goals. Perfect. Thank you so much, Doug. Um, so like Doug said, we are affectionately called ERPS, Information Referral and Peer Support. And I like to say that ERPS is um, broken down into the two components, the IR and the PS. So as far as identified goals or ideas or thoughts we have um, are kind of broken up into those two. So I'm going to go ahead and read through, I think I have about six or seven different goals um, that fall under each category. We'll start with IR, um, but in our last group we kind of started to bleed into PS as well, so that's fine. But we'll try to start with one and then do the second halfway through. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and read through these goals that we've identified. They're still in their infancy, so they can change and morph and that kind of thing, and we can add ideas to them. Um, but we just want to get you guys' thoughts, ideas, how we can do that. Um, so first, under the information referral, we have make a list of questions or thoughts or ideas that constantly come up. Sharon, I'm, I think she was outside, could easily tell you that we tend to get very similar questions over and over again. So you want to make a list of those commonly asked questions. And then in doing so, the second part is to accumulate or organize all of those answers or resources into one place. So if someone calls and says, I need voc rehab services for my, the state of Oklahoma, we don't have to say, give me a second, let me Google it. We have it right there because we know we get that question all the time. Sharon's great, and she actually already has what she calls cheat sheets for a lot of this, but we don't have everything in one place, so we want to have it in one place so it's easy, easily accessible for any of the staff members to um, pull up. You know, Kelly can easily pull it up just as easily as Sharon, but it's all in one place, so you want to have that. And we want to, again, identify the different questions because a lot of different um, questions come in, and that can be a growing list. You know, right now we might get let's say five, I'm making that number up, but let's say we get five commonly asked questions that could morph over time, so we want to keep it up to date. We also want to identify a process to mine, I use the word mine, uh, for this information. A lot of it we already have, but there's other information we don't have. So do we want to commit you know, one hour each week to finding that information? Do we want to find an intern to, to do it for us? Do we want to ask the affiliates to do it for us? So finding a process to do that. And then a kind of secondary to that is making sure it stays up to date. Like Doug said, things constantly change. I've given out phone numbers that we have, and then someone says, I called and it didn't work. So we want to make sure it stays up to date. And lastly, under the um, information referral, where do we put that information? Obviously, we want to have it somewhere internally in the national office so that when people call, which is one of our main forms of inquiry, we can pull it up. But do we also want to put it on our website? Do we want to put it on affiliates' web pages? Nudge, nudge. Uh, do we want to be able to put some stuff on the phone line? Obviously, that's a little bit more difficult, but we do have a phone line, and maybe put some stuff there. So where and how do we want to put that information out there? Um, so that is the IR. I'm going to go quickly over the peer support, and then again, we'll start with the IR and then jump into the PS for comments. So under the peer support, we want to identify categories of need that come in. So maybe we get, which I can say is true, we get a lot of elderly individuals who are losing their vision. Do we want to create a peer support system specifically identifying those elderly requests? 
Um, do we want to, and then secondly, do we want to um, find a way to identify people who fit into that category? Um, you know, so is Doug Powell willing and able to talk to people about services for the elderly? We want to make a physical list of people so that can hold them accountable. And then lastly, based off of that statement I just made, developing some kind of accountability process. So if I tell somebody to call Doug Powell, they can call me back up and say, Doug never called me. And then I can call Doug back and say, you're in trouble. Um, so making sure we have some kind of accountability process so that people are getting the resources they need. Um, so we can start with the IR, but I know last time we quickly morphed into the PS as well. So we want to know some of your thoughts on these different ideas. So again, making a list of questions, finding resources to answer those questions, where we put them, how we keep them consistent. That's the IR. So please feel free to answer any or all of those questions. How should we do it? What questions do you see? What are your concerns or um, likes on these different ideas? And uh, Lee is going to go ahead and uh, move the mic around. Thank you so much. So feel free to raise your hand or call out, and we'll get you the mic. Does anybody have any questions or comments? We've got one. Oh. We've got two. <laughs> Does someone need coffee? <laughs> Can you guys say who you are also? Yeah, please. Yeah, this is uh, Shri Roy. And uh, the question I had about the website is, are you guys putting it, pulling any traffic information on the site? Like, do you know the behavior of the website? That is a really good question. I personally do not know that answer. I, I can actually answer that Perfect. question. Perfect. Thank you, Kelly. So we use uh, Google Analytics, um, which is a great tool for uh, finding out how the w website is trafficked. So they have um, you know, your top pages that people visit, um, and it gives you a lot of different data points about the website. Um, have we, when you look at Google Analytics, have you found out any good information to figure out uh, is the website going in the right direction? Yes. Yes, it, it is. But, we, you know, there's a, uh, the website's always a moving project. Um, it's never going to be, quote-unquote, finished, you know? Um, so uh, it, it's good, especially to see, like, what, what pages people are visiting the most um, so we can kind of see what kind of information people are looking for from ACB. Um, but it's also good to know, you know, like if there's a page that we see people are visiting a lot, we want to make sure that page is updated and all that. But we have, yeah, it gives us a lot of great information about the website. And if you're volunteering to help with the website, let us know. <laughs> Ray's got a question. Actually, uh, good morning. This is Ray Campbell. I'm honored to be officer liaison to the ERPS committee. Um, I just wanted to say that um, one of the things that, um, as we talk about resources, one of the things, and this is where I think you guys can help us a little bit in your affiliates, is um, I'd like to see us long-term develop a list of experts uh, around the country that people could contact so that if you're if, if, if Claire or one of the staff gets a call in the office in, 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 here in Virginia and they say, you know, I need help with uh, housing in Chicago, they would have somebody to call. Or I need help with transportation in Milwaukee, they'd have somebody they could reach out to. And again, that, that goes along with accountability. So be thinking about people in your states that have expertise or are locked in to various kinds of things like transportation and employment and housing and all these things and let us know about them so that we can refer people to them 
Yeah, thank you, Ray. As the steering committee goes forward, we're going to identify topics like that that we get questions on, and we are going to be reaching out to the affiliates to say in Minneapolis who is well-versed in education. So we will be coming at you with these ideas and topics, so please start thinking about them. How many of you would be willing to uh, be on a list of people to call on a particular topic? Good, good, excellent. So we need to figure out a mechanism to, for you guys to let us know what it is you would like to speak, you know, what, what it is you would like to be available to, uh, you know, to add your expertise to. So we, we will definitely be working on that. Okay, we've got one more comment over here. Actually, I think somebody raised their hand on the other side, too. So. Hi, this is Bob Furtado. I was wondering if you have a mechanism by which, for example, if, if I have an idea for a resource that's good, that I can know who to contact, and also at the ACB level, do you have anyone who would then check the, the validity of that resource prior to posting it? Those are great ideas. We currently do not have things like that, but those are the exact type of ideas we want to hear and the steering committee are working on. So we're taking note of that. And those are two great ideas for us to play with. Obviously, we only have so many people, um, but we are, so we're trying to think creatively and thinking smart about using the resources we have. So we'll take note of those. And those are great things to, to play with. So, Okay, so we've got uh, two other people who have raised their hand. So just um, commenting on what Bob was asking about or making a comment about, um, so kind of like a, a, you know, a spreadsheet. Um, let's say somebody wants, you know, information about a particular company, you know, what are the companies that sell screen readers or is there somebody in my area that sells screen readers in this in the state, you know, a state rep or whatever. Um, and, and this is what I've done personally myself is um, made like a database of the actual company name and you know their address and their phone number and then and then that list um, and that you know um, Kelly made a good point and it's going to be with this resource thing too it's it's always a moving target because that certainly changes as we know as tech companies um, you know take over other ones and move and all kinds of stuff so who's that speaking oh, I'm sorry Jill. Noble. And database is kind of the word that I've been using. We can obviously call it all kinds of things, but that's actually the word that I've been using. So yeah, that's definitely kind of the way we're thinking about it. And it will definitely grow. And we want to, again, we want to make sure we take things off that don't exist anymore and we update things that have changed. But yeah, that's definitely the way we're thinking. Um, just to throw another thing out there, because when you use the word spreadsheet, it triggered my mind. We do have an existing spreadsheet now for those who call in. Um, so when people call in with a question, we take note of it. We take notes of things like who they are, where they live, their phone number, what their question's about. And that helps us in a few different ways. One, it obviously helps those of us who do the advocacy work keep track and answer their questions. But it also helps Cindy for potential new members. It also helps our, um, our development director so that we can potentially find um, donors in the future. Um, and I'm sure you guys could think of other ways it could help. So again, right now it asks things like, what's your question about? What's your phone number? But if you guys have any other ideas on important data that we could mine from those calls, please feel to, uh, to suggest those as well. Okay, so we have uh, artists first and then Chris Gray. Okay, 
I get referred a lot when people are asking questions about, you know, entrepreneurship or Randall Shepard. And the only issue I've had is I have some people that call me over and over again and just basically want them to help them set up a business. And, and uh, to me, that comes in the coaching range, which I am as a coach. And so at what point um, should I feel comfortable just saying, hey, I'm sorry, if you want more help, you're going to have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, so maybe thinking about procedures or methods of we can, we can offer X, but once it gets to Y, that's enough. So thinking about that, it's a good thought. Yeah, this is Chris Gray from St. Louis. In thinking about the, the calls that uh, we get at the Missouri Council of the Blind, I think the number one kind of call we get has to do with benefits. Now, of course, we have the blind pension in Missouri, so we get a ton of calls about that. But there's a lot of confusion, a lot of misunderstanding with regard to SSI, SSDI, and uh, several questions about that could be put together that would be helpful in getting a person started, I think. In terms of how you organize this kind of information referral, I'm kind of envisioning in my mind something, uh, a big heading on the website, you know, like a head one called ACB Facts, as an FAQS, Frequently Asked Questions. And then below that, you could have, you could develop over time a list of you know, categories of facts, facts about benefits, facts about technology, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. No, thank you, Chris. One idea that I think is a little bit more long-term but that we had Band-Aid about was creating um, fact sheets, and I think Social Security is a great example of having um, something more long-term that kind of outlines the, the Social Security process. So that's a great idea. I meant to ask at the last one, and I'll, I'll ask here, are there any uh, affiliates who have offices who use kind of like a, a protocol system like a call center would use? Because I, I, I eventually envision this as being, you know, a, a program that, you know, that you type, start typing in a, a, a topic and it brings up several, you know, several subtopics and then, you know, but, but quickly get to a screen where you can give the information on the specific question that's coming in, but it, having it be, um, you know, on the, uh, you know, on your screen on the computer, right, right there in front of you, and pretty easily uh, accessible. Is it? Is anybody using like something like that now? Someone said sort of. Uh, hold on. Can we get her the mic? One of us. Okay. This is Barbara Salisbury. We have a call center in state. It's not connected with us, and, and I'm, I'm talking about Indiana. But we also have a resource link on the acb-indiana.org. And, and what I – and we try to, you know, put, dump stuff into it as we find out about it. But what I um, – and Sharon has actually done, when she got a call from someone in Indiana, this person was not a member, um, she connected them – back to us, which is what I would really like to see because it gives us the opportunity to connect with someone who might not be a member and bring them in to become a member. And then also, um, 
I've identified a person on our board, or a couple people, that I can connect people to that have a lot of knowledge about information because that's what they actually do in their jobs. So um, just being able to get those people connected back to our states would be fantastic. And it actually, thank you for saying that, it actually came up in the last breakout session with the other half of the group that sometimes when people are referred to state affiliates or probably special interest affiliates, they can be referred and then whoever it is from the affiliate never follows up. So like we said, at the national level, if we develop this peer support system, we're going to create an accountability process so that they have to deal with me or Clark or Sharon or whoever. But at the state level, obviously, that's you guys' own state affiliate process. We can't dictate that. So we'd love for you guys kind of with that in mind to start thinking about, you know, do you want us at the national office to help you? Do you have your own accountability process? But that did come up as a a potential concern. We also do have a message link on our website where that message, you can message and it would come directly to me as president. But anyway, I'm going to pass this over to Vicki from Ohio. She has something. Um, We have sort of what you were talking about, Claire, at ACB Ohio. Um, I've kept all that information being old-fashioned on a, in an old-fashioned Rolodex-type thing. But my new assistant is, is um, younger and techie and all that and has already been talking about putting all of that into um, a, a computer-type thing where he can quickly look up that information instead of flipping through cards. Um, and we do also, as Barbara was saying, have a... Uh, both a resource link and um, a contact form on our website so that people can send us questions, and they often do, about housing or family members who are losing their vision, so social workers, all those kinds of people. Yeah, if anybody hears of things or comes up with things like Doug said, my dream would be some awesome database system that I get to go in and type, 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 and boom, everything spit out at me. So if anybody hears of things or knows people they could ask, please let us know. We've got a few hands raised, so I'm going to go to Brian first. One of my biggest concerns about each of us volunteering our time and efforts to answer questions is, uh, let's see, I now have officially three stalkers, kind of like Artis was describing. I helped them once with something, and now I'm their go-to person for anything and everything. And they have my phone number. So I would like to suggest that uh, when you attempt to connect somebody with a question, with somebody with an answer, that you tell the person with the answer how to contact the person with the question, not the other way around. The person who's asking the question says, yes, they can contact me, here's my number. And you say, we'll pass that on, and you should hear from them in the next X whatever. That kind of a scenario. I, I, I'm such a public person that my phone number is published so many places that I get to a point where I'm having to block more calls than I'm taking. Yeah, you're, you're right, uh, and, and when you call them, if you're calling them on a cell phone, they've got your number, uh, unless you have some kind of a way of encrypting it not to happen. But that, that brings up a good point, though. Uh, that and the timeliness, maybe, maybe part of our mission needs to be to set up guidelines for those contacts and the timeliness and the 
confidentiality, if you call it that, or some kind of security. So that's... Yeah. Those are really helpful. And maybe, yeah. obviously, phone numbers are one thing, but maybe if we have contact, we create a, another totally separate email address for you that's specific yeah. to this. Yeah, thank you, Brian. That's really helpful. Okay, I'm going to go in the order of uh, who had their hands raised first. This is Steve Bauer, California. A uh, couple of comments. I think the uh, locator for individual chapters is a great idea. If you guys could come up with a... Somebody can give a zip code, and you could give them the nearest chapter. That way, you wouldn't have to contact the state. You would have to contact the chapter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as far as the confidentiality of calls, uh, star seven zero works great. When you call somebody back, it's uh, you know a lot of people don't answer uh, unknown callers, but that does add a level of security. And the third thing I'd say is um, we're just starting to implement a uh, program in California where we have a handful of volunteers answering the phone, uh, our office phone, which we can, you know, send to somebody else's phone, freeing up our, our one employee to not spend her whole time on the phone. And um, what we've done, uh, rather than having a database, is actually set up a, we come up with a volunteer handbook, and everything is set up with headings and subheadings. So if you're a fairly good screen reader user with JAWS, you can, okay, you know, press heading one until you get to rehab counselors, and then press heading two to get the individual offices or something like that. And that makes it easier for a volunteer to find information without using file cards or without having to, uh, you know, use an Excel spreadsheet or something. Okay, we have two more comments. Um, I'm going to go to table 11 first, and then I'll come to table four. And we have about 12 minutes, just FYI. Boy, like... <clears throat> Um, just, just a comment about, um, you know, like Vicki was saying about taking information down on index cards and stuff and, and keeping track of things like that. It's, it's not only, you know, helpful with the national office and getting information. Um, I mean, and as we know, like when we have a national convention, Janet Dickelman gives us all kinds of information about paratransit that's going to be in that city and all those other things. And, Having that available on even, you know, the state levels is so good. Like, you know, for example, we had somebody who, you know, was doing an internship in Cleveland. And so, you know, Vicki was like, this person needs information about transportation in that area. And, you know, me visiting Columbus, and she gives me information about their paratransit or their transportation system in the Columbus area. So it's... It, you know, it, the trickle-down thing is going to be, like, really awesome if this really gets going. I love so thank that. you. I love that idea, and one thought we had is once we've uh, mined for all this data and we have it, that we can take state-specific information and put it on your uh, affiliate's webpage. Because right now when I go to your affiliate's webpage, most of them just have the president's name and your phone number. If we could take, like you, paratransit was a great example. If you're looking for paratransit in the state of Wisconsin or the county of whatever it is in Wisconsin, it's right there. So using your web pages as well. Well, I agree the national level needs, this is Deanne from Indiana. I agree that the national level does need to develop their own database, but I also agree that the state level needs to be very connected into it and have their own database going also. In, and it needs to be somewhat standardized, too. So that's, uh, that, that came from another comment from our table. Thank you, Sean. Um, but 
Indiana found that when we started developing our website and when we started looking at um, how we wanted to be communicating more with the membership at large that was not necessarily connected with affiliates, we developed a Google number that actually can be used to connect with our uh, affiliate president or officers and then gotten out to whoever else in the um, state affiliate needs to be connected into with. But as you develop your websites, um, you know, that's going to help you make that connection with the rest of your community. And we need to start connecting with maybe even media outlets and mayor's action committees and, um, and that because when it comes to advocacy and awareness, you, you are only a smar, small portion of the people out there that needs to be speaking for themselves. So, and that's all I have to say. Thank you. It looks like we have one more comment left. Do we have enough time, Claire? Yes, we do. Okay. This is Carrie Muth from Oregon. And first of all, Claire, I got to tell you, you are famous with my twin seven-year-old granddaughters for your action on Pick of the Litter. So I need to get a picture later, if you don't mind. Anyway. Sure. <laughs> and uh, um, you mentioned the spreadsheet that you're, you're taking down information when people call in and, you know, what other ideas you can use from that. So what types of information are being gathered? Are you, and are you asking questions like, hey, can you be put on a mailing list for our um, Braille forum or things like that with the information? That's an interesting one. We do not have that. Right now we have um, their name and their basic all forms of communication. We have a column that um, identifies what area their question is in. So is it transportation? Is it service animals? And it was brought up in the last group that we might be able to use that to connect them to special interest affiliates. Or we could also do state affiliates. Um, we have, uh, what's the other one I just had on my mind? Um, well, I'm blanking. But yeah, so if you, we have about 15 columns right now. We obviously don't want it to become a million columns because that would be overwhelming. But yeah, I like your idea of can we contact them. Um, I think right now we're kind of under the assumption that we, if you give us your information, we're going to put you in constant contact. Um, but permission obviously is, is a potential question to ask. But yeah, if you have any other ideas. And that is it for comments and questions. We do have a little bit more time. Does anybody else have a comment or a question? Oh, yes. Uh, regarding the constant contact, have you guys looked at what else it can do besides um, just sending a broad email? Is, can you tie it to the website so that if you gather these information that it can maybe automatically send something to the local the local chapter? Ooh, that's a good idea. That is a Dan slash Nancy slash Eric question, but I like it. Okay. Yeah, Chris Gray, one more time. Um, so, Claire, am I understanding you correctly that if we uh, update the uh, AMMS system and we put an email address in that was not in there before, they will automatically go on the Braille forum list? I don't think it's Braille Forum. I think it's diff uh, Nancy might be able to answer this question better. I think it's certain forms of communication. Nancy, so, okay. So if you update AMMS, it will update our donor database. Right. And if 
you have checkmarked that you want to receive the Braille form, let's say by email, mm -hmm. it will update constant contact. So when we send that list out, you will get it. Great. Thank you. Yes. So like Dan was saying earlier, it might have been the last group or a group earlier, there's, there's a lot of potential for constant contact. So I think we have about five more minutes, just shy of that. Any other comments or questions? Or uh, areas that you want to make sure we have information or experts available in? We got a hand over here. This is Sean Thiel. Um, one of the we, kind of in the peer support, we are getting a lot of questions from social workers who are looking for information for clients that they are serving, and I'm wondering if we could could somehow create a forum where those folks can communicate with each other, because if one social worker wants to know how do I get this person a talking clock or how do I get them skills, other social workers are going to want to know that too. So is there any way that can be facilitated and in, in maybe there's already some kind of an association for those folks that already network anyway? Like we should probably look into something like that. Yeah, definitely a good idea. Okay, we have uh, another comment. <laughs> Brian Charlson here again. Uh, another thing I think would be really valuable because as you said earlier, this stuff stales pretty quickly. So each entry in your knowledge base should automatically be date stamped as to when it was last updated. And there should be a report mechanism within it that allows you to, when something's got a date stamp more than X number of months or years old, that it automatically comes up for review so you don't wait until you need the answer to find out it's only an old one. You can be proactive at keeping it up to date. That's a great idea. We had talked about, at least in the short term, with our more just document idea that we will set a time frame, like every three months we'll check, or we, we haven't decided on the number. But as far as um, time stamping and that kind of thing, if you know of the technology that has that capability, please let us know. Okay, I don't see any more hands raised, and it looks like a couple people are walking towards this direction. Okay. Um, we told the last group, and please, um, t I'm telling you guys as well, if you have any ideas that come up, and I know you guys will, please feel free to share them with us. You can contact me at cstanley at acb.org. You can always call the national office. You can reach out to Doug Powell, um, but please keep your ideas coming, and we want to continue to communicate with you guys. So thank you. Thank you very much. All right, everyone, lunch is next, so please find your seats so we can begin serving lunch here in a minute or so. Yes. Just a reminder, if you did not order lunch today, you are welcome to, to leave the room and go to the restaurant or somewhere else. What you cannot do if you did not order lunch today is go out, get a burger, and bring it back here. That's against the hotel policy. So if you did not order lunch today, you need to stay 
out of uh, conference room Commonwealth CD until lunch is over. Thank you. I hear those Key West chickens out there. Hello, everyone. This is Patty with the Mini Mall. I want to let you know about a couple of new products we have back there. We haven't mentioned if you wear glasses or you know someone that does. We have small eyeglass kits, and we also have manicure sets. Um, they're affordable, and they have the ACB logo on them. We have eyeglass kits, and we have new manicure sets. Come back and check out the new items. Thank you, Patty. So if you need an eyeglass kit or a manicure set, uh, I may need a little of both. Go see Patty and her team back in the back left corner at the mini mall. Is everybody getting settled? Everybody got their tickets out front? Have we served any food yet? Yes. Okay. Uh, we're going to let everybody enjoy their meal, and then we're going to come back about 1 o'clock with our program. So please uh, in, in, enjoy your uh, colleagues, your friends, and we'll be back with you with the program at 1 o'clock. Thank you. that stuff but um as as i always like to remind everybody it's you know a company um serving and de designing technology to um enrich the lives of people who are blind and low vision and we have uh, with the brands which we still um want people to remember and use um it's freedom freedom scientific optelec enhanced vision and tpg um, why do i shorten tpg because Passiello group is a mouthful so we'll just say TPG. Um, so as we as we think about that, um, why do we why do we care? It's it's you know Vespero is more of a holding company, and and so it's more important for people to recognize that you still call Freedom Scientific for technical help. Um, you still order from your dealers who sell our products, and um, this year. Um, uh, we've had a couple of new releases on products, mostly on the low vision side and uh, one product on the blindness side. So on the low vision side, um, there's a new product called Clearview Go. Um, it's a portable, foldable CCTV, 15-inch. Uh, there is a 13-inch model that's sold by APH called the Jupiter, um, and that's on quota dollars for those um, families who have kids in school who need access to that. Um, we also have something called a Compact 10. It's a 10-inch video magnifier that also has OCR and has two cameras, can do distance viewing. Um, pretty cool. Um, and then on the blindness side, one of the products that uh, we've been sitting here waiting on and waiting on and waiting on for a while is L Braille. Um, and so we will have that um, released at CSUN. And um, for those of you who have a Focus 40 I love all of these weird naming. Gen 5, um, you don't need to buy a Braille display to snap it into the uh, L-Braille. You just need to buy the, um, the docking station. And um, it supports JAWS and plugs into a monitor for those who need it. Um, it's a pretty cool device. 
So I thank um, ACB for um, being a close friend to the organization, and uh, we look forward to seeing everybody at the convention this summer. And I'm sure we'll have some cool stuff at the at the convention. Is anybody going to CSUN? Anybody? Okay, we have a few. So a couple of things at CSUN I'll share. We're going to have an accessible escape room experience. So if you want to go through an escape room and actually participate this time, uh, we will have that set up so you can register for that. We'll also have four or five different kiosks all powered by JAWS. So if you want to experience things like going to the DMV or registering for something like registering to vote or buying a, uh, let's see, what is it, a donut or a cup of coffee um, on a kiosk. Um, we also have a trivia game, uh, which we'll also have featured at ACB this summer as well. Um, that's all in a touchscreen kiosk with a um, nav pad on it so that if you don't like to use the touchscreen and a headphone jack, you just plug in headphones and away it talks, just like an ATM. So that's about it, and I'll pass it back to Eric, and I uh, thank you for having us. Well, thank you, Matt. Um, one thing that I neglected to mention is that uh, ACB formed an advisory board uh, of subject matter experts that can assist the organization uh, in areas where we may not have uh, professionalized or institutional expertise. And last fall, uh, we stood up this uh, advisory board and uh, two of our advisory board members are actually here in the room, and I'd like to recognize the gentleman that just spoke to you, Matt Ader, as an advisory board member of ACB. Thank you, Matt. And then uh, the new uh, CEO of the Vision Serve Alliance, uh, who's going to be speaking with us today, uh, Lee Nasahi. And I guess turnabout is fair play because I was invited to sit on Vespero's uh, advisory board uh, earlier this year. And we actually had our first uh, telephonic calls and advisory board last week. So uh, our, our relationship with Vespero, Freedom Scientific, whatever you wish to call it, down through the years has been complex. Um, and I know that, that at times there have been... Um, some some hard feelings, um, but what I what I can say uh, over the last three or four years is that um, our relationship with Vespero has has gotten much better, and I think it's gotten much better uh, because of the active engagement, not just by us, but by Vespero uh, and their, its representatives like Matt, being uh, more engaged with organizations like ours. And so, you know, it's, it's recognition that, you know, none of this stuff is ever perfect, uh, but there have been some really significant strides made over the last few years, and I wanted to recognize uh, uh, Matt Ader as well as uh, their CEO, Tom Tiernan, for really sincerely engaging uh, ACB uh, through the course of the year, but also uh, even more so at our conventions. So thank you for that. All right. Why don't we get to the, our, our guest, uh, our luncheon speaker. 
Um, it's kind of cool. I've, I've known um, each of these three folks who, by the way, are all blind or visually impaired. Paul Schrader, Matt Ader. Ooh, that rhymes. Um, and Joe Strache. Um, and all of them have worked sort of in the same uh, universe at various points. Uh, I came to know Joe Strache, what was it, maybe five or six years ago, uh, when he was managing the Career Connect program that was then at the American Foundation for the Blind. And over time, have come to know him in... um, Joe's had like 40 different careers, I feel like, and he's not that old. Uh, He's got a background in orientation and mobility. He's done, uh, uh, been in rehab, in rehab. He's done, not in rehab, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Good heavens. Put me away. Um, He's, he's done a lot of transition work, youth transition work in Pennsylvania. He's headed up the, the Bureau of Blind Services in Pennsylvania. And then a few years back, he went and did this Hollywood thing. Um, he consulted on a, on a little series called uh, Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix. I, yes, yes. <laughs> he, he also consulted on uh, uh, DOA and other episodic series. And then uh, how I came to work pretty closely with him is about 18 months ago, uh, this, uh, this little company called Apple created out of, out of thin air a streaming service and to go along with that streaming service, some original content. And uh, Joe was engaged by Apple to consult on, on a project. And I'm going to let him talk a little bit about this, but I've asked Joe here today to, to talk to you not, not just about um, his, his new sort of Hollywood cool thing that he's got going on, but, you know, he's, he's done a lot of different things, and he's got um, some real street cred when he does work on projects like this. Uh, he does happen to be blind. He um, has a background in uh, working with folks who are blind or visually impaired in various ways. And I uh, want him to sort of talk through how all this came to be. So um, before I introduce him, even though I am, even before he comes up here, um, we will uh, watch a trailer, audio described trailer, by the way, of a little show called C that's on Apple TV+. Plus. An Apple original, C. Trailer. The moment has come. Starts now. A bird flies between mountains toward a broken bridge. Words appear, an Apple original. Centuries from now, almost all humans have lost the ability to see. A group of woodland warriors moves over a rocky crest. Some say sight was taken from them by God. Lightning flashes over a body of water. To heal the earth. For the few who remain, vision is only a myth. An aerial view of slope-roofed shacks. But after so many years, 
The power of sight has returned. A newborn is held. What is it? Something's different. The children, they have the ability to see. A baby stares skyward from the producer of the Planet of the Apes trilogy. My children, they have the power that we would call magical or evil. Must protect them. The director of the Hunger Games catching fire and mocking Jay. For centuries, we feared this day would come. The evil of light once almost destroyed the world. And the creator of Peaky Blinders. And now it has returned. Find the children who can see. And bring some to me. A tall, athletically built man with long dark hair stands at the mouth of a cave. Now they will come for us. If we give the babies, they might leave us alone. No, I stand with Baba Voss. A group on horseback crosses a frozen plain. The long-haired Baba Voss walks briskly past the shacks. A woman falls from a rope bridge. The only way forward. These children are a gift. They will bring knowledge. They will begin a new world. Is together. We are family. We are one. We fight as one. A young woman pulls back a bow. Another spreads war paint on her face. Baba stands motionless at the rocky crest as an army creeps up toward him. Baba blows a horn and armies collide on the crest. I have to keep you safe. The moment has come. Jason Momoa, Alfre Woodard. It's astonishing how the smallest moment can change an entire world. A title appears, C. November 1st, Apple TV Plus. Subscription required for Apple TV Plus. Watch on the Apple TV app. So, it is my pleasure to introduce to you uh, the co-producer now of C, fresh from a plane ride from Toronto where they're filming season two, Mr. Joe Streche. Awesome. How's everyone doing? So uh, thank you for the kind words, Eric. Uh, it's, being, it's really great to be surrounded by so many friends and uh, people I consider family, uh, including my family, actually. My wife is off on the right side all the way at the end. We've seen each other. It's been a month. Uh, so we get to see each other for a few hours. That's kind of nice. <laughs> um, so it's a great pleasure to be here to talk a little bit about... Uh, the portrayal of blindness and disability, and also about uh, Apple TV Plus's uh, C and what it's been uh, to work on it, and how important uh, also uh, the consumer groups have been in uh, in the process as well. Um, we, so as Eric said, I, I've worked on a few shows, and I, my background is a little varied. I've, I've had a lot of different jobs in my life. Um, my background, first of all, I'm totally blind. My mom is blind. Uh, she lost her vision later in life. I was legally blind at 19, and I, now I have no light perception. Um, I, uh, I grew up in northern New Jersey, and, and I was always interested in entertainment. And, uh, but I never saw an opportunity where I would work in, uh, in television or film. And uh, 
there were opportunities around, and my undergraduate degree is around communications, and I studied media effects and the portrayals, and uh, also how uh, how different minority groups navigated through entertainment. Um, and during that time, I became passionate about how uh, individuals who are blind or, or low vision were portrayed in media, but also how that that migration happens. Uh, there, there's there's <laughs> There's content from 1969 talking about minority groups uh, and how they navigate in the entertainment, and, and pretty much it's, it's been the same up until recent, and, and things are, are, are starting to change. I feel like the door's opening, but uh, we have to kind of shove through it, truthfully. Um, it, it, is, it is changing, though, but it, it is a process for sure. Um, I feel like I, I got getting to work on Marvel's Daredevil during my time uh, at the American Foundation for the Blind, uh, I consulted on the season one of that, working with the lead actor, the child version of the actor, another actor, the background actors as well who were blind, uh, and working on the scripts and props and set gave me a lot of experience and, and understanding. And one of the first questions I asked of the production back then on Marvel's Daredevil was they, they hadn't announced who was playing Daredevil or Matt Murdock, and I said, is he blind? And they're like, No. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, you know that? Okay. <laughs> Might be better <laughs> if they were. <laughs> but um, working with Charlie Cox was, uh, was quite an experience. I had worked on uh, Royal Pains with their writer's room for a few episodes before that. Worked on some documentaries all in my, uh, I guess, free time. And... Uh, uh, when I, Marvel's Daredevil gave me an up-close uh, opportunity to work on a large production and uh, get to work with on all the different aspects and work with the different departments um, and understanding. And the way I bring the portrayal of blindness, and, and I know it's, it's a sensitive issue, and, and the first thing I, 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 conversation I have with any actor, producer, director, uh, background performer... Uh, whether on uh, Marvel's Daredevil, the OA, or on uh, uh, C, is talking about the sensitivity of a portrayal of any disability, and and that a lot there have been a lot of comical portrayals of blindness over the years, and anything I work on, I, I'm committed, and and Apple is committed as well on C and and our production that blindness and disability will be respected. Um, you know, uh, we didn't have actors who were blind or low vision on Marvel's Daredevil. And, uh, you know, the actors were great, nice. You know, uh, Charlie Cox is still a close friend and, uh, who played Marvel's, played Matt Murdock and Daredevil. Uh, one of the nicest people I probably met in my life, truthfully. Maybe Eric is up in that list, too, but, you know. <laughs> but, uh, okay. <laughs> but, um... It is a sensitive thing, and, and Charlie understood that working on Marvel's Daredevil. And, and you know, uh, things that you'll never hear about. Charlie and I would go visit schools uh, where, and visit with students who are blind or low vision, go visit organizations. When he was doing Comic-Cons all over uh, the world, he visited schools for the blind or other schools to meet with kids and talk to them about the work. And we often went together as well, so I could give my perspective on it. Uh, Things that you don't see. But, uh, you know, if there ever is another Marvel's Daredevil, I know there will be people who are blind or low vision in it. Um, 
the OA, working on the OA for Netflix, Britt Marling, uh, the creator, and, and if you've seen the show, I guess lots of spoilers here. Uh, if you haven't seen the show, there's spoilers. Uh, she she <laughs> she's a, starts off as a child, loses her vision, and then uh, later on in her life, she gets her vision back. I can't tell you why. You have to watch it and find out. And then in a second season, she's not blind. So, <laughs> But um, so... And uh, when they propose these shows, they have typically three seasons, a three-season arc proposed where the shows are going. Um, similar, you know, with uh, working on C. When uh, I worked for the Pennsylvania Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services, and, and I've been offered other opportunities in media and film. Uh, there have been shows like, I don't know, uh, Bird Box um, and others that I, I didn't take or I didn't feel was the right opportunity. Um, but at, when Apple came, and, and by Apple I mean one of the executive producers, Francis Lawrence, who directed uh, three out of four Hunger Game films, um, Red Sparrow, um, came, and, and Stephen Knight, who uh, created Peaky Blinders and, and, and created C, in a, came up with it in a dream. I don't know anything more that it came up. He, he dreamt about it and then wrote about it. So... Um, I guess you don't know where inspiration comes from. But right from the start, they were committed that they wanted to bring in uh, actors who are blind or low vision. Uh, they weren't sure how. Um, when they were bringing me in, uh, I was probably in the first, I don't know, five to nine people hired uh, in the, for the production to create the show. Uh, but originally, Stephen and, and Francis met with individuals who are blind or low vision uh, in, uh, in the U.K., they met with just for a day or two, talking to them about what they were thinking, some of their ideas. But then I spent days and months and, well, now years, uh, working on scripts and uh, getting to review them and provide my input. But also, when, when, I, when I came on, originally they were talking about scripts. They were talking about training actors and then also the accessibility of, of a, a film set or training for people who are blind or low vision. So my job got bigger and bigger. I, I provide uh, product, I help to produce all different aspects of our show. So I'm involved in the, the set. Uh, so I, we have a great production designer, uh, Caroline, who I meet with at least once a week. I'm part of the art department meetings where we discuss all the designs for the sets and what, what it could be and what should be in there. We also, uh, we have uh, uh, around the bringing on actors, uh, so just dis distributing information about uh, the casting call and making sure that uh, the consumer groups like ACB and, and others have that information to distribute uh, to let people know about what we're doing and, and making sure it's getting out there to the community. Um, and then making sure I, I put pressure on, on casting department as well as uh, uh, our other departments to make things accessible. Um, so it, it, it's not an easy job. I, I also supervise all the, the training of actors, uh, also background, whether they're blind, the character is blind or not, uh, I, I have to train them. I meet with every individual that works on our show and, and talk to them about blindness and disability. We've had other people, we brought in other people who are blind or low vision to work on the show at times on uh, short-term ba basis and will continue to do. Um, we have 
current actors who are blind or low vision. We have uh, background who are blind or low vision. Last season, we started out with recurring characters. Uh, has anyone seen C? Okay. Okay. Um, so we had, um, you know, we had a number of characters in the first number of episodes who were recurring. That mean, recurring actors mean they're in multiple episodes. Uh, so we had actors who were in four episodes. We had actors in two or three episodes. Uh, actors who were low vision, actors who were blind. We had actors who were in five episodes. Um, and some that lived past the first season. <laughs> if you haven't watched our show, lots of people die. <laughs> It's not meant for children, so if you have anyone under 18, they probably should not be watching it. Um, there is a lot of violence, and there's a little bit of uh, sexual content as well. Um, so it, it's not meant for children. But it, the portrayals, it, it's difficult. Uh, there, there's a line, and, and our story battles with ableism as well, uh, between people who are blind and uh, people who are sighted, but going both ways uh, if, if you watch it. And, and I think that's one of the, the fun things about our show. Even uh, the individuals, Baba Voss, you know, when they were describing Baba Voss, that tall, long hair, athletic, I was like, that's me. <laughs> I have long hair. I'm not that tall. Jason Momoa, he plays Baba Voss. He's about 6'5". And... Uh, and his weight distribution's a little different. <laughs> Muscly. <laughs> he was Aquaman, if you know Aquaman. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, making sure that our, our, our show uh, is compass and we're, we're faced at what is right in North and making sure that, not that North is right, but making sure we're going in the right direction. Um, and, you know, uh, we... We try to make our sets accessible. I don't know of another show that has had to make sets quite as accessible as, as us. Uh, you know, uh, we have signage on our bathrooms. Or we, so we have a small city when we move. Uh, the other day, I was filming with 500 background. Uh, we have, I don't know, a handful of cast. And we have about a couple hundred crew that uh, working on the show. And, and we have to... I make sh we make sure the signage is accessible. The like bathrooms uh, have Braille and, uh, and also some raised print. Uh, all of our, in our studio uh, location, we have signage, accessible signage as well. Uh, handmade, actually, by us. Uh, it's, it's a little tedious, but uh, we'll move to more modern ways in the future. Time is limited. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, I appreciate the technology that is designed here because... Those braille, electronic braille labelers go a long way. Um, you know, uh, so it, it's a process. The portrayal has been something that's come a long way. You know, I, I look back at uh, the different portrayals of blindness and, and how uh, those actors portray them, but also as you add actors who are blind or low vision into it and what they bring to it. And, uh, you know, all of our characters who are blind are totally blind. You know, so making sure that uh, that portrayal... And if you watch our show, things people don't realize. So eye contact. It's a social and cultural norm, if you don't realize that. Travel to Asia, different parts of Asia where eye contact is valued differently. Also working with children who are totally blind and even just teenagers in general, right? Teenagers, whether they're blind or not, 
need to be taught about eye contact. So in a world where vision has disappeared, what is the value of eye contact? It disappears, really. So we, we play with that. And I don't know if every, everyone realizes that uh, from watching the show, but uh, we, we get to play with interesting oddities that in the world of blindness, little things that you'll never pick up from watching the show. Our costume designers build in scents into the costumes so that they have different scents so each army can detect each other from scent or sound. Uh, they have different materials, different things on their shoes, things that people won't realize. And maybe we'll, we'll get to describe more in season two. And w- did you guys, li- who watched it? Did you like the audio description in season one? So Apple TV Plus launched audio description, and I, heard, I think you heard about this earlier today, with all of their shows. Uh, and it's committed to it. And we're hoping and, and going to be trying to bring audio description to the next level with season two. I'll be involved in uh, some of the description uh, because when I watched it, I, I'm a, I'm a very, I have a very particular angle watching it. And I, I know what, what it's supposed to be about and what's supposed to be described. And some of it wasn't totally accurate. And there were other aspects that are so important that are not mentioned. And, and it irritated me and it probably irritated some of you who had the opportunity to know more. Uh, Eric got to visit set um, last season and uh, come and visit and see what we were doing and, and the inclusion that we built. And if people aren't inclusive, and we set that tone from the beginning, our showrunner, season one, Dan Schatz, was committed to it, and he's bringing it to his next show. He, he left our show because him and his uh, buddy, uh, John Steinberg, who wrote our show from season one, uh, created their own show. And uh, the, moving on and bringing that, carrying the messaging and the lessons we learned in season one to other shows. And that's the benefit of having something like this. Uh, Productions are going to change because people, we're touching people's lives. You know, the directors we work with, the producers we work with, the actors we work with, see the talent that our actors who are blind or low vision have, and they're bringing them to their other shows as well. So um, it's a great opportunity. I know Eric and I were just out in Los Angeles at the uh, Access, wait, no, Access Acting Academy closing ceremony, and we saw a number of great uh, performances and uh, people who I'm hoping to bring on to uh, see for season two and season three. Um, crossing my fingers on season three. <laughs> Maybe a little early <laughs> to say that, but uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I like to say we'll see because our show is called See. And when we talk about our show, I talk about it the world of See. It's not blindness as it is today, it's a blindness in a different setting after centuries of blindness where vision has become a myth, a foul, and heresy even, uh, to talk about sight. Sight is a myth. Um, and, and in that time, we, uh, when I talk about the world of sea, I say we're not sea world. There are no trapped whales, you know? You gotta slide in that joke, because that's my favorite joke. <laughs> um, and we wanna make sure it's respectful. So we, if someone's not respectful about blindness or disability, they get sent on their way. You know, I, I released someone this week uh, because they weren't respectful. Uh, they, they, they went on their way. And we did in season one, and we will continue to always make sure. They didn't say anything to anyone else who's blind or low vision, but something was made, um, remark was made. I, I gave the opportunity to educate, and then I let them on their, sent them on their way. 
So we have that power in our production. You don't deserve to be part of a show about blindness if you don't respect it. And Apple believes that. Our production believes that. Um, talk about inclusive. Like uh, We have uh, an actor uh, uh, who plays Cora, who's a person who lost her vision later in life. Her, her brother is blind. Her other brother is low vision. And I, we were the first production to ask her what format she wanted her scripts in. What, how do you want your scripts? What, if you're a person with low vision, do you want what font size? What, what do you want? You know, we ask every person, and I get to talk to every cast member who is blind or low vision when they're coming on to find out what we, how they manage their first and last mark. On set, there's a first mark, which is where you start. Your last mark is where you end. And figuring out whether it's some kind of tactile marking, it's some kind of contrast, and, or if it's we're outdoors a lot, moving around some rocks so you can feel it with your feet. Um, you know, we want to make sure that everyone is included. We also, outside of blindness and disability, have included people who are deaf or hard of hearing. You know, this week I had uh, three people who were deaf or hard of hearing, a person with cerebral palsy, a person who had a, had, had a aneurysm, has, a, a, has a limited movement in part of his body, his one arm and his leg. You know, we want to make sure that our, our production is open to everyone and everyone has the chance to be on camera, because everyone wants to be rep represented in the media. You know, I, I grew up, work, I worked four years at a video store in high school. You know, I did a lot of different jobs, but uh, I've always been passionate about film, and I wanted to see, my, want to see myself in film. I want to see myself represented correctly, positively, and I want to see myself, besides laying in a bed or asking for money or just crossing the street, I want to see, in our show, you see people who are blind as warriors, you see them as villains, you see them as lovers, you see them as, as parents, as family members, as people with professions, people who are capable. And that's important. That's messaging. And that makes a difference. And hopefully, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, our show is an entertainment product. It's a business, for sure. And, but we, we're hoping to send the right message with that business and with that product. And I want to open up to questions as well. I have, I have a lot I could talk about accessibility, but I want to make sure I leave you time to ask questions. Two. Is that cool? Hey, Joe. Oh, whoa. <clears throat> Hi, Joe. My name is, uh, whoa. Hold on. <laughs> we good? Hey, Joe, my name is Mike Moran, and uh, I auditioned for C, um, and uh, I've been in SAG and AFTRA for years, and um, the thing that I was confused about when I went for the audition is I had my dog, and, oh my God. and, and I said, and I said, what is going on here? And I, oh, it's my, you know what it is? I have the, I moved your phone, but I don't, you better give it to me. Okay. Do can, I, can I have it? I have them on delay because Rick had me monitoring ACB. Oh. <laughs> and, I, I, and, and it's in delay. But anyway, so my, my point is, uh, Mary Lee Talkington referred me to Apple Casting. And then I got a call from a place in New York. So I went and auditioned in New York, and I didn't, I didn't submit it to Apple Casting. So 
I don't know if I did the right thing or not. And then I showed up with my seeing eye dog. And I don't know how much they realized that I didn't have to work with my guide dog. That I, I you know, I could work either way. Mm-hmm. So I just don't know how much gets lost in the uh, audition process. So uh, I don't know if you... Yeah, they, I can, I, yeah, definitely. So we have a new casting department this season. Our last casting department was out of Los Angeles for the U.S. So we have a casting department for uh, the U.S. We have one for Canada. We have one for international outside of Canada and the U.S. Uh, as well. Um, our New York, New York office is new. Um, so I, I can have a little conversation with them. And hopefully that's been rectified because we actually have had people who uh, use a guide dog uh, on set um, as well. But uh, they don't use it in the show because uh, typical Labradors and uh, Golden Retrievers, German Shepherd might actually work. It, it could work. Yeah, we've had German Shepherds on the show, so that's, that's plausible. Uh, but uh, we have, so if, if they interacted with you poorly, I, I can have a conversation with them. And I, I speak to the casting department uh, weekly. Uh, oh. Oh, okay. Well, it, they, that doesn't make it across. Like, those, any kind of remarks like that. So I get to look at all the auditions uh, from... And, and there are a lot of auditions. We only, you know, we get like thousands and thousands of submissions for each part. Uh, then we get down to like, I don't know, uh, 30 or 40 uh, auditions specific to people. And now we're also uh, making sure that uh, people who are blind or low vision, are, theirs are viewed first. And uh, uh, that's stuff we'll be talking about in probably the next conversation in the future. But uh, maybe I'm, I shouldn't be saying that, but I don't know. But, um, but we have uh, prioritizing uh, the actors who are blind or low vision. And uh, so we don't get feed any information from them besides looking at your audition. We look at your, uh, your resume. Uh, we look at, uh, I, I don't know, your height and stuff like that. So none of that comes across. And I'll tell you, most, most productions, they're looking they might look at your video for 10 seconds. I can tell you I watched the whole video. Most people aren't doing that. Um, it takes a long time when you're going through tons and tons of parts, tons and tons of different actors, and uh, trying to find someone. Uh, but, and I, and uh, at times, if I, if I feel the person who's blind or low vision, that audition was not their best audition, I might request that they ask you to submit another audition for a different part, right? and they might use that same audition to audition for another part because we hold on to them, uh, and they'll be like, what about this person for this part? And we look at the video again, and we're like, yeah, that could work. Let's get them to read again. Sometimes we don't even ask them to read, read the part for that specific part. We just, we might book them or, or, or not. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I went to the, uh, that Access Acting Academy, and some people don't audition well. I, knew, I have friends who are perdition, uh, pretty prominent actors who don't hate auditioning. Most actors hate auditioning, truthfully. Um, and they tell me what a hell it is. And they don't audition well, but they, do, they have a proven record. And for our population who are not like yourself, who are sa- not SAG, have not hit that level, don't have that level of attribution or, or credits already, 
it's building the, their name up and getting their name in there, but we're giving opportunities to people that might not have that, that presence yet. And we did that in season one, and we'll continue to do that in season two. So, um, but I'll, I'll definitely look back. I, I, I'm sure I've seen your, your videos. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and we'll, maybe we can talk afterwards, Mike. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah, I've got somebody over here. Uh, so I really love the show. Uh, kudos. I'm really excited to see season two. It's not coming fast enough. Oh, um, <laughs> also, um, I was really curious about how y'all came up with the um, way that they communicate instead of writing, you know, like I know that we have Nuts. Braille and Nuts. I noticed y'all use the um, string yeah. or the rope. I'm curious how you came up with that and if it was based on anything that is. like Braille. Also, I noticed, too, that in the program, from what I can see anyway and hear, it seems like either, you know, like the kids, their kids can see. Everybody else is blind, but I saw nothing in between. Like, I don't see any uh, people who are partial, who have a visual impairment and can see some, it seems to be one or the other. You're either blind or you're sighted. Great question. Are y'all going to change that? Uh, I can't say that, but I can tell you that. So the basic premise of the show is that there was a viral apocalypse somewhere between now and 200 years from now. I probably should have said this in the beginning. Um, And it killed off the majority of population. We're down to a few million people. I think it actually said it in the trailer. But... um, and all those people who, who live emerge blind. And then for centuries later, hundreds of years later, everyone is blind, totally blind. No vision, no low vision. Uh, so all those characters are blind. And then there are twins, a, a set of twins who are born uh, with vision. And I won't give away too much because if you haven't watched the whole season, but uh, there's more to, more to see. See Get it? More to see? <laughs> but the not language is based on a Mayan not language. Uh, that's a real thing. Um, it's, the le- not language we use is not real, uh, but it, it based on the coding of uh, Braille as well. Like there's, you know, grade one, grade two. Uh, so we have a grade one version of not language and a grade two version. So a beginner and advanced level of not language. And I know time is limited. Do we have time for any more? Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Okay, go ahead. One more. Thanks, Joe. This is Clark Rockfall. I used to be Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. Um, also, thank you for coming on the Advocacy Update podcast, which, as everyone knows, you can listen to on ACB Radio <laughs> or listen via your favorite podcast player. It's a great um, podcast. Shameless plug. Done. Um, Joe, because of your time uh, with Blind Services in Pennsylvania and now in Hollywood, um, what would you tell young aspiring actors with vision loss, and what do you hope that uh, counselors in state services would take away Ooh, and point. share with with children and students? I love this question. That's a great question. So um, I, I was the director of the Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services, the blind services up in Pennsylvania, and I've worked in Florida and New Jersey and in 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 the services for individuals who are blind or low vision. And I can tell you, I, and I, I brought this knowledge from Pennsylvania, when, you, when organizations are looking at labor market information around uh, acting and, and depending where you're living, and, and the, the key is if you're not willing to move to a place 
that has opportunities like New York, Los Angeles, uh, Toronto, New Orleans, Atlanta, uh, these places where there are opportunities, large opportunities for acting. And I think acting is an opportunity. It's exclusive. It's an exclusive profession. It's not easy. You have to work your way up. I have a lot of people who think, uh, whether on the production side or whether they're blind or low vision or not, they just think they're going to make it to that big day automatically without working and getting experience. And that's a mistake. You know, all of us in this room have worked in all kinds of jobs. You have to work your way up. You know, there are people with some amazing talent, but most of us have had to start at a lower level and work our way up. I believe acting is a great opportunity, and, and the Axis Acting Academy has offered a, a new way to get, uh, get that training in an accessible manner and also put yourself on a platform in front of a lot of large productions, casting directors, and others. Um, those types of opportunities are not out there all the time, and, and it is a difficult role road. My road is an unusual one. Uh, I'm on the production side. I'm not on the acting side. Uh, but uh, it, even that side, it's difficult. Um, and it takes, there are a lot of uh, barriers and obstacles. And, and people who are blind, we face that in every place of employment. But in uh, the world of an entertainment, there's probably even more so. And, and, it, and it's not just for, for, for uh, actors with disabilities. It's been actors of uh, different races over the years. It's been uh, women uh, dealing with different situations uh, in in the entertainment workplace. Um, and I, I, I believe it, there is a large opportunity right currently, right now, and it's only going to get bigger. So there are not enough actors with professional training and experience right now. So if, if there are opportunities for state agencies uh, to help and assist people to get that training... And encourage them, uh, you know, like if you live in Altoona, Pennsylvania, probably not the best place to, to get an acting job. Uh, you're, you're about 45 minutes to an hour from State College. You could go act in some, like, student films or plays. But uh, otherwise, you need to get to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a very small entertainment world. Pittsburgh is bigger in the entertainment than that. But uh, both of those are not compared to, like, New Orleans, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Toronto, Vancouver all blowing up and offering opportunity. So if you're going into that field, you have to be willing to move. And you also spend long periods away from home. My, my wife can uh, agree with that. I spent 10 months away from home for season one. Um, and I've been already gone a month or oh, well, a couple of months now, but who's counting? So um, yeah, it's, it's not an easy path for sure. And there's going to be lots of no's uh, and you're just got to push forward and you have to be able to justify and talk about yourself and talk about how you're going to do the job, you know. NIB did that study back in 2011. What are the two big questions? What is it? How are you going to get to work and how are you going to do the job? And for our in, in the entertainment field, you have to be able to explain how you're going to do the job. The proof is in the pudding, right? Like you got to be able to do the job and explain it, but also show it or demonstrate it or provide them examples of it. My, my references are executive producers from other shows the lead actors from other shows. So I bring that with me when I go to another production. Joe, this is Kim Charlson. And um, I just wanted to say that, you know, thank you for coming today. Um, thank you to Apple for making it possible for you to come today. Um, I, I really 
I really commend you for, for being your, your own trailblazer. You're breaking down so many barriers in the entertainment industry. You're leading a charge. You know, we're there behind you, supporting you 100%. What you're doing is phenomenal. I've had my own little opportunity to do some consulting in the entertainment industry with um, NBC Universal. Um, I've done, for about the last two years, I've been consulting with Curious George. So, so my people are not real, which is much, much easier than your people. <laughs> so, so, um, <laughs> so that, um, you know, I, I just get to, to tell George that, you know, he can't, he can't pet the guide dog in the episode where there's a guide dog and things like that. And it's, it's, I'm sure, so much easier than what you have to do every day and the, the temperaments. And, you know, if I want to say no to something, it's a whole lot easier than what you have to do. So, um, you know, con- congratulations. I commend you. You're doing terrific work. ACB's behind you 100%. Um, keep up the great work. You're doing a phenomenal job. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Joe, that was absolutely fantastic. And if nothing else, ACB is love, and we're glad we could bring you and your wife together for a day. <laughs> so, Thank you so much. Next, we're going to hear from Janet Dickelman our, with a convention update. So let's pres- give a big round of applause for Janet Dickelman, our convention committee chair. Janet. Oh, yeah, that was way too tall. Okay. Dan has to get shorter. Yeah. Good. Sorry, had to adjust the microphone. I'm a little shorter than Dan. All right. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Hope everybody enjoyed their lunch. That was a great meal, wasn't it? Whoa. Thanks, Kelly. Um, I, Dan has been talking all day. The focus has been on, why can't I? Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm, thank you, Nancy. Uh, we've been talking today about the various steering committees. And yes, there is a steering committee for the convention, not to be confused with the uh, convention committee and the convention program committee and the local host committee and the convention planning committee for affiliates and committees. This is a steering committee. And on our steering committee is um, officer from the staff, Nancy Becker and Eric Bridges, from the board, David Trott, Katie Frederick. Jeff Bishop, Jim Crack, and Kim Charlson, and Deb Cook-Lewis. And here are a few things that, and Dan Spoon, of course, is on the committee also. 
Here are a few things that the Convention Steering Committee has done, which I think will greatly enhance your enjoyment for the convention this year. First, for the bad news, which really isn't bad news, the registration for the convention is going up slightly. It's been... Well, Nancy fixed... Okay, there. Is that better? That's better. Okay, yeah. sorry. All right. So you missed my whole committee name, but I think you got everybody. Um, anyway, bad news, good news. The convention registration fee that has been $15 for pre-registration is going up slightly. It's going up to $25. And on-site registration is $35. Many conventions registrations are hundreds of dollars, so this increase is negligible. However, with the increase, there are a lot of things that you're going to be getting for your registration dollar. Committees are no longer going to be charging tickets fees. So you can go to the Transportation Committee, the IAC, to rehab issues, to all these great committee programs without having to pay for them. Committees will only be charging if it's a food function. So they're going to get a lot for your money. Um, microphone for committees and affiliates, there is not going to be a charge for use of microphones. There is also not going to be a charge for recording sessions, so that's going to greatly help the affiliates and committees. Uh, whether affiliates charge for their events or not is kind of up to the affiliates. The ticket prices, um, ticketing has gotten to be a lot of work for our office and for registration, so I think it's really going to help the registration pickup if we don't have to go through all of the tickets. You know how the waiting lines sometimes can be in registration. So this is going to really help things smoothly. The other thing the program steering committee has done, uh, convention steering committee rather, is we've done a little bit of work on the program. We're going to make a few changes. For this year, one of the things we're going to do in the program, you know you always have Maybe you don't even know this because you probably don't even look in the tour section of the program because you've already selected your tours. But we have the full descriptions of tours in the program, which we also have on registration, which also comes out on the convention lists. So in the program, we're just going to highlight the tours and give basic information. And that's going to save, I believe, 24 pages of the program. So that's going to be great. Uh, convention dates this year are July 3rd to July 10th. Um, our first convention registration will open on May 21st. Again this year, we're going to have registration open for ACB members only starting on May 21st. On May 28th, it will open to anyone who's interested in registering the, for the convention and will remain open until June 21st. Everyone's always asking about tours, so I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the 2020 tours. On Friday, we are going to the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago for a hands-on, specially set-up tour for ACB, including going down into the coal mine that they have there. On Saturday, the 4th of July, we're planning on doing some trips to Woodfield Mall, which is one of the largest malls in the country. And Matt Ader, if you're still in here, I want to talk to you because the other thing we're trying to work on is an accessible escape room on Saturday. Um, yep. Sunday, we are going to the Museum of Broadcast in downtown Chicago, and we are also going to a detective mystery dinner theater. Um, 
on Monday and hopefully Monday morning and Wednesday morning, weather and equipment available. We're going to try to do some hot air ballooning. Now, remember, we did try in Minneapolis, and Rhonda and I do not control the weather because we did have to cancel. Also on Monday, and we're doing one, this on Monday and also again on Tuesday, we're doing what we're calling our city tour with a twist. And what it is is it is a gangster and pizza tour where we're going to learn about Al Capone and his impact on the city and stop at three different pizzerias for samples. Uh, we are also doing a candy tour on Monday to a great candy company uh, um, called Long Grove Confectioners, and they make a lot of candy that is sold under various names. You've probably had their candy and didn't know it was from them. Also, a casino trip on Monday evening with RSVA. Uh, Tuesday, we have a tour that was brought to our attention by the MCAC, Multicultural Concerns Committee, Affairs Committee, rather, and we are going to Jane Addams Hull House and to the DeSabo Museum of African American History. We are also, on, on Wednesday, we are going to Horizons for the Blind, and that is... I did a little site visit there last fall, and I was very impressed with Horizons, and they have a wonderful shop, and everything in the entire facility is labeled in Braille and large print. It's very cool. Also, on Wednesday, we are doing our sports day. We believe, we will find out for sure by the end of this week, but we are quite certain that our tour to Wrigley Field is going to be able to materialize. And then we have tickets to go see the Cubs and White Sox play at Guaranteed Rate Park. So you can either do Wrigley and the game, or you can do just the game. That's our plan. Uh, Friday, we are going to the Jasper Sanfilippo Foundation, which I can't even try to explain here in one minute, but it has all kinds of music boxes and carousels and, and train cars that you can walk through, the old train cars and pipe organs. And, um, I mean, it's, it's amazing. We did a site visit there thanks to Jim Crack, and it was absolutely wonderful. And that evening, so and you can do both of these, we are doing a cruise on, the, on Lake Michigan on the Odyssey dinner cruise. Um, a couple of other things that are going to be a little different this year. We are working based on comments from the convention survey that we did at the, after last convention. We are planning on ending general sessions at 1145 instead of noon to give people time to get to luncheons and on tours. And on Monday, we're trying something different. And after our Monday morning break, we are going to have three different breakout sessions. We are going to have a breakout, and you can choose whichever one you want to go to. And we're going to have one on advocacy. We're going to have one on audio description. And we're going to have one on accessible home appliances. I like that. Um, when Leslie was talking about the auction today, the other thing we're going to have at the auction, other than auctioning off Mr. Dan Spoon, are 
talking book narrator Aaron Jones is going to be auctioned off for breakfast on Wednesday. Um, our, yep. At the, I just want to go through a couple things about the Renaissance. Uh, the room rate for the convention is $94 a night. It is the Renaissance Schomburg Convention Center Hotel. Uh, their phone number, which is all over the website and on every email that I send out, is 800-468-3571. Due to a computer limitation in the room block, when you call in, tell them you're with American Council Blind. American does not have a second A in it, so it's A-M-E-R-I-C-N, and Council is C-O-U-N-C-L, Blind. Uh, they should they should be able to find you other way. And if anyone has problems, please let me know. I don't control the room block computers. I am sorry. Um, the host committee is working on getting a great transportation document out to me, which I will disseminate to everyone, which will talk about all kinds of means of transportation from the airports and Greyhound and uh, Union Station. There isn't a super shuttle in the area. There is a taxi company called American Taxi Dispatch that is giving us a rate of $28 from O'Hare and $55 from Midway. So if you opt to take this taxi option, when you fly in, we'll try to put people together so that you can share the taxi costs. Um, but there's other, many other ways of getting from the airports and the other transportation and that'll all be sent out to you. If you're not on the trans on the convention list, please send a blank email to acbconvention-subscribe, S-U-B-S-C-R-I-B-E, at acblists, L-I-S-T-S, dot O-R-G. Or you can send me a blank email. I think everyone has my email address, but it is Janet, J-A-N-E-T, dot Dickelman, D-I-C-K-E-L-M-A-N, at gmail.com. And my phone number is 651-428-5059. A couple of other things uh, for future conventions. Um, if anyone is curious or interested, our board meeting will be, our fall board meeting will be in Phoenix at the Hyatt on November 14th, the weekend of November 14th of 2020, the Phoenix Convention in 2021, yeah, 2021, sorry, I'm, is, I know I doubted myself, is a little later next year, so this is going to be interesting. We are July 23rd through July 30th, and the rate in Phoenix is $95 a night. The next convention will, what? 95 Nine-five. Um, Omaha, we have our fall board meeting the weekend of October 9th and 10th in 2021. And the convention in 2022 is July 1st through July 8th. And the room rate there is $96. And that is what I have 
for the moment. Do I have time to entertain any questions? Oh, and we will do telephone registrations as we've done in the past. I have four people lined up to help with telephone registrations. We have time for one question. All right, one question. Got to be a good one. <laughs> no questions for me? You did a great job. All right, thank you, guys. See you all in Schaumburg. Yes, I have to go up a little, yeah. Thank you, Janet, fantastic job. Uh, next, we're going to add one more item quickly into the agenda before the break, and that is Eric Bridges, who wants to introduce somebody special to us. So, Eric? Yeah, besides baby Noah. Oh, <laughs> and it's not Jason Momoa either, so sorry, ladies. <laughs> That would be cool if Jason Momoa was here. Yeah. Oh, Kim, Kim, Kim. Calm yourself. <laughs> well, um, bef before we go to break, um, I, it was mentioned earlier uh, that we've uh, made a new hire, and that announcement will go out this week. Uh, but he is here today with us, and I thought I would invite Tony for just a minute to come and uh, say hello again to us. So let me introduce you to our new Director of Development, Tony Stevens. I don't think I've ever been mentioned within two minutes of Jason Momoa before in my life. So I'll have to tell Lauren that, because right now she's my audio description for... Uh, when we watch C at night. Uh, Eric, thank you so much. It is, it is humbling to, to, to come back into the fold, as it were, uh, in this position. Uh, and and it, it, at the same time, extremely exciting. Uh, luckily, I, I didn't s steer too far away off uh, from the organization while I was away. Eric always was always a phone call away on various projects and working with IAC and Jeff Bishop and others on the IAC committee over the past year. And as well, you know, just really sort of staying engaged in the organization uh, as somebody who is deeply committed as, as just a member as well. Uh, you know, what was that hair, hair commercial, whatever it was? You know, I'm also a member. Um, but in that sense, uh, you know, it's extremely humbling and very exciting. But I, I can't say uh, enough uh, how much the, the work that I'm undertaking couldn't be done without the great work of Tom Tobin, who's in the back, and Tom's leaving tonight. I think to go to Cleveland. So, Tom, it, you and Joe Lynn... Uh, have made the transition easy. We were so lucky in the sense of having Bill Reeder, uh, who's a consultant, helping out ACB come and work with the board, uh, because this is this is a, a job that is a team effort, right? And I am so fortunate to be leading such an amazing team of people from the ACB board uh, all the way down to volunteers and other folks, because it's about relationship building, as folks know. And special thanks as well to all the folks that have always been supporting that are here today. I think I heard Matt and Paul who are always two good friends and, and excited to be working on various levels with all the partners and stakeholders. Um, so, again, Eric, thank you so much for that opportunity. And I, I can't wait to tell Lauren that I was a second place to Jason Momoa. So, And to, to Janet, my boys are so excited for Chicago. So, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Thank you, Tony. Welcome back to Tony. And once again... Th 
Once again, thank you to Tom Tobin for all his outstanding efforts over the last seven years. Thank you, Tom. All right, we're now going to take another break. Let me let you know where to go again. So again, if you are in tables one through seven, you'll stay in this room and you'll hear from public awareness. Uh, That is Kelly Gask, our staff lead, and Katie Frederick, our member uh, lead for our public awareness steering committee. And they're going to talk about connecting with ACB, how to message your way. So it's about involving and including the affiliates. And then over in, uh, in Commonwealth A and B, we are going to hear from Cindy Van Winkle and the Membership Services Steering Committee. Cindy will have a lot of energy over there in A and B. And she's going to be joined by Donna Brown, who's the volunteer uh, lead of the Membership Services Steering Committee. And they're going to talk about Embrace, engage, and empower a new approach to caring for our members. So, you know, you know, Cindy, she's always got acronyms and sayings going. Don't miss her presentation. So, again, tables 8 through 15 will be in A and B. Tables 1 through 7 will be here, and we're going to get started at 2.15. So, you've got about 10 minutes. Thank you. All right. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Attention. All right. It sounds like everyone is having a great conversation, but we do want to get started with our session, please. They're communicating. They are communicating very well. Yes, we like that. She's fuzzy. Should she move her mouth back? Yeah. Okay. My name is Katie Frederick. Perfect. And... I am here with Kelly Gask, and we are here to talk about ACB communication. So I will turn it over to Kelly, and we'll get started. Nancy says be quiet, and you better listen to her. That's right. (laughs) So thank you you guys for attending our public awareness session. Um, I'm really excited to have you guys here. Um, both Katie and I, along with Deb Cook-Lewis, are leads on the Public Awareness Steering Committee. Um, it has been a really great committee. We've started working on a bunch of different issues that are important to ACB. Um, so our our group um, works on anything communications related. We have over 20 different communication channels, and, um, you know, we uh, communicate through many different methods. That's what most of this, uh, most of this presentation is going to be about. Um, but we, um, are kind of a, a special flower of a committee, um, because we also work with all of the other steering committees because each steering committee has, um, public awareness needs. So, whether it be the ag advocacy group needs to get um, notices out about different pieces of legislation they're working on. They need comments from people. We are um, going to be helping them with processes on how they would do that. So we, um, we work on a, a lot of different topics, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, Katie, did you want to talk about the communication channel? Yes. So what we want to do today is talk about the different channels of communication that we have, kind of go through some of those with you, and learn a little bit about how you use the channels that we have, how you get information from, 
from ACB and also learn, get some feedback from you about how we can improve our communication because we know we do a good job, but we can always improve and make it better. So that's a very brief overview of a couple of the topics that we're going to cover today. So we will start by going over the communications channels that we have, and we've kind of broken them down into some categories. So we have things like our social media, we have some email lists and ACB radio and some other things. So we've kind of broken them down into categories of communication channels that we have. So Kelly will go through that and then we will continue on with the conversation and presentation. So the, the first channel that I want to talk about is ACB radio. ACB radio is such a great method of communication, and it's very uh, unique uh, our, for our organization. Um, a lot of people don't have radio stations, and we have a lot of great content that airs out over the radio stations that we have. And we have multiple streams available. So there are, within ACB radio, multiple streams that people can communicate through. Um, we have... Um, uh, content relevant to people who are blind and visually impaired. We have um, different content that is created by people who are blind and visually impaired, uh, like Jason Castingway, for instance. Um, and, and, and also we have um, state and special interest affiliate shows, technology shows, and uh, ACB produced podcasts are also aired on ACB radio. One of the other communication methods that we also have is our podcast. Um, we have several different podcasts here at ACB. Um, one of the uh, the ones that I, I I do all the transcripts for the ACB advocacy update um, and woohoo. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm a little I'm a little biased, but we've got a lot of different uh, podcasts and different content goes on each podcast. Um, so there's. Um, there are a, there's a list of shows available on the ACB Radio website, but some of the different podcasts we have are the ACB Braille and eForum, ACB Events, ACB Reports, the GDUI Juno Report, Main Menu, the ACB Advocacy Update Podcast, On the Inside Track, and Speaking Out for the Blind. And with our ACB Advocacy Update podcast, we put that out every Thursday. We make that available over our social media pages, and it is also available on the ACB Radio website um, and also over your favorite podcast player, as Clark likes to say. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'll keep going. Um, so uh, social media, um, we've got our uh, our Facebook and Twitter accounts. Um, we've also got our YouTube channel where we post um, different videos that we produce over the year. Um, and then we also um, uh, have an account on LinkedIn, which is more of a professional uh, account um, where we, we do share information related to ACB specifically over that channel. Um, we also have the email list serves. As you all know, we have many, many, many different email list serves. Um, and, um, uh, you know, ACB announce, ACB chat, leadership. Um, another method that we also communicate through um, using email is constant contact, which is it provides email templates. So you can have kind of a pretty nicely designed email. Um, and then we also share the Braille forum um, through constant contact. Um, 
Also, we have our ACB publications. I'm sure you all are familiar with our ACB Braille Forum, which is fantastic. And um, it's available in several, several different ways. We've got the e-forum as well. And then we've also got Inside ACB, which is a publication that goes out quarterly to people who donate to ACB. Um, and then lastly, of course, we have our ACB website, which is basically our central hub of news for anything related to ACB. So anything that's pertinent to ACB, we want to have um, easily accessible on our website. So that, that is a big one for us. So now we want to hear from the audience. This is an interactive discussion. So by clapping or shouting out or whatever... Stomp, jumping up and down, waving your hands. <laughs> Did you know that ACB... <laughs> waving your hands? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I need more coffee or, or something. <laughs> um, Did you know that ACB communicates using so many channels and methods? How many of you knew that? All right, quite a few, quite a few. How many of you think your affiliates know this? Yeah, how many did not know it? Okay. <laughs> awesome. We love to educate. How many think how many think your affiliates know about all these channels? Oh, oh. All right. Okay. A few. A few. So that is that's something that we that we want to work on here. And we also want to find out, you know, how does some of you receive communication from ACB? So and, you know, what are, what are some of the ways that, you know, when you think of, of getting communication from ACB, how do you usually get that? So if you want to, yeah, if you want to, um, we have a mic runner, so if you want to raise your hand and, and share kind of how you typically receive information from, from ACB. What's your, what's your favorite method? How do, you, how do you prefer to get information from ACB? Well, I really appreciate um, Sharon's effort at, you know, being the editor of the ACB Braille Forum. That's, that's really good, and I enjoy that. But I really like the dots and dashes thing that she does, too. That consolidates a lot of things together so that um, I can share that with others. Yes, yeah, speaking of dots and dashes, how many of you are familiar with dots and dashes and read that on a... On a... All right, so, so quite a few people... Um, that more comments? Awesome. You know, I, I agree with Zelda, but I also like the website. Also, when I need to look for resources or information, it's awesome to be able to go there and get information. So I re- really appreciate that. Great. Thank you. Good. Thank you. I like that, that answer since I help manage the content yes. on the website. <laughs> <laughs> and so speaking of, you know, our website was recently redesigned a, a couple about a year or so ago. Do people find it more user-friendly than in the past? Okay. No, so-so, maybe. We could do some improvement there. Okay, any more? Yeah, th- this is Peggy Garrett. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love the dots and dashes, and, of course, the, the Braille forum is easy to share because I receive it electronically. Mm-hmm. I also love the email list. I like the leadership list because it gives me an opportunity to forward things to other people in my affiliate 
uh, that may not be on that particular list. And I know some people said it, it clutters their boxes, but I love it because it's an easy way to keep other people in the affiliate informed. One more comment. This is Carrie again from Oregon. I will say I like the, the email list because I'm so looking forward to Schaumburg. I've never been to a national convention, and I'm so excited. Yay. Um, the other thing is I'll, I'll say as a, a new president, you know, about a year ago I started doing more research. Like our local chapter in little old Coos Bay, Oregon with 40 members, we have a guy that's techie. He actually works for a radio station, totally blind. Um, and he's starting to work on our state website. But, you know, when I started, you know, working with him a little bit, I was like, hey, Michael, you know, you want to do some media stuff for our chapter? I went on the on the national website, and it's like, oh, hey, there's a whole media section here. <laughs> so, you know, just finding those resources on, online and the email lists are great. And just a comment from Kelly at ACB, if um, you are an affiliate president and you would like us to share specific information about your affiliate on your affiliate page, please email me. I would be more than happy to put that up for you. So that could be anything like a logo. Uh, it could be your mission statement. It could be your local chapters. It could be social media channels. Whatever you think is pertinent, um, especially for those of you that do not have a web presence, it can be a great resource to have. Um, and Katie, we have another comment in the back. Excellent. Hi, this is Gabe Griffith from California. And um, actually, our president, Judy Wilkinson, just texted in a, a question that uh, apparently she was saying she has a lot of people asking, how does somebody join any of the email lists? Um, I'll admit I haven't scoured the ACB website. So is there a way on the website for people to join, or do they have to contact the office? Or is there some other way, I guess, would be the question. So some of the lists are specific. For example, leadership, you do need to get, um, you know, you do need to have permission to, to join that list. But, but on, the, on the website, there is a way to sign up for ACB's email list. Um, and that's, you know, something that we can talk about is, is how we can make that better as well as, you know, as we look at, so one of the things that the Board of Publications talked about is that, you know, we're looking at moving people to the ACB announce list, looking at moving members to that list so that announcements, you know, are specific to that list. Um, but if people do want to join the email lists, they, they can do that from the website. Any other comments or questions? Um, I just wanted to mention uh, to everybody here that we will be doing some work with the email lists. Um, we've found that, you know, the email lists, um, some of them aren't really clearly defined. So we're going to be working to kind of define what each list is for, see if we're missing any, any certain kinds of lists, and also see if there's anything that we need to get rid of. But I think we all need a little bit more clear instruction about what these lists are about, what they're for, so people can use them effectively. And we mm -hmm. don't have as many email messages that are rep repetitively being sent out over each email list that might necessarily not be an accurate email to send out, like over leadership, for instance. And uh, I have a hand raised in the back. Oh, I have two hands raised. Okay. Anna, you're, you're next. Right, Jeff's first. Okay. So I guess I'm going to take a minority view from what I heard yesterday. But um, 
I don't think, well, for one thing, I, I like the idea of having the announce list being a one-way list and announcements going out on that. That is a good thing. Um, but I hope that the leadership list doesn't become too prescriptive in terms of its do's and don'ts because it isn't that crowded of a list. There are times when things go across that probably shouldn't. But um, I think, you know, by and large, we we risk losing more than we gain by being too um, prescriptive in terms of rules. So I hope that a lot of thought is given in terms of whether we're going to narrow that list too much. So, Jeff, this is Katie, and I know that, um, you know, I think Deb's in here, so she might speak up too about this, but we're not looking to restrict. Uh, we are just looking to better align the email lists with their function, right? So leadership, for example, we'd love to see more topics about leadership on that list or, you know, how to be an effective leader or how to help with a with an affiliate issue or a leadership issue or, you know, we want to make it a, a bit more topical. We're not, you know, saying that you can't post certain messages, but we do just want to make the list a bit more, we want to improve our communication in the way that we, that we send out communication to make it more effective for our members and non-members. So, you know, again, we're not trying to to restrict people's, the way that they communicate, but we do want to look at, you know, we have these great email lists and resources. How can we best utilize them? Janet, did you have a question or a comment? Okay. I have a, I've noticed, and maybe it's just me, and I probably should just ask this question, not privately, but I've noticed that when I get emails from the lists, it's showing that there's an attachment, even though there really isn't an attachment. I will for when I forward these emails, I'll take the I'll, I'll go in, I'll remove it so it doesn't show that there's an attachment. But when I get the forward back, for instance, if I send it to my affiliate, it's showing an unidentified attachment again. Any reason for that? Is it, is it every email? Yes, everything from lists. I, I get that as well, yes. and I, I'm, I'm honestly unsure. That's that's a really good question that we probably should be asking uh, some of our great minds at technological minds at ACB. I think it has something to do with the with the, the possibly the email signatures on some of the messages. So, um, and how they they come across. I don't think any of us have the answer up here, but we will certainly take that feedback back because I've noticed that as well. So, thank you, Janet, and we will look into that. One second. Wait for the mic, please. Well, I was afraid you were going to move on to the next topic. It is no, when no. <laughs> you have signatures, your logos, your yes. icons um, from your doing your outreach and stuff like that. If if you if there's a way you can disconnect those when before you send them to the list, I think it saves a lot of people a lot of frustrations because I go through and I, on many people who are using all that information at the bottom of their things. I'm having to delete that to save on space on my computer. Thank you. Okay. Do you have a comment? Okay. Any other comments? Uh, this is Sean Thiel. I, I want to point out this is not a problem that is just for ACB lists. Um, I think it has to do with something about the way the the um, list manage the the software that manages the mailing list does things. Um, I saw this when I was doing JSA or beta testing for JSA. Even though 
It was something about the list management software. All of his messages did it. Um, it's it's just I think it's just the way the email lists work, and I think we just have to deal with it. I don't know. I don't think there is anything that can be done about it. Otherwise, I think more lists would have squashed the problem. Okay, thank you. Any other feedback right now? I think that's it for now. Okay, I want to kind of come back to something that I asked earlier, and I heard a lot of you receive and like the email email communication, but how many of you in this room like the ACB page on Facebook? How many of you, like, how many of you in the room are awake? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just making sure. I mean, my dog's sleeping, but I, I know that's typical for him. So how many of you in this room like ACB on Facebook? I'm a top fan. Great, Eric Bridges. I'm, I'm thrilled that, you, that Eric Bridges is a top fan. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that, that we are hoping to do with this session is to determine you know, how we, can, how we can improve our communication to, to meet your needs. So it sounds like, you know, many of you do receive email communication, but are there ways that we can look at, you know, using some of our other communication channels more effectively, or are there ways to communicate that we have not thought of? or are not using. Anyone have any thoughts about that? Got one comment. Okay. Are you guys using any text method? We are currently not using texting. I know that's something that we've talked about to some degree. And I think that's something that we are looking into in terms of how do we integrate that with our software and other things. So. I think that is something that we hope to do in the near future. And that's definitely, if we do any sort of texting, we want to make sure that's something that people will opt into. Yes. So that, you know, if there's any charges or, you know, for, for me personally, I don't, I don't like Data any sort of text. I'm like, stay away from my phone. So, like, we want to make sure that people opt into that function so that if they don't want it, they won't get any sort of text. So we've got to figure out how to do that as well. Great. Um. I was just going to say, yeah, definitely make sure, and make sure it's easy to opt out if you accidentally get on it. Not that we want people to do that, but I got on some Donald Trump list thing, and I can't get off of it. <laughs> anyway, um, anyways, um, one thing about texting that my thought would be, you know, we hear organizations all the time, text 909, text to 90909, and uh, instead of a Red Cross, why can't we say American Council of the Blind and get a do $10 donation? Yes, so I think that's, that's great feedback, and I think that is certainly something that we can take back and continue as we, as we move forward with our communications. Yeah, um, so we, in the previous version of ACB Link, we had push notifications um, that folks could uh, opt into, and it worked really well. Um, to the extent that we were able to take advantage of it and be strategic about it. And generally, it, it, it occurred around the time of the convention. But I think with the new release of Link, um, the push notification component could play a, 
a really nice role in communicating uh, timely information, um, whether it is convention or stuff dealing with meetings like this, um, and are frankly happy hours that Katie and Kelly put together. So, yeah, we're happy on many hours, but yeah, there are some that are extra special. No, I know. So. I was just, I was just joking. <laughs> but, but the push notification is a nice thing. Yes. Any other hands? Uh, yes, we do. Okay. Okay. This is Karen Campbell. I just want to say with the podcast, I w- I'm really happy to see, like with the advocacy update, and that, that there are text transcripts available. That is very helpful, and I it's uh, to certain people in the deafblind community, it's something I want to make sure that I um, get the word out more about. Thank you, Karen, for that great feedback. And we know that the transcripts are very valuable. It's great to hear that. And thank you for for using them. I, kn- I know that they are a, a great resource that we provide, and we want our information to be as accessible as possible. So thank you for sharing. And we have also been working with our, our YouTube videos and our uh, Facebook Live videos um, to put, um, what is it, the, the little subtitles at the captions. bottom. Captions. Close Thank captions. Thank you. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. Um, so it's sometimes, especially with uh, uh, Facebook Live, you know, the, it goes live immediately, so we have to go in and edit it afterwards. So it's not a perfect system, but we are trying to make it accessible for everyone because, you know, we have people from all walks of life that have all sorts of different, you know, issues and, and things that needs that they have. So we want to make sure we accommodate everybody. We'll give Dan Spoon a mic. Well, I, and this just may be my ignorance, but I, I want to know, can we get our ACB podcast through the Amazon Echo? And if not, is, is there a way we could, we could get to that? So, again, it might be my ignorance, but I haven't, when, when I ask her, I can't get them. So I might be asking wrong. I've actually not tried that. Has anyone had success with that, getting them through Echo? So, Naomi, did you? Hold on. I'm coming to Naomi. Yes, ACB Radio is, but there we do have a podcast feed. Yeah. I think some of the skills will play that. So yeah, they if, do. They do. If you type in, um, I'm trying to think of how I found them. If you type in uh, ACB um, and then just search, it'll bring up the podcasts that are available so sometimes with mine you have to say yeah. hey lady i'm not going to say her name hey so lady. that those yeah. listening on acb radio don't have their devices going off but sometimes if you say hey lady play acb advocacy podcast on tune in for example you yeah. might be able to get it that way this is uh meryl Schechter from uh, maryland um, I, my question is, the phone number where you get some of the advocacy updates, like the 605-475-8154 and the other information, that hasn't been updated in a while. Can you address that? Yes, we can. We are working, the ACB radio team is working to get that information updated. That company was formerly known as Audio Now, and I forget their new name. Zeno Media. It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? 
So um, we, we do know that that is an issue, and we are working to get that updated as quickly as we can, and we want to keep that, that service going. There, we're also looking at having you know, one, one number, one or two numbers to call for that to get the information that you want from that service. So yes, we do want that to continue and we are working to get it updated as quickly as we can. Yeah, the, this is Rick from ACB Radio. Yeah, it's absolutely being worked as one of Jason's priorities. And uh, uh, just so you know, it's a free service. And you know, what you a, pay for as, as a free service, there are some, um, you know, some trade offs. So but uh, we'll get there. Hold on, I'm walking over. Thank you. Okay. Uh, okay, we have another comment. Okay. Yes, um, first before I make my brief suggestion, I want to say how awesome it has been since Kelly came on in terms of the numbers of press releases that we've gotten out, and I think that she, yeah, I really does this right hand. My, my one minor suggestion about that is when it r relates to a specific state or geographical area or whatever, I think it would be helpful, and I know it might take a little bit of time, but to, to contact a, a state president or a leader in that area and get a quote from them rather than having it merely be someone from the national office or, or you know, the president or whatever. Thank you for that feedback. Did anybody else ever, oh, does anybody else have any comments or questions? Oh, okay. Um, so I also want to jump in really quick and say that um, Debbie Hazelton is listening on ACB Radio. So yay, Debbie, and yay for ACB Radio. Woohoo! And we are working on, on getting those podcasts readily available on the devices. So I'm sure we'll have more to share about that in the coming future. And we have another hand? No, I don't see it anymore. No? Okay. So we've talked a little bit about the, the different channels and how people receive information. What do you think would be beneficial for your affiliate is there any training that you'd like to receive or how can acb better help you and your affiliate communicate this is margie from california and going back hey, to the previous hi katie uh, going back to the previous topic this isn't me but i have to ask this given our aging population in acb and the aging population of newly blinded people, what are we doing for low tech? That's a great question. And we do have our information is available via the, the telephone. We have the, the Zeno Media where people can call in and hear the, the Braille Forum and ACB Radio content. We also offer... Our Washington Connection, which is a way to hear about ACB's advocacy efforts over the phone as well. And again, with the ACB publications that we have, the, the ACB Braille Forum, that's available in many different formats, including NLS cartridge and Braille large print, so as well as over the phone and on NFB Newsline. So there are a myriad of ways that people can get access to the information 
And thank you for bringing that up because we, we want to keep moving forward with technology, but we don't want to leave anyone behind. Katie, okay, this is Ray. Um, what, what would really be helpful, I think, at least for our affiliate, would be some good comprehensive training on how you stream things on ACB radio. Everything from what, set, what, what do you need to set up? Um, how do you, um, wh what kind of equipment do you need? How do you set up the software and all that so that you can, you can stream? Just some real good comprehensive training and, and hands-on training would be good to, uh, to go through because you know, we've, had, we've been lucky in Illinois. We've had somebody that could stream, but we probably aren't going to have that resource for our conventions and things, and you know, now we need to find another way to get it done. So we're scrambling a little bit. So some, some training on streaming would be great. Thank you, Ray, for that feedback, and I'm sure that many of my ACB Radio colleagues will take that into consideration as well. Any other hands? Yeah. Hi, this is Bob Furtado. One of the things I'd make the suggestion for is that uh, in, in Michigan, what we could use is training using the high-tech, using the computers. Uh, Low-tech is fine, but I think we, we need some training in, in that area, and I think it would help both the, the aging population, and I know that those types of trainings are possible. The Counseling on Aging throughout Michigan provides that type of training on a monthly basis. And the second thing is by offering that and making the awareness that that is a possibility would bring in the, uh, the younger generation too. Thank you. Yeah, hi, this is Rick again from ACB Radio. And, and, and right, I answer your point about uh, uh, training on streaming by all means. Um, I, I know I'd be more than happy to, to assist with that. Um, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do in ACB Radio, it, you know, in the past, traditionally with ACB Radio, you had you needed to be technical to, to be able to, to, to develop content and all this kind of stuff. Part of what ACB Radio is trying to do is provide a bunch of resources where we can handle the technical side and and produce, and we could even stream on behalf of of uh, you know of affiliates. Um, I, you know, I, there are resources that are available today if if an affiliate wants to have somebody come into your convention and stream on your behalf. You know, pay if you pay willing to pay for expenses, we'll go ahead and do that for you. Um, but, um, you know, the, we're trying to separate, you know, the, the creative people and the people that have content and message, those people don't need to be technical in order to be able to deliver that stuff. So we're trying to get the technical people focused on technical stuff and the creative people and the content people focused on content and trying to marry those two things. And, uh, you know, we're on a journey. But the good news is there's all kinds of great stuff happening in ACP Radio. I mean, the, the, you know, with Debbie and Jason and everybody, Jeff, and everybody involved, um, it's only going to get better from here. So, But, but if anybody wants, you know, immediate training, uh, I'd be more than happy to do it for you. I mean, one of, one of the things that is a, a major tool in the toolbox is Zoom. And, and Zoom is not that difficult when you break it down, and we'll be happy to, to get you trained up on that, too. Yeah. So anybody wants to, you know, want, wants to reach out to me, it's you know, rick.morin at comcast.net, uh, or you can reach out to Debbie or Jason or Jeff and any of us. Thanks. Thank you so much, Rick, for, for your, all you do for ACB Radio and ACB. And, and we will be hearing a little bit more about Zoom this afternoon, so... 
thank you for that, that great resource and for your thoughts and feedback as well. Any other final thoughts, comments, questions? Yeah. from? So uh, this is Rebecca. So one thing that uh, hasn't been brought up, and we, we're talking about you know high tech and low tech, but I think I believe that affiliates could use training and even just basic communication, anything from effective messaging, um, like strip it down to the very basics. What What is effective? How do you get your little bits and bytes out there? What should you say? How should you say it? How often should you say it? You know, those kinds of things would be helpful. I also think, you know, people would be interested in, you know, effective, like what, it, what does effective social media look like? What does an effective web page, you know, or website need to have? Like some of those things, just basic fundamental communication, I think, would be because there's a lot of inconsistencies there. And I think people could really use some help uh, in those arenas. Excellent. Thank you so much. So what I would say is <clears throat> I'm aware that there are several affiliates that do not have websites. Some of those affiliates haven't taken advantage of our offer to put their information on on a dedicated web page. Uh, Kelly and Katie are available to do this. Um, I will just say, and maybe I'm stepping out on a limb, I don't know how in the world folks are going to find you these days if you're not, you don't have some sort of web presence. And a great initial way to do that, if you do not have uh, a website or the money to go and build one, is to use us. Use acb.org. Use Katie and Kelly. Um, as a as a, a a great step to get information out about your affiliate and who folks could reach out to in your state uh, to to join or to to become part of you know that that affiliate um, please please take advantage of this thank you eric that 's absolutely right. Kelly and I are eager and willing and wanting to help you and your affiliate make and, and be the best communication you, you can be because you are the, the resource for people who are blind or visually impaired in your state. And so we want you to, to you know, be, be proud of that and be able to share that with people who need to find you and want to find you. I think we have time for another comment. So uh, this is James Edwards from Oregon. So we have a uh, webpage, uh, ACB of Oregon. Would it be beneficial to us to keep our web page or to do away with that and, and just use acb.org? I think you can use both and, and should. I think that your you know Oregon website gives you a chance to to really showcase things that are happening on the state and local levels in Oregon. And the acb.org affiliate page provides an opportunity for people who may be searching on the ACB website to be able to connect with you and learn more about your affiliate. So both are, are good, and I don't think that, I think that, that using both can, can benefit your affiliate. 
Um, yeah, I would also I would also agree that having both pages would be good. The, the thing is, is you've got to really make sure that your website is up to date. So if you have officer changes or if you your local chapters change or dissolve or some appear or whatever, you know, you need to keep that updated. However, um, I would strongly recommend that you send us a link to your website if it's not on your affiliate page. Um, so that way we can we can make sure that it's on there so people can access it. Great. Oh, you had a comment as well? I I will say that's been fun as initial presidency is my techie trio is hard at work. Um, I wanted to say, you know, I have not looked, but, you know, the idea of just even this thing of you guys breaking down, you know, there's different ways to communicate, social media, website, these lists, you know, maybe like a, a new member packet idea. So that, you know, hey, here's a new member. Hey, here's ways you can communicate. Because, you know, on our local level, our little small community, you know, okay, yeah, here's Braille Forum. Here's our state um, publication. But that's about as much as, you know, is usually distributed to newer members. So even having some kind of a new member packet that could be put out about ACB so that we can, the affiliates can use that with newer members to make sure the information gets out there. Great, thank you so much for that suggestion. Give us yes, your emails. We want emails. So, <laughs> if you have, uh, you know, if you have new members, we would love to to make sure that we have that information because we are, you know, looking at getting our keeping our database and records up to date. So, we really it's crucial that we have the most up to date information as possible about your members and the as the membership period comes to a close here and guys i believe uh it is our time is over here um we are going to be switching rooms and your other presenters will be coming in thank you so much everyone thank you katie and kelly didn't they do an outstanding job And as they go over to the as they go over to the other ballroom, Cindy Van Winkle and Donna Brown and team will be heading into this ballroom to talk about membership services. So stay put; it should be less than five minutes. So long, farewell. Oh. Avida, goodbye. <laughs> the sound of music. The Von Trapp family is leaving the building. Yes. Hey, Donna Brown, come this way. Hello, uh, please, uh, two minutes till wiggle time ends, and Claire Stanley would like to make a quick announcement. Claire? I have to get on my tippy toes for this microphone. Um, Hey, everybody, it's Claire. I just wanted to do one last plug for happy hour this evening. This is for the next generation group. So, again, if you're 40 and under, please come and join us. Um, We'll just kind of meet out in the hallway outside of this room. Feel free to shout out for Claire or Katie or Sarah, and we'd love everybody to join. If you have anybody in your affiliate who fits that group, please spread the word. We'd love to have everybody in that group join us. Thanks. You know what, they, in, in the other room, after Claire made that announcement, then uh, somebody piped up and said for 50 and over, they were going to have their own happy hour. And then some, somebody said, what about the seniors? And then, you know, they... Attention. Oh, good job. Can we have your attention, yeah. please? Don't. Can we have your attention, please? Good 
Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much. That was great. I think I think we have another Bridges in training. What do you think? Good job. What a Okay, wait. I'm going to interview him for just a second. Tyler, how old are you? 5. He's 5 years old. And what grade are you in? Kindergarten. Oh. And what is and what is the favorite, your most favorite thing you've learned so far in school? Um, Spanish. Spanish. Well, CC. Muy bien. <laughs> what did you think of that? Okay, one more question. What do you think of your little brother? He's good. He's good. Okay, well, that's good. All right. Um, so you are in the uh, session where we're going to be talking about the membership steering committee, uh, membership services, and it's, it's definitely a topic near and dear to my heart, and I'm going to put this microphone, just give me a second here, I'm going to put it back, okay, there we, okay, but I'm going to try and turn, how do I get this so it doesn't... Yeah, but it keeps wanting to fall down, and I don't want it to fall down. Oh, see, I think we got it. So. It's hard to tighten this sucker up. Okay, I've got to find my notes, too. Okay, see how that works for you. Okay, well, I'll just run it in here. Oh, shoot, okay. Okay. All right. Good? Um, yeah, I think that that'll work. Um, can I set this yeah. bag down somewhere? Sure. Yeah, Thank okay. you. Just anywhere, wherever. Oops. Well, it's kind of going down again. It's still falling. I got to like bend to be able to talk in this thing. This is silly. Okay, wait. Um, okay, wait, maybe. No. Okay, I don't. Oh, I, anybody want to teach me how to do this? This is, it's crazy. Um, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Holy smoke. And I probably should have given Tyler that job. He would have probably figured it out. <laughs> what job? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I want to take him home with me. <laughs> We'd have fun, Tyler. Okay. Um, all right. So we are going to talk about the care and feeding of our affiliates and membership. All right. Um, first... Would you all clap your hands so I know how many people are in here? <laughs> Tyler, that applause was for you. <laughs> okay. ACB and our 67 affiliates. It's changed since I wrote my notes. Yeah, that's kind of exciting. Ooh, that just warms my heart. Okay, ACB currently has 20 special interests and 47 state affiliates, varying in size from less than 25 members to more than 500. That is, and unfortunately, more of them are closer to the 25 than the 500, but that's why they hired me, and that's why we're going to be working hard to make that change, right? All right. Donna Brown is here with me. She is our um, volunteer member lead and membership lead on 
the membership steering committee, and she is going to give you guys a little discussion prompt for you guys to um, discuss. So do you want to do it at this Okay. All right. Um, so you guys are at round tables. That's great. The other room was a little more challenging. So you're going to have, uh, I'm going to give you a question, but um, before we start, is there someone in the room who, when it's time, could uh, walk the mic around when people raise their hand? Okay. Great. Thank you. Okay. Um, so your question, and you'll have a few minutes to discuss, um, name one way, well, you can name more than one, but at least one, one way that ACB has assisted you personally or uh, your affiliate. Okay? Discuss. Discuss one way ACB has helped you and or your affiliate. Oh, okay. There's been... Okay, may I have your attention? Uh, there's, there's been some good discussion. Zelda, if you want to come and get this microphone. I got it. I got it. Okay, right. thank you. Uh, so... Uh, we're going to let a few of you share what you talked about at your table. So if you raise your hand, Zelda will bring you the mic and share with us. Well, all right. Well, good, uh, well, good afternoon. Um, this, is from, this is Ray Campbell, Table 6, also the honored to be the officer liaison for this great steering committee. Um, so at our table, uh, some of the issues that we came up with on how ACB has helped is uh, one individual shared that she was she had issues with social security uh acb was able to help her find someone to help get that issue those issues resolved um the um mms program has been a way that uh, acb has helped affiliates uh, with fundraising uh providing ac services of acb radio to help stream conventions things like that and finally just learning how to be a as an individual shared, learning how to be a better self-advocate and learning what blind and visually impaired people are doing and, and uh, different things. And that's, you know, through the, the conference and convention. So those are the things we came up with. Okay, great. Thank you. If, uh, next person. Over here. Who was wanting to speak? ACB, um, ACB has uh, actually recently in the last few months helped us out in a couple ways. And one is having... Um, Debbie Hazelton, come and tell our at-large meetings that we have on Sunday, the second Sunday of each month, um, for the state of Ohio to talk about ACB radio. And then we had Cindy Van Winkle, who came and was a presenter on the at-large call. So thank you, ACB, for that. Great. Okay. Is there another? Thank you. I have two. This is table five, and I had two... Really great personal stories. Steve Bauer, sitting here at our table, said that we talked about mentoring. M.J. Schmidt was the first blind adult that his parents met when he was a toddler. What a great mentor role model from ACB. Margie Donovan was a scholarship winner from our here at for an oh, ACB convention. Great. So those are things we also talked about. Things like streaming and audio description. And California mentioned Caremark prescription labeling. And I'm holding the microphone so I can't look at my other notes, but I think that pretty much covers it. Let Great. It. You didn't say that. Any? Oh, all right. All right. Is there anybody else? Oh, okay. All right, this is table four. Uh, we talked about such things as employment, making contacts or networking, um, partnerships, um, best practices, and
and using learning about and using tools. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, I think we have time one more real fast okay. and, and then we'll move on. Is there another one real quick? Yep. Okay. Hi, this is Trampus Brown at table two. Uh, yeah, we have answer. North Dakota and South Dakota representation. We are two different states. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> we, uh, we talked about a few different things, and really just the information that, that we can receive, uh, learning about advocacy issues that we then bring back to our state and push forward with our local and regional representation uh, within the state to be making good changes um, that are happening in other parts of the country Maybe they've already learned, learned a lot of lessons and how to do things. And so then we're able to take that and spread that throughout our state to make effective changes. Great. So Cindy Van Winkle has a lot of stuff to share. Hold on. I, I'm, I got, it's a balancing act with the dog. Sorry. It's okay. That's all right. Sorry. Boss has made herself comfortable, so we're going to step around her. Um, so, yep, Absolutely. All right. What ACB is doing to support affiliates. So this is what I've come up with, but I know the list is much longer, and I appreciate that you guys were able to share so many um, things that are real and, you know, uh, that, that aren't just what we hope, but really have happened. Um, ACB is sharing information about all state and special interest affiliates to anyone who touches ACB and is not already a member. We need your help to ensure the connection is made. Provide us the contact information for the best person who will assist the prospective member in learning about joining your affiliate. Have a plan in place for what happens once contact is made. If we send them to an affiliate who doesn't respond to them, we will lose them. Be sure to keep us updated on newly elected officers and your membership contact person. I'll expand just slightly and say that when we contact people, currently we are sending them to identified either the president or an identified um, membership person. But we're talking of hundreds of people that we are referring and it is very challenging for us to do the kind of follow-up that really needs to happen. Um, so I, we are reaching out to some of you to find out, especially those that we are sending a lot to, to make sure that it's, you're getting it and that it's working for you. Um, but if you are not the right person, please let us know. We don't want to send anybody out into the abyss. ACB is reaching out to lapsed members. <clears throat> we have a volunteer crew called the Posse, which stands for pro providing outreach through sharing, support, and engagement, who are making calls on behalf of ACB. When contact is made, these ladies not only send a follow-up email to the previous member, the person that had been a member, in this case, 2018, did not rejoin in 2019, but also to the affiliate president or their appointed membership designee. 
These calls should not replace any membership activities, initiatives, affiliates put in place. These are in addition to, not in place of, what your affiliate is already doing to reach out to previous members. ACB, um, and I want to say one more thing, uh, just to clarify. The list that we are pulled, that we have uh, exported from our database, uh, which is Donor Perfect, um, is information that we have from your AMMS input. So if uh, somebody joins an affiliate, let's say in August, and your affiliate has chosen not to input them into our database, we won't know that they've rejoined. And yet, commonly when we call people, they think they are already a member, um, but sometimes they aren't in our system. So hence why it's so important for us to make sure that that affiliation and connection from our affiliates is put into AMMS. Um, ACB refers those expressing interest in at-large membership to ACB. And, and we do this, the posse makes phone calls to the individual and follows up with an email if they have one. The email connects the prospective member with the president or his or her membership designee of their local state affiliate when applicable. No matter what, we also send out an attachment with information about all of our special interest affiliates. And in that uh, document, it includes contact information for the special interest affiliate as well as information that I've pulled off of their websites or uh, some of them are a little shorter because I have not been able to acquire more specific language. But every one of them has something about the special interest affiliates. ACB processes dues for member at large when that is the individual's choice. Um, I think here I just want to say that I, I believe that the best way for us to retain members is for members to be connected, to feel connected. And the way they are going to be connected is going to be at the affiliate level. So for me personally, and some may not agree with me, but I will always try to get people who show interest in joining as a member at large to get connected with an affiliate, whether state or special interest. I think it's a win-win for ACB and for your affiliates. And it doesn't hurt them to learn about special interest affiliates and your state because the more affiliates somebody belongs to, the more difficult it is for them to leave us, right? Because they are kind of tied to us in various ways. So um, absolutely, that is one of the things we are doing uh, on a national level to try and connect members back with and or new, new prospective people with uh, ACB affiliates. Board liaisons to affiliates. <clears throat> how many of you know who, no, how many of you know 
that we have a, a liaison program from the ACB board to our state and special interest affiliates. If you know that, clap. <clears throat> How many of you know who your uh, liaison is currently for your affiliate? Oh, that makes me so happy. That makes me so happy. Woo! Um, every ACB director has been assigned a group of affiliates to work with. The goal is to provide support to affiliates and connection by linking affiliates directly to ACB leadership. Your liaison um, could take part in conference calls, receive your newsletter, or just be available to chat. Your liaison is there to support your affiliates. If you do not know who your affiliate liaison is or would like more interaction or more information about the liaison program, please reach out to me and I will be happy to let you know who it is, make sure you guys get connected. The board just went through some training on this program and um, we formalized it a little bit more and so... I suspect all of your affiliate presidents will be hearing from your liaison in the next few weeks. ACB offers expertise to your affiliate, financial and corporation, advocacy and legislative, leadership training and membership support, and so much more. So there are some of the ways that ACB is reaching out to all of you, and I did not mention this in the last group, but I do want to say that for presidents, there will be um, information coming out, but we are going to start a hump day happy hour for our presidents on every Wednesday, 5, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, um, for presidents to just chat with one another, ask questions, learn, share, grow, not recorded, just really, just between presidents. And so information will be going out to all presidents, inviting uh, folks to participate in that. And I hope that that will really just help with, um, you guys have so much to offer one another. And so that's what I'm, I'm hoping that that will help with. To ease your mind, you did mention it. I did. Oh, I did mention it. Whew. Okay. Thank you. And here's our next part. The majority of ACB members are members of a state or special interest affiliate. And many are members of chapters within those affiliates. So now I'm going to bring Donna up here. I, I have a microphone. Oh, Donna's going to. All right, Donna's yeah, got a mic. I, well, on a stand and everything. Okay. Okay. Um, Zelda, get ready then after we, you know, when we're ready, if you can help us again. Appreciate yeah. it. Okay, so here's your next question. Discussion question number two. You're going to take a few minutes to discuss with those at your table ways that your affiliate is caring for your members. Okay, how are you all caring for your members and your affiliate? Oh, boy, they jumped right on that. Yeah, and I love it. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Have your attention. There's been some really good discussion going on. This is great. Okay. Whoop, gotcha. whoop, whoop. Are you 
you stretch in or no, you want to talk? No. Okay, we're going to get started again. <laughs> okay, if, okay, um, if you have something, which I'm hoping you do, have something you want to share. Oh, my word, I need to t tame the peanut gallery down here. Uh, oh, mercy. Okay. Raise your hand if, and if you have something to share, and Zelda will come and bring the mic to you. This is Gabe Griffith in Calif from California. I already have the mic, Table okay. 5. Great, that's fine. We, we had a few things, and I have a question for Cindy before, if I may, when I'm done. Um, so a couple of things we came up with is we have a weekly newsletter. We have a monthly call for our presidents. Um, we have a quarterly magazine. We have a, an 800 number in our office for people to call. Um, Email lists, we have multi, you know, kind of like ACB, we have multiple email lists that people can participate in. So You said a weekly newsletter? Yeah, we have a, wow. well, uh, like yeah, a, it's just a... Like a bulletin kind it's of a, thing. It's a sorry. weekly kind of bulletin, yeah. just okay. kind of a, a quick, uh, it's recorded on our phone system as well, oh, so, wow. you know, it's really about five minutes long, so people okay. can call in just kind of see what's going on in the affiliate or oh. in the state. Okay, cool. All right. And then... And if, I'm, if oh, I may, your question. If I may quickly right. ask a question, going back to the happy hour, I was curious how that time frame was chosen because that pretty much makes it impossible for especially people working on the West Coast to be able to participate. And I yeah. would guess even people, uh, yeah, in Hawaii too. So, uh, but well, people, it, it's noon you know, for on Hawaii. The East Coast so we were trying, I was trying to come up with a time that could go across several different. Um, uh, time zones and so my thought is that we're going to give it a try at this time if we get feedback and maybe we will do like once a month at different you know what I mean at a different time a later time um, but I did it also during my work time so it's at, so it's at four <laughs> o'clock um, and uh, yeah so that that's how it came up with but I appreciate your feedback and I will uh, Take that into consideration and maybe do like the first Wednesday of the month at, at, in the evening. Great. So, Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Okay. Right. Is there another person to share? It's Naomi from Missouri. Um, one of the things that we're doing that's real successful is we have an assistive technology affiliate. And we have a call once a month. And um, on every call, there is a topic of discussion. And it, I mean, we have a ton of people on those calls, which is great. And um, so last week, when that call, what did we, I'm trying to remember what we talked about. Um, <laughs> I'm really, I, I'm on every one of them, I'm trying to remember, but I know. Um, but anyway, I think we talked about, um, people were talking about um, Alexa and different, thing, different things that they can ask about on Alexa. Um, what, what, what? Oh, I'm sorry. That, that A lady. Lady A. Okay. Okay. Well, that. Oh. I don't understand. I love it. Yep. Okay. Is there somebody else? Very good. That, that's great. <laughs> I didn't go first this time. Um, this is uh, Ray Campbell. We got Illinois and Texas at this table, so 
you know, blue and red, you know, for pol- political. But um, anyways, oh. um, so <laughs> what we talked about was um, just the number of things uh, that affiliates are doing. Um, in Texas, they're doing a, a really good job of trying to get new members connected in onto committees, even involved with special interest affiliates that uh, they might be interested in. Um, we talked about um, things like email lists. Uh, in Illinois, we have a quarterly newsletter uh, that we send out. We have um, our convention, um, and that's a way that we you know, take care of our, our membership. And, um, uh, you know, so uh, just a number of different things like that to at least keep folks. And we, you know, we forward things from ACB. And we do have an email list. Uh, the Illinois one, I wish there was more traffic on it. Both of us have email lists, a number of them. And so uh, those are some of the things that uh, we came up with. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, yes, this is Merrill Schechter, um, and the Vice President of the American Council of Blind of Maryland. And I'm also the Chair of the Membership Committee for the Central Maryland Council of Blind. Now, what we do is um, twi- every other month before our meeting, a couple of days before our meeting, we have a membership call in the evening, and I, I chair the call. So basically, we talk about different outreach efforts that we're going to be planning. And I've gotten several new members. Um, and as far as getting them on committees, sometimes that's challenging. But our new chapter president said, you must be on a committee if you are Ooh. a member. <laughs> and, and, and Cindy, I definitely want to meet you after because I have not met you yet. Thank you. Okay. Okay, it, we'll do one more, and then we need to move on. Barbara, you next. Okay, this is Barbara from Indiana, and we have Ohio here at the table with us. And we're, we are two states that kind of are the same size. We've done some of the same things. We're looking, I think both of us are looking at the possibility of a, a virtual chapter, since we, we have a lot of rural areas where people can't really connect with the on-the-ground chapter. Uh, we also hold joint conventions with each other, so we support our members with our convention. Uh, we both have mem- um, newsletters, and um, last year um, we in Indiana held our first board training ever. And um, and then also in our newsletter in Indiana, we've started doing a membership spotlight. Love it to um, to try to highlight members that other people may not know. And, oh, cool. Um, so, anything else, Ohio? That's great. Okay. All right. Oh, oh, here we go. Vicky has something real quick. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, this this is specifically our Columbus chapter in Ohio. Um, we started a couple of years ago having a tech session before our monthly meetings. Anyone can come. It's free. You can get assistance with whatever kind of techie thing you need help with. And we have gained members, including our new assistant executive director, by doing that. Wow, great. Okay. We're tag teaming. (laughs) (laughs) We're tag teaming. We work together a lot. Uh, So so, uh, I don't know if you all may have this resource in other states, but in Indiana we have something called Executive Volunteer Services. And I actually was able to get our board training free through Executive Volunteer Services. 
and Ooh. it's a group of um, obviously retired executives that specialize in different Wonderful. areas, and they did a uh, mm. nonprofit training uh, in this, uh, board essentials for our board last year. Okay, so, this wow. is the kind of stuff oh. I want presidents to be sharing with one another. That's exactly So, so you, you need to be on that yes. March 11th Happy Hump yes. Day call. All right. Great. Uh, thank you guys so much. Um, so, uh, well, we we got to keep going because we're almost done, and I've got some more information. Sorry. We might have time at the end, though, okay? So hang, hang tight on that thought. How affiliates can share or can care for your membership. Uh, create an onboarding process for new members. So when somebody visits your chapter or your uh, state board meeting, even at convention, do you have a process in place to make sure that new members or prospective members are met and, and feel, feel engaged with? At the chapter level for chapter members and affiliate level for at-large members or when there aren't chapters, um, you know, you want to make sure that uh, someone takes the time to call your new members. This has to be, you have to think this out. It's got to be a plan in place. Not everybody is the best person to make those calls or even enjoys doing it, right? So you want to find the right people, but you want to call them. You want to welcome them on board, get pertinent contact information from them, share upcoming events, learn about them, ask them questions. Where do you work? What do you enjoy doing? Um, and answer any questions they might have about your chapter or affiliate, Get them signed up with your newsletter, subscribe to email lists, and assign to a calling tree or any other communication network that you guys have in place. And then engage your membership. Communicate with your membership on a regular basis. Provide opportunities for members to share with leadership. Get to know your members um, be it, you know, their skills and interests. Um, and, you know, I think that a calling campaign at the chapter level um, and at the state or special interest affiliate level, if you have members at large, you could have your board or your membership committee do the calling. And every so often, pick up the phone and call your membership Thank them for being members. Remind them that it's time to pay dues. Um, wish them a happy holidays. Whatever the time of the year is that you're doing this. And then maybe ask them, what, what do you like to do in your spare time? What is your interests? What are your hobbies? And then once you learn about them a little and you find out they love to write, they love to read, maybe invite them to serve in some way, whether it be presenting on a conference call that you guys have talked about, like some of these technology calls or, um, you know, writing an article. Make ACB an integral part of your affiliate by sharing resources, announcements, and training opportunities, encouraging members to participate and gain more knowledge to positively impact your affiliates. Uh, ACB has a lot to offer and the average member out there that's a member of a chapter of an affiliate of ACB, that's like three levels down, right? Most of them, if you ask, and they don't come to conventions and things like that, 
If you ask them, what, what blindness organization are you a member of? They're likely going to just say their chapter. We want everyone to not only know, but be proud of being a member of ACB. And we need your help to make that happen. So we're here for all of you. And um, that, is the, that is what I have to share. I just want to say that I am just so excited to have opportunities to work with so many of you already. And hopefully many more of you in the future. I'm in office nine a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, and would welcome an email or phone call. Uh, you can get to me even through the 800 number, and they'll connect you to me. Um, but on any of the emails that I put out, it, it has my uh, work phone number, email address, and all of that. And then, um, what time is it? So I don't know where. Oh, my gosh, it is. got to be done, huh? Is that the end? How sad. How sad. Anyway, I'm so happy to work with all of you, and I hope that at some point, I mean, I've already run into some of you that I've met over the phone only, anxious to meet more of you. So anyway, go forth and care for your members. Thank you. He's turned the rooster into a musical instrument. I love it. All right, everybody, please let me have your attention. Thank you. Please let me have your attention. Thank you. And as Bill taught us one more time, please let me have your attention. Thank you. Oh, that worked. Thank you, Bill. Four times. Yeah. And a little advice from my wife to talk into the mic. So, All right. Can you hear me now? All right. I, Candy, three for five, Rick says. Skittles and uh, Snicker bars are also available by ACB of Texas. See Peggy Garrett. And Snack Mix is available by West Virginia, the Mountain State Council, and Donna Brown. So there we go. All right. I am so honored today to get, have the opportunity to introduce to you Lee Nasahi, who is the CEO of Vision Serve Alliance. She is also a charter member of our advisory council, and she's going to be helping us with our traction EOS implementation. But more than that, Lee is a friend of mine that we've worked together for over 20 years since we were both on the Florida State Rehab Council back in the oh, late 90s. So, uh, so Lee Nasahi has always been a wonderful friend of the blind and visually impaired community. She has a blind son, Joe B., who's just a delight to be around. She also has a husband who's a great cook, if you're ever in the neighborhood. <laughs> and with that, I just want to say, give a big round of applause for Lee Nasahi from Vision Serve Alliance. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, and he likes to cook for big crowds. He's from Iran, and he doesn't know how to cook for two. So there's always leftovers. Um, so, Vision Serve Alliance. I know many of you know who and what we are, um, but I'm guessing not everyone does. And we're in a change mode at Vision Serve Alliance. So if you'll allow, I will give you a little more information about Vision Serve Alliance. 
And someone's taking my picture, and it just reminded me, I cannot leave here without a picture without you two guys. Oh. Wendy will fire me. Okay. <clears throat> so, Vision Serve Alliance is a leadership collective. It is a, a we are a nonprofit, a 501c3, and all of our members are also nonprofits or charitable organizations. And the membership is about the leadership. Our focus has traditionally been strengthening um, the sustainability, if you will, of our organizations through education and consulting. And we still are very much involved in that. We provide two conferences a year. That is, uh, one of them is CEO-focused. The other is C-suite-focused, um, hopefully bringing up new leaders to the, the C-suite as well. But our new initiatives are focused for the next five years. Uh, I mean, it's not brand new, but a serious concentration on collaboration and facilitating what's called networking leadership. Has anybody heard that term? So uh, some have and some haven't. So networking leadership is basically, actually it's pretty counter to the typical culture in which we live, which is very competitive. Um, even in the nonprofit field, we and in within blindness, we can tend to be competitive. Networking leadership is the antithesis of that. It is taking out who's to blame or who's to take credit and just focusing on the mission and the goals. What do we want to accomplish together? And coming together and sharing whatever resources you have as an organization or an individual towards that mission. Um, it, is, it, it, it means that we have to trust each other. And before we can trust each other, we have to know each other, right? It's very hard to trust someone without whom we have a relationship. So Vision Serve Alliance is in the business of creating those relationships and supporting opportunities that will allow us to work together collaboratively, without competition, and truly with the best interests of our mutual constituents in mind. So um, it's been very interesting. We had a really wonderful conference in Atlanta. Our fall conference uh, was a very out-of-the-box kind of conference. We used something called open space technology. We used a lot of technology, although that term doesn't have anything to do with technology. It was an unconference, some would call it. We had no agenda other than we wanted to talk together about whatever the participants thought was most important about the next five years in our field. So the very first morning, we suggested topics for breakout sessions. Going into the conference, I was worried that we wouldn't have enough sessions. We ended up with 80 breakout sessions. And some of them were a little repetitive. Some of them, um, I realized, were being... Um, led by those who really like to hear themselves talk sometimes. You don't know what that's like, right? <laughs> but for the most part, the sessions were invaluable. There was some much-needed conversation, only the beginning, of course. Uh, we didn't come up with a strategic plan out of that. But I think what we learned from each other is that we are a collective of leaders, and we have much to share and working together, we can be so much more impactful. 
um, in such a small field, it's, it's maybe surprising to see how siloed we can be. But everybody wants to change that. I feel like this is the year of collaboration. And, and so now how do we move forward and do that? So as a, a member of the advisory board for ACB and a longtime fan of ACB, um, yes, I was the CEO of Lighthouse Central Florida and so and the, a member of the Rehab Council, as Dan talked about. Boy, were those the good old days. Um, and there were many things that we worked together through our statewide association in Florida with FCB. I'm, I'm a little partial to the Florida model. It's not perfect, but there's so much good communication and collaboration that happens on statewide policy, advocacy, and connecting people to services, which I just heard a lot of discussion about here today. So what can Vision Serve Alliance and ACB do together? How can we help you all accomplish your mission? One of our goals at Vision Serve Alliance, we have a, a, approximately 120 member organizations across the country right now, and we're, our goal is to have 200 by the end of 2024. I know you have growth goals, too. And we don't want to just grow to grow, right? We want to grow because we know there are people out there that need our help and will be happier and healthier when they're, when they're part of our groups. I think we can help each other. Um, how many of your affiliates, you as an affiliate leader, are not already connected with community-based service providers? Clap if you're not already connected. Community-based vision rehabilitation providers. Like lighthouses. So I know that in, it sounds like a lot of you are connected, which is great. So there are parts of this country where there are no services, unfortunately. And we're trying to change that. There are big swaths of this country that uh, don't have services. But... Where they exist, I think that's one of the things that I'd like to work with ACB to see how we can connect your state and special interest affiliates. I was just talking with Jeff Tom about the aging affiliate, and I'd like to promote that through Vision Serve Alliance to let people know that it exists and help connect. In fact, I think what I'd like to do is have um, in our next e-newsletter and then certainly in our, our big newsletter, an article about ACB and how you're organized and your affiliates, because I suspect that the majority of Vision Serve Alliance members don't understand how ACB works and how many things that you all are involved in. And they'll have uh, clients, constituents, and staff who want to become part of that. They'll have new people going through their organizations who need to be connected to ACB. So let's work together and see how we can um, both grow and get more people connected to the wonderful things that are happening. I'd like to be quiet right now and just ask you for other ideas, if you have any, or questions. How can Vision Serve Alliance help ACB, your affiliates, achieve your goals? Coming with the mic. Thanks, Lee. Uh, Ray Campbell from Illinois, second vice president ACB. Um, 
a couple things. You mentioned uh, connecting with the community service providers, and certainly in our state, we need to we we are somewhat connected, but I think we need to be come better connected to the various uh, you know, lighthouses and the like. But one of the things we hear when we talk to staff and folks there at those agencies about getting involved with ACB is, well, I got to remain neutral. I, I, I don't want to favor one group over another. How, how do we get around that so that, you know, it's not seen that, um, that, that, that to say, hey, it's okay to be a part of ACB, uh, but say if NFB's got something good, you, you, you of course, promote that. Yeah, I think they promote everything. Pretty simple. Well, I want to help you change that, so that's what I want to hear. Um, this is Doug Powell. I'm the chair of the Rehabilitation Issues Task Force, and I'm also on the AAVL, the Aging uh, Alliance for Aging and Vision Loss uh, Board. Um, there are a lot of people who are blind, who have become blind as adults, who are not being served, mm-hmm. who are functionally illiterate. And um, the OIB program is underfunded. The non-vocational rehabilitation is unfunded. And uh, the uh, independent living centers are not blind-friendly. We need to work on some kind of a systematic effort to try to get the whole system revamped so that you get basic, fundamental um, literacy in... uh, you know, in some way or another with the technology that's currently available and then move on to whether, you know, whether somebody wants to take on a vocational outcome or not. That's right. Um, totally agree. Thank you very much for that. And Vision Serve Alliance has a real example of networking leadership. They, we have the Aging and Vision Loss National Coalition. Jeff Tom is a member, and we'd like many of you to continue to become involved in that. Um, so we are working on strategies for, for policy, and I think one of the loudest cries at the Atlanta conference, the Vision Serve Alliance conference, was that we need to get leadership together from all areas in blindness together on the same page about policy. And certainly access to and funding for services for older Americans is top of the list. Totally agree. Um, my name is Alice Richard, and... I understand at the Atlanta one, one of the main things was, and and you said it again today, collaboration. And I guess what I need help and where it becomes a problem is the trust issue. How do you break down those old barriers and ways of thinking so that we can trust one another so that we can accomplish what needs to happen as far as getting the services that are needed? And in, in Georgia, it's not just for the older folks, but even our young people are not getting what they need. Right. I think that's fair in most places, unfortunately. Um, as Dan mentioned, I, I have a son, he's now 39, who's blind and has multiple disabilities. We experienced every kind of education there was when he was growing up. And I think education is, is worse now than it was 20 years ago. So it's too. just what's happening here. I don't know. So I agree Well, the first thing, like I said, is relationships. So if we can facilitate some opportunities for experiences together at a local level, I think it all begins at the local level, and build on that. That's where it starts. There's going to be some some 
tough conversations. We're going to have to acknowledge wrongs from the past, but be more concerned about the future and willing to work together to get past it. I want, to, I want Vision Serve Alliance to be a help. We're going to try to model that at the national level, but then create opportunities locally and statewide. Hi, I'm Penny Reeder. I'm president of Guide Dog Users Incorporated. Um, I, I think your goals are admirable. Um, but I'm wondering how expensive it is for uh, a struggling ACB affiliate to join your organization. You, um, you don't have to join. We're going to do this. Uh, you're at the, at the national level, you're already members. And so we're going to figure out how we connect you with our communications and opportun opportunities at the state and community. So don't, don't be concerned about having to pay dues. Okay, well, that's super. Well, I know that our Chair of Advocacy and Legislative Affairs, Charlie Crawford, has talked with you. Yes. And so I hope you'll stay in touch with Charlie because I will. Uh, we, we want people to know that we provide support for guide dog users and help people learn about um, our chosen method of independence. And awesome. I think you could certainly use our help and we could use yours. So thank yeah. you. In fact, the Council of U.S. Dog Guides are meeting at our conference in Albuquerque, so... Um, I, I ought to get with him and just talk a little bit to share some messaging there as well. Thank you. Yes, um, I'm just going to insert here one thing, and that is um, Vision Serve Alliance has something called Vision Refer. I mentioned it at the convention last summer. And by the way, Joe and I are coming to your conference this year. Can't wait. It sounds awesome. <laughs> um, so we have, it's not, it's not an app, it's an electronic referral system that allows any, uh, we're focusing on physicians um, initially, although we have talked to ACB about having access to it too. I think Claire and Clark may be using it. And so the way this works is if uh, somebody has a person that they're trying to connect to a local vision rehabilitation provider... <sighs> but don't know who that provider is, they can just um, fill out a basic form and it comes through Vision Serve Alliance. We don't see any client identifying information or person identifying information, but based on the person's address, it will go directly to that service provider and they'll get in touch with that person to tell them what services they have. So it's, it's great and all of Vision Serve Alliance members will be on it soon. The, the downside is, like we already said, there are huge parts of this country that there are no services. But if there are services, we will connect that person. So I, I heard you talking a lot about um, affiliates getting requests and, and headquarters getting requests. And so if it is for vision rehabilitation services, then this is a resource to connect people in, in some parts of the country. Hi, Lee. Um, Hi. I think I've met you before. I'm Naomi Sewell from Missouri. Yes, you have. Yeah, we, had a yeah, we did have a nice conversation. So what I'm wanting to know is how um, locally um, do we get involved or work with you on a local level? Well, I'm talking about connecting. If you have local uh, chapters that will connect where we have service providers. No, I'm, I'm not talking about oh, that. Oh, no, okay. Okay, I'm talking about Vision Serve Alliance. Mm -hmm. If we were to um, be, a, you know, be involved or how, what would our part be 
and how would we get involved with with the local group? Yeah, I'd like to be the connector. So um, I need to brainstorm a little bit with Eric and talk and Cindy. Boy, I love listening to all the things you you have implemented for to increase member engagement. But I think we can be we can help be connectors at the local level and at the state level, wherever you have affiliates, wherever we have services, if those relationships don't already exist, I, I'd sure like to help create them. This, this is Alan Peterson, and uh, my question is uh, about Spanish-speaking, uh, mm-hmm. primarily Spanish-speaking mm-hmm. uh, clients, and I, I'm guessing that they are not very well served. Um, well, in Florida, there are most of the organizations have services, I mean, for Spanish speakers, they have bilingual, absolutely in California, in Texas for sure, and New York. I'm not so sure, New View, Oklahoma does too. I'm not so sure about the rest of the country, but um, at least in the big states where that population is the largest, um, it does exist for sure. It's a priority. Okay, this is Artis. I just had a a question about... um, I know one of the concerns that I've found in California, I've met some people that are older and losing their sight, and they don't want any part of the organization because they've met a person in the past who had expectations that they needed to learn Braille, they need to be totally independent, blah, blah, blah. And um, I was wondering if you've experienced that with your organization and how you dealt with it. I think there's always... unfortunate um, experiences people can draw on from the past. But I think the state of the art is, especially for older Americans, our members understand that that's a little bit different, especially for someone who's had sight all their lives and has just recently lost it. They do see themselves differently. And it's not one size fits all. And, And I would encourage them, give them another try. Give them another shot. Lee, this is... Kim Charlson, and um, recently ACB, and you may have seen this issue come up, and of course ACB is working on advocacy issues all the time, and we had one come up recently that is of particular interest to a lot of our members who use guide dogs, um, and it has to do with the, um, the recent um, NPRM from for the Air Carrier Access oh, yeah. Act and how... Um, service dogs and regulations about um, what should be required or not required of guide dog handlers on airlines and um, flying. And so there's this whole public period. Mm -hmm. So ACB is working on comments. Our affiliate guide dog users is working on comments. We've spent a lot of time unifying our comments with guide dog schools and really developing, I think, a, quite a powerful, unified message. And I'm wondering if there's a way that the Vision Serve Alliance members could help by submitting, you Absolutely. know, a letter of support for our statement mm-hmm. in their own, you know, they could take our statement and kind of repurpose it with their letterhead or something to say these are our comments we believe this sure um, i'm happy to if we haven't already clark send that to me again and we'll get it out in our next e-newsletter i'll would, include it in my ceo message and urge them that would to be do a fantastic. vision serve alliance board definitely supports your statement that's fantastic um, but yeah, we'll urge thank yeah, you thanks, Lee. Kim. thank you 
We don't want peacocks on planes either. So, Lee, mm-hmm. this is Peggy Garrett, uh, president Hi, of ACB of Texas, as well as chair of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. And kind of going back to what you asked earlier about building trust, getting to know each other, part of the problem that I've noticed is that when a person loses their sight, they're already dealing with a lot. And when they seek services, a lot of times they're made to feel less than because of the stigma that goes along with being blind. People are afraid of blindness, Mm -hmm. and they stigmatize people who are blind. So it's a matter of education, just constantly educating people to understand that blindness is only a part of who people are, but it does not signify that they can't be who they really want to be. Uh, Going to some of the VRs, uh, offices for services, even to doctors, uh, you're just blind, and that's it. And I think unless we continue to educate people, I think education is one way of building trust because when people understand, rather than just make assumptions, uh, I think that makes a big difference. And that kind of ties in with what Alice was saying too, uh, you know, about how people are, are just not uh, being given the services that they need because they don't understand what our capabilities are. And I, I think the trust, the education kind of is a tag team that they go together. I totally agree. And I don't mean to make it sound like all of our members do everything perfectly or know what they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. But that is part of how ACB and your affiliates can help people. They need to hear, they need your input and they need your support. Um, we're going to be much stronger over the next decade if we work together than we can ever be individually. So I don't want to make light of it, don't want to make it sound like, you know, it's all hunky-dory, but I I hope you're willing to take that step, and I'm encouraging our members. Many of them are already there and really want your help, really want to get involved, and um, we're going to have to do this one step at a time. Okay, I think we're good. Okay, yeah, uh, Dan asked me to talk about one more thing. So he mentioned that um, I am going to be implementing Traction EOS with ACB. I'm so excited about it. Um, It is a management, leadership, strategic planning, um, engagement system. Traction is a book that was written by Gino Wickman. So if you're interested... It's, it's available as an audio book. In fact, you can even just download the EOS app and listen to Gino himself read you big parts of the book. We went through this at when I was still the CEO at Lighthouse Central Florida. Dan was on the board of Lighthouse Central Florida at that time. Still is, right? Yeah. And we did it because we as an organization had hit the ceiling. I'm sure you've heard that expression before. Um, I knew as the CEO that we had experienced tremendous growth. We developed this new subsidiary, Lighthouse Works. 
we were very pleased with where we had gotten, but we had much bigger plans ahead. And we realized that what, what got us to that point was not enough to get us to the next. And we looked for some system, something that would help us grow and mature and systematize as an organization. And one of my employees had read Traction, and she brought it forward and said, why don't we all read this and, and consider it? So long story short, we decided to implement it. We hired a, an EOS official implementer, an outside person, and it, the implementation process is two years. It's not a simple fix. Um, there's hard work. There is homework. For a while, everybody feels like, oh, God. It's like um, when I was a little girl, I had this book called Mrs. Sad Sack. Anybody remember that book? She, she was a farmer's wife, and she had six children and lived in a, a one-bedroom home. And she complained to her doctor that she was losing her mind with all these kids. And, and he said, okay, well, here's what I want you to do. Go home and bring the chickens inside. And she's like, what? And he went home and he brought the chickens. She brought the chickens in. And then a week later, she said, this isn't working. It's even worse. He said, well, now I want you to go home and bring the pigs in. And she brought the pigs in. And then the cows. And then finally, he said, okay, take all the animals out. And then she had plenty of room in her house. (laughs) So it's not quite like that, but it's going to feel like that for a little while, that there's even more work that ACB has to do. But in the long run, by the end of the second year, I think you're going to feel a a real change where you have a sustainable operating system. See, we didn't have that at Lighthouse before we went through this. We had great leaders, we had great ideas, and we had a hodgepodge of, of systems, but we didn't have one operating system. And that is what uh, is, has given Lighthouse the foundation to be able to move forward and be sustainable. I fell in love with it so much that I have become an official implementer for EOS, the company, and now offer that as a membership benefit through Vision Serve Alliance. It's the favorite part of my job. I love working with leadership teams and seeing how this will transform. So, so honored that ACB has asked me to do this and really looking forward to working with the team so that ACB will be um, more impactful, more sustainable over the next few years. This is, gonna, this is an important turning point, I think, and foundation um, that will uh, support your growth and your goals over the next couple of years. The other great thing that's happening from this is I'm working with the EOS Corporation to make sure that every single thing they do is accessible. So. (laughs) Okay, well, thanks for having me, and I hope the next few days are successful and productive. Thank, thank you, Lee. Uh, isn't she wonderful? What a colleague, what a friend. What an asset to ACB as a member of our advisory council. Thank you so much, Lee. Next, we've got our Zoom panel. Zoom. Around the other side of the desk, yeah. yeah you're, you're doing good, Ray. All right, we got Ray, Tony, uh, Deb, and Sandra. Are you all gathering? So 
as the panel is coming together, how many of you have implemented some level of Zoom at your affiliate or chapter level? And are you finding that maybe it's a little bit more difficult to administer than a free conference call number? There's lots of benefits, but there's also lots of challenges. So our Information Access Committee, led by Tony Stevens, uh, took on the challenge to try to help us get past Zoom 101 and go to Zoom 102 so we can learn a little bit more about how we manage a Zoom meeting effectively. So, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce Tony Stevens. The rest of his team, is Tony Stevens is from Maryland. We have Ray Campbell from Illinois, Deb Cook-Lewis from Washington, and Sandra Sermons from Maryland. So, Tony Stevens. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Everyone is already taking their uh, siesta still. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. All right. There we go. Um, I will... uh, We'll be talking about Zoom here in a second. Folks know those can be recorded and also have video, I'm told. So uh, don't let us record and just turn our cameras toward everybody in this room if you're napping right now. Uh, We will work to try to get everything just kind of situated up here uh, because we have an outstanding panel this afternoon to talk about something that I think is one of the key issues folks have uh, concerns with on an affiliate level uh, in, in terms of just managing time, technology, workflow, trying to have meetings, but trying to schedule meetings and the the headaches that always come involved with technology. So what we're going to do today is talk a little bit about one of the solutions that a number of folks have found big success with. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, probably preaching to the choir in some sense for folks here in this room, uh, because we could probably have many folks up here talking about this subject. Uh, But what we're going to be talking about in a sense as well, though, is kind of reminded me about maybe, was it 10, 11 years ago, when this fancy device called an iPhone finally started to talk, and everyone was starting to think this thing, you know, it was a slow kind of introduction, I think, for a lot of people to, to sort of, but, but how has it changed our life today, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, a year or two before the CVAA was passed, um, you know, it, and that's celebrating 10 years this year, how much has the world been revolutionized through technology? Even more so in the way of... of uh, you know, for folks in the professional world about having virtual meetings and just being able to communicate, being able to connect with people, right? How many people have had headaches with freeconferencecall.com and just the struggles and, and people stressing and trying to get on calls and the number's not working or it starts sounding like you're E.T. from outer space halfway through. So all these things. So we're going we're gonna to be brief, be brilliant, be gone is always my three Bs. Um, but uh, I, I want to introduce our panel up here. And I will let them do that. They come from uh, three different time zones, which is another thing about virtual meetings that's great. You can be all over the country holding these meetings at any time. Uh, but I will let them introduce themselves by the one closest to me on my right. And I don't know how they've sit yet, so this is a surprise for me as well. So who do we have just to my right? Do we have microphones? How are you all doing over here? Do we have another microphone? Yeah, reach up. Here. Here, I'll hand a mic to you. You can take a seat. Excellent. So, good afternoon, everyone. 
I am Sandra Sermons. I live in Rockville, Maryland. And um, I actually, I'm a contracting officer by profession, but I am chair of international relations and I'm on the information access committee. So um, that's basically who I am. Am I next? Okay, pardon me. Uh, I'm Deb Cook-Lewis. I'm from Clarkston, Washington, and I'm the chair of the Board of Publications. And in my, I'm retired now, but in my work life, I worked um, at the university, which is where I got my exposure by fire to Zoom. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually talking pretty loud. So. <laughs> I'm Deb Cook-Lewis. I'm from Clarkston, Washington. Um, I um, am chair of the Board of Publications for ACB, and in my, I'm retired now, but in my work life was where I was introduced to Zoom, where I worked at the university. We had trial by fire, and we would have meetings with three or 400 people on our Zoom client. Good afternoon. Uh, Ray Campbell, second vice president of ACB. Um, in my Full-time, what I get paid for, I work as a senior accessibility analyst for United Airlines. And uh, so I've gotten used to holding meetings on Zoom, um, both for work and also for ACB-related uh, tasks. And I'm getting a little close to the speaker, so I'm trying to watch that. Oh, you got one there? Okay, yes. so we'll, we'll, we'll work with passing the mics around in just a second. Um, so for th who, who has not used Zoom in the room? Okay, we've got a few people that have not used Zoom. Who has used Zoom in the room? Who uses Zoom now for all of their meetings? All right, there's a few people, but, but by at large, everybody has used Zoom. Few people have, in a sense, been born again into Zoom. And then there are a few people that don't know about Zoom. Um, what we're going to talk about... So, what we're going to talk about now, after everybody is awake now after that, is, uh, is, is Sandra, Deb, and, and Ray are going to share some experiences on it that I think are very critical. Because Zoom is an excellent platform in, in a number of ways. One is very simple to access. If you have a mo mobile phone, smartphone, uh, it's a very simple app. For folks that don't know, you can download it, zoom.us. It's very simple to log into through Google, Gmail, Facebook, other ways to log in. Uh, it's free for the first 45 minutes, which is a great asset for a lot of people. Because there are, you know, ACB has been very fortunate to work with folks like Cisco and other folks. Cisco runs WebEx, and we're very thankful for their support at this conference. Um, Zoom actually was born out of Cisco many, many years ago. But to that end, uh, you know, it is uh, a technology, though, which, which has a price tag. Uh, and with Zoom, that 45 minutes free, who has used it as a free? Yes. Anybody use it for free? Who has used it as a premium? Who's paying for it at their affiliates, yes. maybe? All right. Uh, I think even if you're paying for it, you find it's very good value for your money, and a lot of folks know this. Now, what are some of the difficulties? What are some of the great benefits of it? Uh, we're going to go to Sandra, Deb, and Ray, and just briefly in a second, talk about one of the greatest breakthroughs you've had in your workflow with life and, and how Zoom has really kind of helped you build into that. Okay. So um, basically, Zoom for me for international relations, um, it, it kind of leveled the playing field. It, we have 
the, a lot of the people, um, unfortunately, are not able to attend convention um, in person. But with Zoom, we're able to have all sorts of panel discussions. We can have people on different continents. And the um, quality is so excellent. Literally, you feel as if they're sitting in the same room with you. Um, it, it just is such a collaborative tool that is accessible. You don't have to build anything in so that we can use it. It is free, and it doesn't matter where in the world you are, um, whether you're in the developing the developed world or some third world country. It doesn't matter. Um, it, it is just amazing, and it I guess that adage of of you know the the international village we're just a village it really mm-hmm. makes things a great deal smaller because as i said you know how far brazil is from here and it felt as if francisco were sitting in the same room as the rest of us which was amazing plus yeah. we had a recording of it so that we can preserve it and anybody who wants access to to it has it go ahead deb Oh, sorry. Yeah, I passed the mic down. Sorry. We're we're working on it. Yeah, we're we're learning the new skill here. So um, this is Deb. And um, uh, certainly what Sandra said is true, because when I used it at work, I interacted with people in India and South Africa and those on a regular basis. And it sounded like they were here most of the time. And so that was great. But on a practical basis for the rest of us who don't have to do that very often, for me it's been um, really useful in, in managing rather larger meetings. So our, um, our affiliate uses it for all of its um, board meetings that are not the in-person meetings. So we have all the board plus all the guests. And, and um, you, can, you can control when people can and can't talk and, and can make that easy for people to hear it because only one person is talking at a time, et cetera. And so um, it, it has made those meetings um, a lot easier to handle. Um, and I have not used this in my ACB role, but it actually does support, Zoom does support live captioning. And I, in my work role, we did actually use the captioning feature to um, support um, people who are deaf. So um, that could be um, a useful tool for some people. Definitely. Mr. Ray? Yep. We'll be as good a pastors as Aaron Rodgers by the time we're done. Um, anyways, um, we, in, in ICB, Illinois Council of the Blind, we've just started using Zoom a little bit. Um, we, uh, we have the traditional old freeconferencecall.com and poor quality and all that stuff. So finally, at their last board meeting, uh, which was always, it's a winter time, so it's always a conference call meeting, we said, we're going to try Zoom. And I was the administrator because I have a Zoom Pro account. And um, I'll tell you, from uh, uh, the, the person administering a meeting, now I did it through the uh, desktop client uh, on the computer, and uh, I found uh, some really neat uh, tools. Number one, I knew who was all on the meeting, how many people were there. I could look at the participant list and see who was uh, there, who was uh, muted, who was unmuted. Um, if I needed to mute somebody, I could do that. Now, we'll talk about some things with that in a minute. But um, just to have that kind of uh, uh, power and be able to, to do that and the clarity... I, I think what the amazing, one of the amazing things for me was we did have some people on our meeting that were on regular old phones, landline phones, 
they were just as clear as could be. And, uh, and I think the thing I like most about Zoom is that you, you can connect however you are most comfortable connecting. If you want to use the app, you can. If you want to use a computer, you can do that. If you want to use just the old phone, by golly, you can do that as well. And so it allows people to participate in the way that's most comfortable for them. Um, and uh, one thing that many, many of us maybe would not benefit from, but in your work life, if you use Zoom, that you're going to find that you'll be working around perhaps a little bit, is screen sharing. You can share your screen in Zoom just like you can on WebEx and things like that. So those are some of the reasons that uh, I'm a big fan of Zoom. And, and it's, you know, not everybody has a smartphone. And the fact that you can use that to uh, have the traditional landline phones is great. I actually like sometimes dialing in on the landline from my phone where you use the app and it clicks the button and says, do you want to dial in? And it'll do that dial in, you know, like the yeah. old traditional boop, 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 like R2-D2. I, 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 laid and then you, I laid in bed and bought cookies at the auction on my phone through Zoom. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you, uh, you, know, you wait a second in that pause, and what's the worst thing about any conference call in life before that was finding that access code and trying to listen to it and listen to the person say, you have three seconds and you'll explode if you do not enter the access code. So... You know, and, and then it just automatically even t tags that in for you. Um, it, now, of course, we're not here. This is not a commercial for Zoom. If they are listening over the interweb, they are happy to <laughs> support. But, but in that sense, um, you know, it, it, it does have its, its issues sometimes that take, it, with any technology, sometimes there are the headaches, right? Anything. Uh, if folks have been in, uh, you know, we did our IAC town hall a couple, couple months ago. And it was the kind of thing where uh, there were, you know, 100 or so people on the Zoom call. And when you start getting that many people unmuted, it can be chaos. Um, I, I think, what are, what are some of the, the concerns that, that I think a lot of us have? Has anyone dealt with that before where you get so many people on the call and it just becomes yep. unruly? Someone is snoring. Someone is, <laughs> is eight people are using JAWS. <laughs> someone is, usually I'm yelling at my son. So, and you don't realize you're unmuted. Some of, the, some of the ideas, because this is something that, that I really want to know, Deb and Ray both brought it up, but your, your thoughts on leading the meetings and some techniques that we can use to enhance the meetings and manage as we try to build it out to larger groups. Okay. We'll start with Ray and then work our back uh, way sure. to Sandra, Deb and Sandra. Sure. Uh, so a couple of things about leading meetings. Um, I think, number one, you've got to decide how you're going to handle the muting because what, what I've found on calls that I've been on on Zoom is you can't mix where the people mute themselves or you mute everybody. You've got to decide how you're going to handle that. So um, you, the, the one thing that I've seen work in some situations is you mute everybody and then the speaker unmutes themselves and then talks. Because you may not know who that speaker is. If somebody calling from their phone, you may not know their phone number. So um, that's one way to handle it. So um, And then they would mute back up, and then you could unmute everybody. So that might be a way to uh, kind of work around some of that. Um, it's really frustrating when you think it's self-mute and unmute, and you go mute yourself, and then you go to unmute, and it says the user has it. Tell you cannot unmute. Okay button. Ugh, I hate that. So um, that's one thing. The other thing is about recordings. And when you do recordings, it's a great tool to record meetings. The recordings are very clear and everything like that. I would suggest if you have the uh, pro account, record it to the cloud and that way you can just simply download it and uh, make it available. However, if you have the potential of anybody 
listening to your recordings on a Victor stream. You're going to have to convert them because Zoom does it in MP4 and M4A format. And if you try to play an MP4 on a stream, my lovely wife found this out, you'll get a Media 11 error. <laughs> so you don't, you don't want that. So just convert it to MP3 and then stick it in Dropbox or wherever you want to convert to, to put it. Um, Goldwave is a nice tool for doing that. It's very easy. Just pu pull it into Goldwave and save it back out as an MP3 and then put it up, and you'll have a nice recording. So those are just a couple of, from my corner. And here's Deb. Thanks, Ray. Deb? So because we're having dialogue, I'm actually going to disagree a little bit with uh, one of Ray's comments, and, and I have some justification for it. Uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. And, well, oh, probably That's not. why we're here. <laughs> no. So first of all, I'm going to strongly recommend that you um, mute the callers, unless you're going to really let everyone just treat it like a phone and everybody's going to stay unmuted the whole time. That's fine. That's how we do our Board of Publications meetings. We aren't that large a group, and we just treat it like a phone line. So that's fine. But if you do need to manage the meeting... Um, then I absolutely recommend that you mute all of the callers. They are muted when they arrive, and do not allow them to unmute themselves. And the reason is not because they're going to randomly do that and make you mad. They might. But the real reason is that um, when they have unmuted themselves and when they are done talking, um, what, what I have observed over the years is that some of the people... Um, not the people. Some of the systems are a little easier to... Like, the folks on the phone, they're just pressing star six. They'll probably remute themselves. And the folks on the PC will remute themselves. That's Alt-A or Command-A on the Mac. But um, the folks on the smartphones have to find it in the app. And it has actually moved around a few times in upgrades of Zoom. And it's easy right now today, but I don't know tomorrow whether it will be. So they don't always re get themselves remuted, and then they're trying to be quiet. And you see they're unmuted, so you mute them, and now they're stuck, and they can't unmute, right? So I recommend let's not even go there. Um, let's, let's keep them muted, and let's unmute them as we want. And if you want them to all visit, just make sure that you do both things, that you mute them, and that you check that they cannot unmute themselves. And if you do, for some reason, want to have a free-for-all with folks, and they might like it, um, you and you unmute them all and you mute them back, you need to go check that they are still unable to mute themselves because usually Zoom will uncheck that box, and then suddenly they can. And one of the challenges for, um, for your users when you're doing this is that there's a dialogue that comes to the host about the person wanting to unmute, and there's dialogues that come to you. And some products read those dialogues better than others do, and so people may not really know what, you, what, you, what is being wanted of them, and so then they don't do it. And so um, that's one I had to really learn the hard way. And, um, and, and so I absolutely recommend um, doing that. Um, the, other, the other item that I wanted to mention that people ask me about um, quite often is what to do about the fact that if you've purchased one license, you've got one administrator. And so does that poor person have to come to every miserable call the organization has until they get unelected from being the administrator? 
And, and I suppose one answer to that is yes, but actually there are two other answers to that. Um, if you, um, one of the things you can do with that administrative account is that you can, um, as someone already mentioned, you can you know, access it via your Google account or via uh, several other things. Don't do that for the administrative account. Oh, yes, some, do- some dog agrees with me about that. That wasn't my dog for a change, but some dog agrees with me. Yeah, pup, we've got that down. So the reason, the reason that I'm going to suggest not doing that to the administrative account is that if you use, if you create an, an, uh, a Gmail, for example, account, that is going to be exclusively for Zoom, then you're not taking any particular risks if you need to give those credentials to someone else to be able to log in. So that's one way around it. The second way around it is that you get a what's called a host key. And the host key can be changed, but you can give that host key to a person, and if you, the administrator or the holder of the administrative account, is not logged in um, and the person is logging in from a pro account, they can, um, they can, if they know their host key, they can actually take over that particular conference, and that could be what you want them to do. Um, so, so that is also a, a possibility for when you do have a situation where you need multiple people to be able to host the calls. You can also have a call that's totally not hosted, and you set that up in a particular way. Um, it's actually that people can enter before the host, and so you set that up, and then you have to set it up that everybody's unmuted, and then it's just operating like a telephone. So if you want to just use it for a conference call, for example, for where all the people are going to call in on the phone, or maybe just one person is going to call in on their computer, but they don't need a host. Again, it's not that large a group. It's not hard to manage. You can set it up so that it looks just like that phone system that they're giving up. So that also, I think, is useful. And, and Sandra, any other uh, and um, as well, I'm, any words of wisdom? Uh, absolutely. Just um, girl power. I'm with Deb in terms of you, mm-hmm. you mute everybody because giving – and I, what I do is I mute. And then um, toward the end, when, when questions, when I'm ready for questions, because otherwise sometimes um, the meeting can kind of get away from you. They don't necessarily – people don't necessarily remute. Um, so what you end up with is something that you may not want. Um, and just touching on the, the host idea, because occasionally I've lo- tried to log in and the host has some difficulty and I can't log in. But if, the, um, if you set it up without a host, you can avoid that, um, which is a good thing depending on what you need to do. Now, we, we have moved uh, into a long-distance relationship now. I am all the way on the other end of the country, and by that, on the other end of the table, uh, where I've moved to. Um, and we've actually got the phone here set up. Uh, let's see if we've got audio on this in a second. We're going to demo in just a second kind of how easy it is just to jump right into a Zoom meeting, right, from your mobile phone. So when we get the audio turned up for that, we will, and if my stupid face ID will also work. Um, <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if my, my dog or my child has replaced it with their face. Um, so we're going to move into some questions as well. We have a few minutes for questions, maybe six, seven, eight minutes for questions. 
so while we get the audio turned up on this, let's go ahead and answer. Do we have the mic floating around? Anybody this one, with a, a mic? The, the one that I'm holding. Yeah. Or do we have an extra? Uh, is that the only mic we have to float around? Uh, a Q&A a Q &A mic? There's one by me. Okay. Is that Nancy? Oh, Kelly? Is that Kelly down there? Okay, I, I will run mics. Oh, you are awesome. Thank you. Does anybody have any questions about, about Zoom in the, the few minutes we have left? I'm going to start on this side of the room. Thank you, Kelly. Just a quick question. Um, can Zoom be tied to a calendar app so that when it's good? Okay. And will it yes. dial it at the, at the time of the meeting? Yes, it will. In fact, I'm going to do that in just a second okay, here. It, it, that's one of the things I love is it's, it's, I log in with my Gmail account into the Zoom. And do you all do the same, our panel? How do you all log in? But I love the calendar. It does iCal and, and uh, Google. Do our panelists use it at all yes. like that? Yes. Yeah. They're, they're affirming yes. There's a time delay with this long distance here. So. Okay, Karen Campbell. Um, I, I like the fact that you recommend, you know, everybody be muted because I can tell you sometimes on the app, and I use it on the app, if everybody's talking, you can't always hear the app and what it is saying. I mean, I had trouble getting out of the auction because of that. Sure. Yeah, when everyone starts talking at once, you can't hear much of anything. No. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here. Well, I was going to say, too, um, uh, another qu thanks for that. Uh, another quick thing I was going to say, too, is that um, uh, it one thing Zoom's great for is if you're doing training. I actually trained Cindy Van Winkle on AMMS with JAWS, and we could hear each other, and you could hear JAWS. So that was really a, a nice way to do it. Yeah, this is Rick, guys, too. I, if you're going to have a big meeting, right, and you're the host of a big meeting, something we'd hi I hi highly recommend is that you have someone other than yourself administering the Zoom meeting for you. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that you know, you know, you can set the meeting up so that everybody comes in unmuted, and then you can ask people if they want to speak to raise their hand. Okay, and the act of raising their hand puts somebody at the top of the queue, and it requires that someone then unmutes them and so on. And that's a lot of work if you're trying to be the moderator of the meeting and to do that too. So if you have somebody else doing it, it works very well. We were trying to do a lot of that with the auction this year. Try again. And, Sorry. Uh, and, and I, I, think, I think next year you're going to, you know, we're going to do an even better job with it, with the auction, with the uh, holiday auction. And it is, to have that extra person is a huge asset. Because, too, if you're the moderator hosting something and things just randomly start talking to you like it just did right now with my phone, um, you know, I'll be there and I, I get a chance to know who's coming and who's going. Because, you know, JAWS or VoiceOver will tell me that as the Zoom app is in, in it's sort of in progress. Does um, the screen reader tell you when someone raises their hand? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was that, wondering about that. That was going to be, this is Sean Thiel with the question. Um, I, I have a Zoom account for our organization that I created. It's not a Gmail that's tied to it. It's actually a Zoom account sure. that I've connected. Then I've connected the calendar part to the main account. But what I found was when people would raise their hand, the list would move around and it wouldn't stop moving PM. so that I could Sorry, then Sean. unmute somebody. How do I stop that? So the... Yeah, this is Deb. So the list will move around, but the people whose hands are raised are at the top of the list, 
And the other thing, the, if you recall from the holiday auction and the laborious um, instructions that Carla sent us all about participating, which we've worked on for a long time to get this right, what we told, what we told you was do not lower your own hand and do not remute yourself. And the reason is that as long as your hand stays up, we can keep track of, of where you are up there. Now, Zoom has actually, Zoom has done a couple of things that are version-specific that have changed this a little over time. So some, anything I say today may not be true next week. Yeah, because this, was, this but, was in January right that I was now, trying this. Okay, yeah, but right now today, I checked this before we came in here. So I'd know what we were doing today. Right now today, um, Zoom is actually behaving the way I like to see it happen, which is that as the hands are raised, they will pop to the top. And if you do not lower your hand, it'll stay there. So that means that the hand is up, you are poised on them to call on them, you call on them, they'll hear themselves being unmuted. You can also say their name or their last digits of their phone number or anything, whatever you know about them. And you can say that if, if need be. And then they do their talking and interacting. And then when they're done, they stop talking and interacting. You, you mute them first. Mute first. Mute oh, okay. first because you want to find them. Because what will happen, this has really happened to me. It's horrible. Um, so it's, if you've had the Zoom nightmare, it's happened to you too. So what happens is that um, when you, if you do not have their hand raised, and you go to mute them, and a hand raises, you're right. The group moves, and you end up muting or unmuting the wrong guy. And it's always really embarrassing when you, you know, if if we mute Tony over there, right, because he was giving the presentation, and then we've just cut him off. Oops. And then you're frantically trying to get him back, but because you don't have your mute settings right, it's saying Tony's got to unmute himself, but he doesn't know he's muted, and... You know, so no. it's horrible. So, so the trick yeah. is four fifty nine p.m. The trick is do not do not let them um, ra- uh, lower their own hand or mute or unmute themselves, and then you will have control of where they I'll, stay I'll on the screen pretty much. Do we have time for two yeah. more questions? Or we comments? have. Um, well, our Zoom meeting is ending uh, <laughs> on, on this end, so we are we are i don't want to cut in the joel's time as well uh quick questions just real quick power questions oh power questions all right any can okay. these be the power question uh, this real is chris quick. gray is is there any kind of comprehensive manual on zoom besides the little bits of help all over the web pages so jonathan mosen did a really good tutorial on zoom a couple years ago which means it's not quite current but it's not bad and um, so that, that is the, the best thing. But, you know, really it's not very hard to do. What you really need is, is to practice. Yeah. And what I have and what I am going to offer and what I have offered to a number of you in the past is that if that's something you want to do, I'm glad to help you um, and, um, you know, help you, like, have your first big meeting and then help you do it. We mm-hmm. can co-host and do it. And I really think that ends up working more easily than a tutorial because the what your what your non-hosts need to know is really basic and we can put out in an email and what your host needs to know is just what it feels like to manage a larger meeting power answers uh so we are we are drawing to an end now um just real quick was there another is it mike and someone else there's there's one more question one more question real quick 
I wanted to ask, I had trouble, um, I've recorded a podcast and everything, but assigning a co-host until I've, I'm not sure how I did this, but I sent them a contact information uh, request. Is that the only way to get somebody to be a co-host with you? Or what's the best way to do that? I can answer that or someone else, do you want me to? We can yeah. Um, okay. Quick so, answer, and then yeah, more the, questions the, afterwards, the, folks, the, will be available. The quick answer is the best way to do a co-host is during the meeting. Um, it used to be that you could assign other pro users as co-hosts outside the meeting, but now you can only assign you can assign anyone as a co-host inside the meeting, um, but you can't pre-assign a co-host that's uh, or assign a co-host in advance or a host alternative host in the in the advance unless they are on your pro account and this is a, you know zoom the, the IC committee is is i, I think uh, you know fair to say that we can provide some resources for as well and good folks to reach out to and contact if you want to find out ways to make to better increase your workflow and other things zoom, like that. Active, mail, active, zoom, active. So, zoom, I mean, essentially, active. I just clicked zoom, on the zoom out. Like, find people and start chatting. Add contacts. But selected. See if my meeting is still there. Add, find, start button. Find oh, people and start chatting. Find oh, people and start chatting. Start. Start button. And, I mean, the app is very simple. Basically, I just hit start. Find people and start chatting. I just need to find the people. The people are at the other end of the table. Uh, but you can go in and type Add in email addresses, selected. and my meeting has disappeared. So, um, but that tells us that we've gone out of time now. Um, but uh, thanks to our panel. Let's give a big thanks to our panel uh, for their expertise. Again, an excellent way to increase your workflow and to be able to have meetings remotely, uh, which helps save money and efficiency. So thanks, everybody. And uh, Tony, I do have uh, one quick favor from the uh, from the Zoom panel. If you all would consider maybe having a Zoom meeting on how to practice having a Zoom meeting. Yeah, so I think a few Zoom meetings on that would really go a long way where people could log on and just play around. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Okay, I'm sorry, yeah. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, team. Let's give them a big round of applause. All right. We, we are now at our final presentation of the day, and this is really exciting because we're going to have an opportunity to meet our Batty Essay Contest winner. She flew from California, all the way from California to Washington, D.C., to be here today. Uh, she's a delightful young lady. And I'm going to introduce Joel Snyder to take us home with the Audio Description Project and introduce our Batty Essay Contest winner for 2020. Joel. Yes, sir. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, first things, uh, you know, I'm in my, we just finished our second day of, of the Audio Description Institute um, that uh, we do twice a year. Uh, and I've got a good 17 folks in the class. Come on in, guys. Find yourself a chair. Some of them are lined up on the side. Just sit in an empty chair. Join in for the fun. Yay! Audio description is it. 
these are, are some, some are experienced describers already. Some are just learning the craft, uh, and their goal is to be part of the fold of audio describers. So I thought I'd mention that. So with that, good afternoon, folks. I am honored to be speaking to you today in the 11th year of the Audio Description Project. Yeah. Hooray. Where has the time gone, huh? As you know, the Audio Description Project exists as a major audio description promotion and production initiative under the leadership of Dan Spoon, president of the ACB, and Kim Charlson and Carl Richardson, who are the co-chairs of the ACB Audio Description Project Steering Committee. Are they here? Let's give them a hand. And Dan, you know, before Dan got his promotion, he was the chair of the steering committee, and, and he did just wonders to, to really expand what we do and get the word out. Just great. Yes, we, one of our initiatives is indeed the BADI program, B-A-D-I-E, Benefits of Audio Description in Education. It's aimed at encouraging young people to use and write about audio description. Um, and boy, what a treat to have with us today. You know, we have, we have uh, well, really four categories of age ranges, and the, uh, one of the categories is the junior category, which is, I think is kids 11 to 15, and we give a first, second, and third prize award in each category. The first prize award winner in the junior category this year we chose as our grand prize award winner, which is cool, yes, and her name is Mina Lamara. I'd like to invite Mina and Parissa on up. Come on down here, yeah. There we go. This is really cool. This is, I think you're going to enjoy this. Mina wrote her essay. She's from Huntington Beach, California. She goes to, say again, you like that, huh? All right, she goes to middle school there, and she wrote her review of the described video, Curiosity Quest Guide Dogs. So, Mina, join me up here at the microphone. I'm going to put you right in front of the... I'm going to bring the microphone down just a little bit, because she's uh, a little shorter than I am, believe it or not. There you go. You going to recite for us? Yeah. All right, here we go. Curiosity Quest Guide Dogs. Mina Lamar. Before I begin, I'd like to thank the American Council of the Blind and the Audio Description Project for flying me out here so I could present. It was an unforgettable experience and one I will never forget. Um, so without that, um, here's my review. When you walk a dog, you walk it. But can you imagine a dog that will walk you? Well... This type of dog is called a guide dog. A guide dog is trained to guide a blind or visually impaired individual so they don't walk into anything. A guide dog will stop in front of any elevation changes, such as curbs or steps. They will also stop in front of any poles or any other obstacles. I've always wanted to learn more about guide dogs, such as how they are trained and what it would be like to walk with one. I watched a video called Curiosity Quest Guide Dogs, hoping that some of my questions would be answered. During the film, I was able to access a service called Audio Description. Audio Description describes what's happening in the film 
so that people who are blind or visually impaired can understand the visual parts of a film. The audio description was very helpful. Not only did it describe the characters, but also their locations and actions. For example, Emily and Cherry walked down a curving path. Something else I really enjoyed and appreciated was when words appeared on screen, they were read aloud. For example, Mary Springfield, president of the National Confederation of the Blind. There was only one small amount of feedback I would give. During the film, the dialogue and the audio description overlapped at certain points. Other than this, this review was I'm sorry, this movie was extremely factual and descriptive, and I sincerely thank DCMP or the Described and Captioned Media Program for helping me learn about one of my interests. Thank you. Wow. Whoa. And Namina, you're 11 years old, is that right? Oh my goodness, I made it, that was a faux pas. This young woman is 12 years old. I mean, come on, man. When I was 12 years old, I was stumbling over myself. I could barely talk or nothing, but imagine that. And what a, a magnificent presentation. And what great, what great presence, too, huh? Yeah, that kind of stage presence in front of a, a whole a big room full of people. Uh, Mina, what, what, what have you experienced Washington, D.C. a little bit? Uh, what have you thought about Washington, D.C. yet? Here, let me, I'll hold the microphone for you. It was amazing. I mean, I'm still really excited to see, like, the Lincoln Memorial and Washington Memorial and all that. And I'm yeah. a, um, we have a tours for the Bureau of Printing and Engraving, and I'm really excited. Cool. Wow. <laughs> that is fantastic. So you're, you're here for a, with us for a couple of days. Yeah, we go home on Tuesday. Go home on Tuesday. And by the way, um, actually, in Fort Worth, there's another Bureau of Engraving and Printing uh, there that has an audio-described tour, I will uh, uh, mention. I'm not sure that they do here. Have you gone there yet? No, maybe I should write a review on that one, too. <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, there you go. I'm not absolutely certain they have a tour here in the D.C. branch, but if they don't, you can... Let them know that they should, huh? Wake up, people. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I am quite honored to be able to present in person to Mina um, a very handsome certificate of recognition, the ACB's Audio Description Project, in conjunction with the Described and Captioned Media Program, awards Mina Lamara, Grand Prize Award and first place, Junior Division. Benefits of... Yeah. <laughs> Benefits of Audio Description in Education Contest. Batty. It's dated February 2020. Signed by yours truly. And this is in Braille, too, by the way. So, listen. Make no mistake. So, not only do we have this handsome certificate, suitable for framing. I'm sure Parissa, uh, Amina's mom, is going to take care of that. Right, and and we have with it right here uh, taped onto the certificate folder, uh, one hundred dollars uh, Apple App Store and iTunes uh, gift card. Is that cool? And that's not all. You should have received. Hopefully, yes, you did. All right, already uh, they have received an iPad Mini, the grand prize award, huh? You know. 
I'm telling you, you did great, Mina. Here's your certificate. Thank you so much for being here and traveling all the way out here to do this with us. Thank you for flying me. Oh, you bet. Yes, yes, that's right. I flew her here myself. I said... Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. All kinds of guide dogs here. So thank you again so much. Uh, uh, Parissa, your mom's right here, and you could sit up here with me. I'm just going to prattle on here a little bit about the audio description project, which I always enjoy doing. So um, uh, we got a question over here. Uh, uh, someone's standing over there. Can, can someone run a, a microphone? Thank you, and we'll, we'll do that real quickly or comment. My name's Margie Donovan. I'm from California, and I'm happy to serve on the Beatty Task Force. I want to talk about her TVI. Her TVI is Jamie, who ended up in our field by working for Mike May at Sundaro Group. She taught me the Braille note, and it's just so wonderful to have someone that came from working into the exteriors are refilled to coming into being a TVI, and both of Jamie's students won top places. So congratulations. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Margie. Margie is on a, a couple of different subcommittees of our audio description project, and she has been a tremendous uh, resource, uh, valuable on the Batty uh, uh, subcommittee, the Performing Arts subcommittee, as, as I recall, et cetera, et cetera. And on our steering committee. Thank you, Dan. Absolutely. Um, just great. Well, listen, many of you um, may be unaware of, of just how much information the audio description, provide, audio description project provides uh, to, to folks around the world, and particularly on our website and via our excellent webmaster, Fred Brack. So I want to make sure that you and your members at the affiliates know about the site www.acb.org slash ADP. Simple. Audio Description Project. Quite memorable. I'm telling you, it, it really is the go-to site in the U.S. for information on all things audio description. On television, you can find out what's on television right now that has audio description. You know, streaming in movie theaters, museums, performing arts spaces, much more. We have... Now over 2,500 likes on the ADP Facebook page. We continue to broaden our reach on Twitter. We provide weekly updates on audio-described DVDs and Blu-ray discs. We have a master list of over 1,400 titles now available on DVD and thousands of videos available on streaming platforms. Let me tell you, we have come a long way since 10, 11 years ago when there was, like, Next to none, practically. Uh, it, it, we, I'd like to think that growth is in large part due to the American Council of the Blind. I think there's no question about that. Um, we also provide daily updates on those TV shows, shows uh, the comprehensive uh, listing, as I mentioned, broadcast television programs. Uh, and we continue to develop our state-by-state -state lists of performing arts and museum venues currently offering audio description for performances, and a state-by-state -state list of National Park Service facilities with audio description. And I'm going to come back to that in, in just a minute. Um, I do want to highlight a couple of our accomplishments over the last 10, 11 years. Uh, every 
other year, we have an audio description project conference, conference within the ACB conference. 2020 is one of those every other years. So we will present our next conference um, uh, this summer, July 5th through 7th, three half days in Schaumburg, Illinois. I invite you to, yes, thank you, Ray, in uh, Illinois. Ray, are, uh, is Ray applauding for Illinois or is for, applauding for the, the project, one or the other? Or both. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Each year, each year we conduct two audio description institutes, as I mentioned, one during convention and then another in Washington in conjunction with this meeting. And we, we just finished up our second day of our 16th three-day institute, and, and it's gathering here across the hall in the Martin Room. We have a full house of, of 17 participants and, and ably assisted by Joyce Adams, who's been uh, working with me with the description for nigh on 20 years. And, and yesterday, Chet Avery, who many of you probably know, uh, right here in Alexandria, he joined us. I think of him as the grandfather of audio description. He was proposing description in the 1960s. He was here with us yesterday, uh, along with his granddaughter, who's a great fan of audio description, the, the films that Grandpa uses, right? The, the audio described films, right? And we also had Denise Decker with us for the day, who's just great. She was just great. She is the chair of our performing arts uh, subcommittee, and what a, it was so good to have the perspective of audio description consumers who really know about audio description. They're not just doing this casually. They, they get it. They understand what makes good description or not. Uh, on the website, you know, you can go to, maybe you don't know this, you can purchase DVDs or really anything else when you link to Amazon.com via the ADP website. You can look for DVDs. One click it will take on a DVD. You'll, you'll go right to the Amazon.com website where you can purchase that puppy. And, and we get a small portion from each sale. I don't know, a nickel or something. I'm not sure. That's why we encourage you, once you've gone to the website, buy yourself some DVDs and then buy a couple of refrigerators or something, right? Because, you know, then we'll get like five bucks for each one or so. I don't know what the formula is, but we have earned, in our 11 years, we've earned well over $10,000 just from that, from people going to the website. Is it cool or what? We've had great support several times from the DC-8 Association for the Blind. We developed an audio-described tour of two significant, the two main areas at the United States Holocaust Memorial and Museum, um, and we have another award from DCA. We just completed an audio-described tour of the Smithsonian Institution's Insect Zoo. <laughs> it's at the Museum of Natural History, National Museum of Natural History. And it's, it's not installed yet. It will be on their website. But certainly by next year, it'll be there. And, and we'll, we'll keep you informed on our website as to when it's up there. We, we've done a number of other special projects. You'll remember in 2017, the Eclipse Project. We worked with describers in Nashville and offered live, real-time description of the solar eclipse. That was fun. Many of you remember that, I hope. Um, I work with um, the, uh, and, and others here too, I know Anthony and Carl Richardson work with the FCC's Disability Advisory Committee, and we have uh, really made some headway at stressing the need for a national computer-based system for tracking television broadcasts with description, and I even think we're getting close uh, to having the FCC <laughs> abandon the phrase video description for what we've always called what we do, which is audio description. Come on, guys. 
You know, we're underknown as it is, and yet, you know, there are 20 different phrases for what we do. I think that only adds to the, the confusion, really. So, and we, we desperately want more audio description. We're in, now we're at 85 hours per quarter uh, for the top nine networks. You know, that's okay, but you know, that's about, that's, not, that's less than 1% of all programming. And some countries have over 10% of programming with description and, of course, captions are available on 100% of programs. Good for them. And for, for folks who are deaf who use captions, well, what about us? You know, let's, let's get the, the number of hours up, and we're working on that. And Eric, I know, is working on that, and Anthony and, and uh, uh, Clark and others to, to have a Communications and Video Accessibility Act 2.0 that will revise the, the rules and the law and such. We may have to wait a couple of years for that, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, we continue to work with the ACVREP, the Academy for Certification of Vision Rehabilitation and Education Professionals. That is a mouthful. Uh, we're, we're building a certification effort for audio describers. Um, and by the way, audio description consumer consultants. Never, you know, you've heard the phrase, nothing about us without us. And we want people who are blind, audio description consumers, to earn dollars as consultants on the development of audio description scripts, as voice talents, as audio editors. So that's a real push of what we're doing through the ACV REP and through our other programs here. Um, we work closely with the World Blind Union. We released a landmark survey of member nations regarding the state of description in 70 of their member countries. Um, uh, the ACB's publication, uh, as you, you may know, because I won't let you forget, uh, which is my book, The Visual Made Verbal, a comprehensive training manual and guide to the history and applications of audio description. Um, we're working with the Argentina Council of the Blind and the World Blind Union to hopefully have that available by the end of the year in Spanish. It's, also, it's already available in Polish, in Portuguese, in Russian, um, it's, it's in text uh, and MS Word at the ACB Mini Mall. Uh, it is available as an audiobook through the National Library Service. Um, and Kim, Kim Charles sent me a copy. God, oh, that was just so cool to get this in the mail. A copy of my book in Braille. I mean, I love it. I love it. Thank you, Kim. Um, and, and each year, each year we recognize the very best in audio description in the country and worldwide. Jeff Tom is here, of course. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we released, he's our chair of our awards subcommittee. We released our call for nominations for the 2020 awards. So please see the piece about it on our homepage. Uh, nominate folks, organizations that you know about in your states and who have made great strides in audio description. The deadline for nominations is May 29th. Now, here's, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wag my finger here at some of you guys. Are you ready? Uh, we need your help. We need your help. On our website, we have maybe 20-some uh, states listed with museums that have audio description, maybe 30 or so uh, website, uh, I'm sorry, 30 or so states that have audio description at performing arts venues. And we want 50. 
We want 50. We want to be able to list 50 states and the territories, what the hell, right, that have audio description in museums or performing arts. So not to embarrass anybody, but I'm, <laughs> let me list, okay, let me list the states that we don't have any information on. And I, I just beg you to get, I don't care if you live in the state or not, if you know something about what's going on in performing arts venues, let us know. Send me a note, uh, send a note to Dan, whatever. We want to follow up on that and get the listings. For performing arts, we have no listings from Alabama, from Alaska, from Arkansas, Delaware, Idaho, Louisiana, Maine, Mississippi. I see people cheering in the back. This is not to cheer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Mississippi. That's right. Mississippi, Montana, New Hampshire, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 17 states where we don't have any information about performing arts description. We got we to gotta get that fixed. I know there are places in those states that have something available. Let us know about it. And as far as the museums are concerned, we have 27 states where we don't have any information. So here we go. Alaska, Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Georgia, Iowa, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, uh, Mississippi, Montana, Nevada, what do I got here? Uh, Nevada, yes, um, New Hampshire, New Jersey, North Dakota, Oregon, Rhode Island, South Dakota, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. So uh, come on, guys. We need to, we need to ha- get those listings. Help us out, please. Uh, finally, I just want to mention I am available, uh, and I do this a fair amount. I think it at least dozen states over the years now, uh, available for presentations at your affiliate gatherings uh, and our, our steering committee members as well and subcommittee members. Uh, w- we, can, we can make presentations about audio description, and we have a lot of fun with it. We also can include the presentation of a described video or film, which I can bring with me. It really has been a lot of fun um, when I do this. In fact, I'll be speaking at the Arizona Convention in May. Uh, by, yeah, by remote, because I'm going to be in Peru, actually, doing some speaking on description. Uh, and then uh, in Alaska in August. And um, I'll be conducting uh, several sessions in June at the General Assembly of the World Blind Union uh, in Madrid. So if you guys are going to be there, uh, we'll, we'll hang out or something. huh? Thank you all for your interest in audio description and the audio description project. Dan? Thank you, Joel. Isn't Joel always a great way to end a day? Thank you, Joel. And Claire, Claire Stanley, are you in the room? Claire Stanley. Uh, Mina, are you still here? Okay. Mina, I want to introduce you to Claire Stanley and her dog, Tulane, which are featured in the Disney Pick of the Litter television show. And we'd love to get a picture with you all. 
So if Kelly can help us out there, that would just be fantastic. Getting them together. All right. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, team. And thank you, audio describers in the Training Institute. We need all of you. The content is growing by the day, and we need good quality audio describers. So with that said, we've come to the end of our day. I want to give everybody a big thank you, thank you, thank you for hanging in there till the end of the day. How did you all like this format this year with the breakout sessions? Did you like it? Claps if you liked it. Very good. Well, thank you all so much. We're at the end of our day. Eric, did you need Okay. Eric's good. Thank you all so much. Remember, be back here tomorrow, the same room, for our legislative seminar. Registration will open at 8.15, and the seminar will begin at 9. Thank you all, and have a wonderful evening. Good night, ACB Radio. Congratulations. Have a good evening. Go, ACB.